Dick, what's this? It's the New Balance Sebastian. Do you like it? Sebastian. That's the record we've been listening to and enjoying, Barry. Well, that's unfortunate because it's sex. Okay, buddy. Uh, I was just trying to cheer us up, so go ahead. Put on some old sad bastard music, see if I care. I don't want to hear old sad bastard music, Barry. I just want something I can ignore. Here's the thing. I made that tape special for today. My special Monday morning tape for you. Special well, Monday afternoon. You should get out of bed earlier. Come on, dude. Play it. Don't you want to hear what's next? What's next? Play it. Say it. Little Latin loopy loo. <laughs> Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels? No! The Righteous Brothers. Well, never mind. No, not never mind. You tell me right now what's wrong with the Righteous Brothers. Nothing. I just prefer the other. How can it be to state a preference? Since when did this door become a fascist regime? Since you brought that tape in. Oh, man, that's great. That's the fun thing about working in a record store. You get to play crappy path you don't even want to listen to. I just. I thought this tape was going to be a f conversation stimulator, man. I was going to ask you for your top five records to play on a Monday morning and all that, and you just had to f ruin it. Well, we'll do it next Monday. No! I want to do it now! I can't fire them. I hired these guys for three days a week, and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago. Now, coming to you from the CD Game Exchange Studio. I'm not even sure they're paying for that anymore. The broadcasting multiplex of CBS Radio. This is the Rick Emerson I think show. that CD Game Exchange open that we just played is a lot like the, the employees of Champion Vinyl. I think that they paid for that once, about six months ago, and I'm not even really sure they're still paying for it. And yet, here we are playing it. <laughs> I'll look into that tomorrow. Why, hello, it's uh, 4 minutes and 38 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of January in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios and germ-filled studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. Fantastic. Uh, it is New Year's Day. Why, hello, and thanks for coming by, and howdy, and uh, hey, hey, and whatever. So it is Tuesday. Uh, we are uh, We are live. It's because I have nothing better to do. So here we are. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us telephonically today, uh, 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, but nobody else is even here. Well, first of all, Richie does have something better to do, apparently. So he's not here. So you should know that if you call today, I say at my own peril, your call will be completely unscreened. 
There will be no one to weed out any uh, any sort of inanity that may make its way into the phones. Timmy Ryan, do you have an email address? Yes, I do. What is it? The best one's uh, Radio Tim Ryan at hotmail.com. All right, there you That's go. That's easy. Uh, Kristen Bowie, email address? Yeah, Kristen Bowie at gmail.com. All right. Uh, Aaron Geek in the City Duran? Yeah, they know my ass. They know <laughs> oh, oh, wow. It's uh, Aaron at geekinthecity.com. You sound fantastic. Aaron are like the healthiest person, people on the planet right now. You want now. a cough yeah. drop or something, dude? That is wonderful. Some sterno. <clears throat> How are you feeling? I feel good. <laughs> Some Buckley's cough syrup. Happy this tastes New like year. ass, but it works. Oh, Jesus. That was going. Wow. At least, well, I'm not okay. out of, at least I'm not out of breath. Oh, don't even get me started. Fatty? It's not that I'm fat. Well, here's the thing. You were wheezing, dude. I'm a thin, yeah. fat person. As we know, I'm basically just skin and lard. But the thing about it is, see, okay, let me give a little backstory here. So about about a minute before we went on the air this morning, I came into the studio, and there's a actually back up before that. <laughs> I know this won't make any sense, so I got to try to explain this in a way that's as less confusing as possible. Um, so Aaron was standing outside of the building about five minutes ago, waiting to get in because he didn't have a key card, and so Aaron is standing out back in front of the CBS building right before the show today, waiting to get in. When what to his wondering eyes should appear, but me coming around the corner from down the block, sprinting at full speed. Who wants to puzzle out? Who wants to reverse engineer how that came to be? Kristen? Timmy? I have no idea. Oh, please. Come on. Why don't you elaborate, Rick? You have no idea. Maybe this the, is like maybe an encyclopedia. This is like an encyclopedia Brown thing. Or playing a game of mist. <laughs> so there's Aaron standing at the back door. Let me tell you where I came from. Aaron saw me running from... Uh, through the parking lot of the Comcast building. Yeah, I thought for a minute you had forgotten that maybe you were back at 1080 and you were flashbacking to the old studio. He or did. That's the building. So Aaron was sitting at the back door. Lost it. Aaron is at the back door facing front, uh, facing front avenue. Uh, I He sees me sprinting through the Comcast parking lot, down to the sidewalk, and down front into our back parking lot. No one can figure out why this is. I'm disappointed in a lot of you. It was like you had just heard someone tell their dog sick balls, and you had to run for your life. <laughs> All right, here's... I ought to see now. It's, it's going to be so much less satisfying for me to just give you the answer. Because there's nobody else in the building who can puzzle. There's nobody else here. Well, I'm a radio bum. I don't want to work, and I want everything for free. All right, well, here's how it came to be. It all has... It, it, from from a small acorn does this mighty oak of a story go grow. I left my key card upstairs in my office. About five minutes to showtime, I go to use the bathroom. I use the bathroom. I come back out. I then realize I cannot get back into the studio because I have no key card and the electronic door has sealed itself behind me. I then start doing this. Hello? Kristen? Give me Ryan? Someone? We heard you. We were ignoring you. Help. And so then I realize I am not only sealed behind an electronic door, I'm sealed behind a soundproof electronic door. And, and, and I'm, and Didn't that happen to like us, too? It did while he was doing his yeah. show from here last year. <laughs> and he, they, they came back from break, and the bumper music was just cycling endlessly. And he's like, hello, for God's sake, I'm beyond the door. Uh, uh, I can't get in. God. Unbelievable. Like Unbelievable. Like show from here, really? He, from right next door, from in that room right there. I didn't know that. Yeah, when he was here last November, he did 
Fridays, he did his Friday show from Barracuda, but he did his Thursday afternoon show from right there in that studio. But he left at one point to go use the bathroom. He gets locked out, you know, because I don't think anybody, I don't, Susan or somebody hadn't given him a key card. And so he's back there going, for, God, for God's sake, I can't get out. How did he even get in the door? No, Timmy, don't. <laughs> uh, that's Timmy Ryan who said that. I, I like Tom, but he's, he's a big boy. I didn't make any such comment. Anyway, so so I lock myself out. I then realize I am behind a glass door. And I'm back there going, hello, knocking that no one can hear me. And I, from my vantage point, locked behind this door right before the show today. I, no one can hear me, but I can see our digital clock. Counting down to 11 a.m. It's like 10.56, 10.57. I sat back there for like two and a half minutes, knocking on the door. Nobody hears me, thinking, Timmy's got to use the bathroom at some point. Maybe Kristen will go get some water. Maybe somebody will need a napkin of some kind. I have a diaper on. Yeah, thanks. So finally, I just say, hey, screw it. I run up the front <laughs> stairs, out the front of the building, onto first... I th and see the thing is, from why the, can't you cut between the because, buildings? Because Dick, from the front, what are you yelling at me? I'm telling you, because from oh, our front God. parking, <laughs> from our front parking There's lot, really no there is no shortcut. There's fencing because of the homeless. There is no way to just skirt around the oh, building. Oh, all right. So you are then, and by you I mean I, obliged, and by obliged I mean I had no choice but to run down the block, around the Comcast building, down no under front and down the street. Where I have Aaron never seen you move that. You know, you can go to the other side and just walk down the Boy Scouts. Like by the Boy Scouts area, yeah. see? Would that you had been there with me ten minutes ago. <laughs> she'd have been with you. She'd have just let you in before. Yeah, shut exactly, up! Exactly, because I know how to take my key card with <laughs> me. Thanks, thanks so much. I've <laughs> never seen you where run that your, fast in my life. Where is your key card at, Rick? Is it around right your here. neck? Yeah. How the hell did you lose it in the bathroom? I didn't. I left it, it upstairs. Your neck? I left it upstairs in my jacket. I just didn't take it out of my coat. Why doesn't CBS install, like, a in-case-of-emergency break-glass key card in the bathroom? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's exactly why. Well spotted. Well spotted. Well, you know, Bob Rivers, he's a, uh, a radio guy in Seattle. He has the greatest thing. As a, as a, This is a pretty good stunt, actually. He had a microchip implanted in his hand that will open and start his car. He gets to his car. He just zing, puts out his hand. Doors like open. Force. Gets in the car. Puts his hand over the ignition, ching, car starts. That's not smart. That's kind it's of all creepy. well and good until uh, <laughs> yeah, until somebody hacks off his hand to open a door, you know, like <laughs> Doom Two style. Yeah, he's getting in his car one day to like you know drive somewhere, and somebody shoots him dead and hacks off his hand. That's and, what I'm uh, saying. They get a free access of the car. Or until Skynet hacks his hand and takes over his oh, body. His hand is like in a glass display case at Cyberdyne. Yeah. <laughs> all right. He gets the Evil Dead Two hand and begins to attack him. Anyway, so here we are. It's New Year's Day, and I started by being out of breath and sweaty running down the block. It must have been a weird sight, though, to see me running down the street from what must have seemed like blocks away this morning. I wasn't sure it was you at first. I'm like, who's this strange white I man? It was you. I'm like, where's the homeless guy standing by the door? Yeah, and I and do look homeless you. today. You, you look bad today. Yeah, thanks. No, I'm just saying. Well, there's a reason. You sound great, though. Thank you. No. Uh, all right. Uh, anyway, uh, here's what's coming up today. CNN radio correspondent Bob Noodles Costantini will be joining us. Uh, Ed McCarthy, James Roop, uh, who's knee-deep in idiots in Pasadena. Uh, let's see. Uh, a bunch of uh, watches. We'll try to get to some of those uh, today. And uh, I don't know much crap. Bunch of random nonsense. Uh, Timmy Ryan working on the following stories today for your edification. Jessica Simpsons going to be coming out with a brand new country album. All right. Yeehaw! A bunch of people died around Portland last night. Uh, texting while driving in Washington. I thought you said no one died around Portland. He was very upset that no one died. Well, no. 
Hold on here. I was upset that no celebrities died and that oh, I, I didn't see. see anybody get pulled over. Ordinary people. I'll died. talk about. I'll All talk right, more okay. about this later. Yeah. All right, okay. Uh, ordinary people died. Last okay. Night. Yeah. Actually, near where we live, sort of. Up on uh, Foster. Okay. Uh, texting while driving in Washington will soon be illegal. So Texas, beware. And uh, yeah, karaoke from hell at Dante's, where I was at last night, is now in its 13th straight hour. Wow. Okay. Damn. <laughs> Clyde's still there? Um, he was last night. I dedicated a song to him. What did you sing? Uh, Rock This Town by the Stray Cats. Excellent. The Good place thing. was rocking town. Yes. Uh, all right. Hey, is Lemmy coming to Dante's? Yes, he is. I, I'm going to see him again. I, I hope to play video poker with him again. Two right. times in a row. Fantastic. I'm going to have who in Portland hasn't played video poker with Lemmy? Because <laughs> I did it at the Ground Zero anniversary back, the 10th anniversary. He's really? just sort of everywhere. Yeah, he was playing across the street, and then he popped in, and Aaron playing video poker next to him. Uh, pop quiz, Aaron Durant. Do you know how old Lemmy Kilmister is? 63. 63. Well yeah. done. Well spotted. Um, which is just amazing. Still more I mean, awesome than any of us. Still And still, like, heavier and louder than any other guy on the planet. I mean, just, man, I was watching that... What is that show on VH1? It's classic albums where they just do a whole. It's like behind the music, but about one album. And it was ju- it was they did Ace of Spades a few weeks ago, and it was him and Phil Taylor from Motorhead, and just with a bad Shane McGowan teeth, you know, and just yeah, and just and the teeth must be a point of pride with him because he has the money to get better teeth, you would think. Yeah. But I guess he just figures like, eff it, I'm Lemmy, why not? You he know, he's got a lot of money. Totally, yeah, just you know, you know, it doesn't even matter. Uh, Kristen Bowie is here today in the stead of Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are you? Hello. How was your New Year's? Um, mellow. Did you go to bed early? Yeah. Did you watch Dick Clark? No. <laughs> wow. See, I've been, I've been about that sick. Oh yeah. No, this well, isn't better though. This yeah, good. I, I'm, I'm at about ninety percent. So. I don't think he's sick. I no. think he's just shredded and hung over. Oh, Kristen was that. a loser last night. I texted her and she was just hanging out by herself. She could have came out. and sang songs at karaoke from hell, but she went to bed. And yeah, being in a smoky bar when I'm getting better with from a cold, not a good idea. Plus, it was probably, what, your first day off in like six months? Or first evening off? Well, no, I had to work in the morning. No, you're, you're, you're going <laughs> to recover. Hi, you you're going to recover from She's your She's a game day player, Aaron. No, oh, I know. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Well, let's see who these people are. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. It is New Year's Day. We're live and everything. Uh, hello. Hi. Who's this? Is the phone up? Oh. oh, hi, hello. Sorry. Hello, hey, Rick. Hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, Happy New Year. Hello, you too, sir. Um, hey, I got an idea for a, a rather morbid and depressing watch that you could have for your show. What a be- what a great way to start the year. Morbid <laughs> yeah. and depressing. What is it? Bring everybody down. Um, it's a- let me hold on before you start this. Let me ask you on the classic one to ten scale. How depressing would you say the suggestion is? One being not at all, and ten being unbelievably depressing. Uh, this is about a five, your Morrissey-style depression. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the Morrissey scale? Yeah, on the That's like the Richter scale. scale for sadness. The Morrissey right. scale. All right, who wants to... Oh, we're take a vote. Who wants to hear the idea? Aaron? Yeah, why not? Timmy? Sure. Kristen? Of course. All right, fine. What is the idea, sir? All right, um, considering last year this happened with you know, a bunch of people that you knew on the show, um, this mm. year, like, two grandmothers have died after Christmas. Like, like uh, my wife's grandma and uh, my my uh, my uh, girlfriend's grandma. I know that sounds terrible, but <laughs> um, so, so like, what is it about Christmas that makes old people die? Have we considered the possibility that Santa is killing old people? Well, that that could be. I mean, I'm just speculating. It is sort of an Occam's razor sort of, you know, or reindeer. Well, I mean, I—that's where he gets his life energy from. So I guess. exactly, 
I suckle from the sweet, sweet bones of the elderly. Santa kills grandparents and eats their courage. Uh, so what kind of watch are you, su- are you, are you suggesting, sir? Grand watch? I'm, I'm suggesting a, a, uh, a, like a post-Christmas death watch. This would be a watch in which we focus on the deaths of people's loved ones immediately after the holidays. Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you why we're not going to do that. Yes, this is a terrible right. idea, this yes. idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think we're going to drive people to suicide. We're going to take a pass on that, I think. We're going right. to put a pin in that, as they say, and uh, probably not do that. But I admire your creativity and your spunk, sir. But I, I do think it's odd that it's, that it's just that so often that that seems to happen. Yes. Well, I suppose. Uh, all right. Well, it, points for uh, points for creativity. Probably not going to become a regular feature. But I'd like to thank you for starting. This is not you. You, uh, you are the first call of the year. Oh. You are actually the first call of 2008, and it's a dead grandparent-oriented call. So you're setting the bar in high style, my friend. Oh, no. Kudos to you, Rick Emerson. All right. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. All right. Well, let's see what the next call holds. We'll do like a three-call average. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Happy New Year. Wow. Boy, that's loud. Oh. Wow, you I sound... First, I get to be the first caller with Boop to say Happy New Year. Yes, and Happy New Year. You sound way too chipper. Yeah. I mean... Uh, well, this, this is Kara. I'm usually chipper. I wasn't even drunk last night, and you sound no, way too chipper I, for me. but I was peeing until like 11 p.m. You were Wait, peeing until what? 11 a.m.? 11 p.m. Wait, you were peeing? I am bleeping that phrase to me, Ryan. I think you might have waited too long. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, it sounded good. No. I, you can say that, but we're not going to. Oh. So you're yes. not letting me say it. No. No. We take the regular kind of shower here only. Um... <laughs> Hey, no. say, say say hello to Aaron in your most chipper voice possible. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Karen. <laughs> you sound so wonderful. Thanks. How's it going for you? It's, it's going Where great. were you skiing? I don't have to work today. We were up at Timberline. They have fireworks at midnight. Right, my sister-in-law was up there all last night. That's oh, she awesome. was stranded up there, wasn't she? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the beginning <laughs> to a great horror movie. <laughs> stranded on Timberline during a snowstorm. Because on New she Year's got hit. Eve she can't power. drive away. There's no cell signal. Down. Red yeah. rum. Yeah, totally. All she needs is like a guy with a hook to lumber out of the woods. I just wanted to be quiet so I can work. <laughs> <laughs> You've had your whole effing life to think about. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, well, I I have no creativity. I'm I'm pretty tired. But that, that's okay. After I, the I last caller, wonder, you sound especially happy. I did wonder why, when there's like ten people in there, why somebody can't get off their butt and answer the phone. Uh, well, because that would require Richie being here, and uh, so there's uh, he's not here today. He's following like eight girls right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. With his yeah. blonde hair. Thanks so much. Give Aaron a few shots and let him do it. That would be hilarious. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what? I can't imagine how that plan might implode somehow. Yeah. Well, that would be great. Well, thank you for being Scotty, the, the first female caller. Of two. We should call Scotty Whoa. and see if he wants to come out and do it. <laughs> what else could he possibly be doing today other than hating his life? Making money. No, we should call, no. Scotty. We should call no. Scotty and see if he'll give me money. I think that's probably the uh, I think that's probably the best idea we could come up with, especially considering the fact that that he actually he wouldn't even post a comment from Sarah on his MySpace page yesterday. So afraid of his wife was he? So, he wouldn't repost copies of it. Yeah, because she sent me a copy and he wouldn't. Post yeah, he wouldn't. Sarah sent him, you know, kind of an innocuous, sort of a joking but rather innocuous comment, and he is so terrified of his wife that he wouldn't even post a comment from Sarah on his MySpace. So I yeah, think he uh, should. 
He should be financially taxed for that, and it should go to me. I don't even know that he has. I mean, I think we're going to be garnishing. If we try to tax him, you're going to be garnishing his food at this point, because I don't really even know that he has a, he has income to be taken. Well, he doesn't need to eat. He just needs beer. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> he probably has an extra house he can just use. He's like well, he's like RoboCop. He just his, he's, <laughs> yeah. he thrives on a rudimentary paste made of beer. Uh, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all of you. Thank you. I thought of a watch. Yes. Um, well, it's kind of a Deadpool, but it's a Deadpool people who have been on the show. Uh huh. So we kind of predict what we kind of. We I predict, just heard her said yes to that before I really listened. We to it. predict who uh, who has been involved with the Rick Emerson show in like the last year or whatever. Um, who will die? Who is most likely to die? And then we have points and there's like a, an award at the end of the year. Now, if, if somebody you know somebody just picked the person or persons who die. Here's the thing. I have two observations to make about this. A. It puts you in the rather unseemly position of rooting for your colleagues to die, and it does seem that some among us might be inclined to do more than root. Say, so like Tony Soprano, like, yo, Timmy, I got a problem. Don't do that. <laughs> it's, it, it's like they used to have this thing. There was this thing that they used to do in um, up through the 1800s, and it was especially popular in Europe, and it was this thing called a tontine. And a tontine... Was it, it, it what it was? Was it's not a thing that Luke Skywalker's left inside of that hoth. I knew exactly what you were thinking. It is not a creature. <laughs> it's not a creature that kept Luke alive on the ice planet of Hoth. I wasn't nerd. thinking that. that was I knew. Aaron. I knew who was. A tontine, Aaron, is. <laughs> Thank you. It is a financial pool into which a bunch into which ten friends would all put a lot of money. So ten friends would each put in, let's say, a thousand dollars or whatever. And then you would put it in some sort of an interest-bearing account, and then as people, uh, as people, you know, then the last person alive would get the money. And so the thing is, you each person would, everybody would put ten, would put a thousand dollars, and you'd have ten grand, and they would split the interest ten ways. But of course, as people died, your share of the interest got higher and higher, and so you would make more and more money off the investment every year. And then the last person alive won everything. One being a rather relative sense. <laughs> yeah. But Britain had to outlaw them because people would, it would get down to the last two guys. And then somebody would look over there, coo, and like kick him right into the yeah, Thames. Sounds like the plot to like five Agatha Christie novels. Yeah, let's let's start that. Let's not. Let's start that. The last person to die gets all the money. Moving on. Uh, Why don't we just give it to Tim Riley now and just be done with it? Then? <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna own everything. Him and Google. Yeah. Uh, Timmy Ryan, what'd you do? Oh, you did the karaoke from hell. That kicked ass in multiple ways. Please, please to list two of the ways okay. that do not involve you scoring with chicks. Well, hold on here. There, there's uh -huh. an interesting story about yes, this. First off, first off, I, I went there to see Clyde because I've seen Clyde a couple times, and you know, you know, he's a dear friend of yours, and I've actually never introduced myself. Uh, so I went, and I watched him last night, and you know, it was, it was it was definitely entertaining. I said, "Hey, Clyde, you rock, you kick ass, whatever." And so I went up and I, I sang "Rock This Town" by the Stray Cats. Got the place just jumping, and I'm not, I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm not trying to brag on myself. No, you. Sometimes you, you have brag to brag on yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you it's just okay have to, to like okay Dr. To brag on yourself. Right. So and so afterwards, I get off, you know, and uh, I'm kind of kind of lonely, hanging out by myself, <laughs> drinking a beer. <laughs> I like it. And your head, you are always in a Hank Williams Senior song. There I was, I was. off stage, lonely, under the blue well, light of a corner I, bar stool. I was just hanging out by myself because that's what I do. And all of a sudden, like people were coming up to me like one by one, saying, "Hey, that kicked ass. You were awesome." And like these three hot girls. Two of them actually might be listening. Uh, one of them, okay, the first one, her name was Kelly. She looked at, like Meg White of the White Stripes, except 20 pounds lighter. Just, just totally hot. Is it she, Kelly with an I? 
I don't know. I, I have a little heart over it. <laughs> anyway, so here, here's the cool thing. So she, so we we started talking for a while, and she kind of looked at me, and you know, back and forth all One night. One thing led to another. Well, no, and so towards the stroke of midnight, she's like, "Well, come hang out with me," you know, because she was hanging out by herself. She's from out of town, and so she gave me a big New Year's. My sorority Eve sisters and I were outside in a van, and it broke down. No, she gave me a big right. New Year's Eve kiss, and it was great. Uh-huh. Um, so I got a little action there. And then this hot Irish girl named Colleen, she's got red hair. Uh-huh. Um, she, uh, she she was just hot as balls, and uh, she, we, her and I hung out for the rest of the, the night. the best story ever, Tim. <laughs> the end. Wow. No, By Timmy Ryan, age eight. No, and no, still, no that, that, last night was just a great night in multiple ways. Sadly, and, I've got um, bad news for you, though. Why? Every single chick that you, like, macked on, yeah. Clyde probably did later on after you. Yeah. yeah. I love the idea that you're there and women are just lined up five deep, though, just to come up and no, touch the hem of your that, garment. That's just, well, my sex hair. Remember that. Your hair, no one's hair has ever been more messed up than yours today, by the way. My hair kicks ass. All well, right. I think it's from the girls, you know. Um, she's never recovered. What time? Well, and so I was at uh, uh, Diana from downtown, had a shindig with many of the geeks. And so yeah. what time did you go home? Uh, we Do you clocked, remember? We clocked out at about a quarter to four. I, wow. I left at one thirty. In your conscience? You better believe it. Jesus. I left at one thirty because my wife, God bless her, had to be up at 6.30 to go to work this morning. Because if she wasn't, she'd have kept you there all night with us. Oh, no. She was Yeah, my she was having a great time. And she was... You falling over there? No. How you doing? I lost my earring. Still right. recovering. Um, so, and so my wife and Kristen <clears throat> Bowie are in the same boat this morning. My wife had to get up at like 6-something. And she's like, I have to go. And she's working. Wait, hold on. Let me figure it out. She's working a 16-hour day. Oh. So my wife had to get up at 6, oh. and she worked till 11 o'clock tonight. Oh. Bam! And she was drinking a lot. She's so. not working in the dependency ward today, is she? Well, no. She does have the lives and deaths of many people in her hands today, though. Because so, I've been told they frowned upon when employees come to work still smelling of last night's booze, oh. trying to treat people that are trying to come <laughs> over alcohol. I don't think she had time to shower this morning. I'll put Would it that way. Breathe I breathe on me? Yeah, no, it was... So, anyway, so yeah, we left at like 1.30. You were there till almost 4? Almost, like, quarter to 3. Damn, man. Time, quarter to, we, re- <laughs> we left around quarter to 4. The thing about that party last night is... It just didn't stop. No, and it was like one of those parties where as the night went on and people became drunker, more sort of just in the mode and just sort of like mentally unhinged, you just became... You realized that you were suddenly entering the zone where it was one of those parties... You realize that you had sort of walked away from the net and that at any moment something bad might happen or something just... Like, you realize that it was no longer a civil party and at any second if somebody had crashed through a glass coffee table, like, it would have seemed totally appropriate. Yeah. I mean, you just sort of waited for that to happen. Like, you just knew something was going to get set on fire. No, I began to channel my uh, my inner doctor, you know, my inner uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Really? Oh, man, it was it was all over the place. Do it. What, what part? Do I don't know. We were coming down to a bar store when the drugs kicked in. That's pretty good. Thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Happy New Year. Hello. Happy New Year, Rick. Hi. Aaron, Kristen, Timmy. Hey. Hi. Hey. It's uh, Boba Fett. Oh, hello. Hi. Oh, I didn't even recognize you. Bob Fett. How are... Bob Fett. <laughs> Bob A. Fett. Bob A. Fett. What about Bob Fett? Uh, just calling saying, yeah, if you guys do do that, uh... That, uh, Death Watch, you know, I, I am out for hire. You sound really good, by the way. <laughs> Well, you know, years of, of clean living. No, I'm being sarcastic. You sound terrible. <laughs> when did you get to bed? Oh, seven. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Will you, you, please you, tell me you're working today and driving a forklift. No, not today. Ah, it's too bad. You've seen photos of him. You know what he was doing last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you want to see my disintegrator? Stop. <laughs> 
No, but I, I wish you had gotten video of Rick running down the street because that would have oh, been man. awesome to see. No, I. You know what? I wish we had taped last night. And we're gonna do this. I'm yeah, calling no, dibs on this right now. And in fact, where is my? Uh, hold on. Where is my? Are you talking about Dick Clark? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, no, I was no, but I, I got was, a thought on that. Hold one. on a second. Let me just. I'm copywriting this. This joke copyrighted 2008. Rick Emerson show. First use of the year. I'm calling dibs on this bit. The next time we're gonna get... actually shouldn't I call dibs on this bit? Did you come up with the idea? Of course I came. I came up with every idea last night. Sorry, that was gold. Here's the thing. We're gonna get like. You, me, Scott, Jen, uh, everybody, everybody uh, in a room. Uh, yeah, we're getting all the dorks in a room with the Nintendo Wii and Lots that and that little Ederol MP3 recorder, <laughs> and we're just gonna tape that for like an hour and a half, and then I'm gonna edit it down and play it back because really, I thought that that the the I thought that the recordings of my Xbox Live sessions were insane. But just last night, a bunch of just largely pasty, overweight dudes <laughs> in a living room couldn't play a real sport if our lives depended on it. Playing Wii Tennis. And just, you know, and just totally... And Aaron screaming like, suck on that! Ugh! You know, and just There's like... There's some on your face, punk! Yeah, just screaming in profanity and... totally a party console. And at one point, I, I like it. swung so hard that I cracked the you controller into the ceiling. ceiling. Because I was in, because I was doing this, I was literally jumping up and like slamming it down like Bjorn Borg in the living room. You were room. trying to like land a Nike endorsement touch. Come on, you know, it's just just retards. Did you like, guys play Dungeons scale. and Dragons and drink Mountain Dew after that? You shut up. Well, Aaron, Aaron, pro Aaron probably did. And then go back to your no, parents' basement. All right. Uh, the, re the reason I was calling <laughs> yes. was because uh, I was over at Dixie and some couple of girls were talking about you know their hand was cold from holding their beer. She's like, you got to get one of those thingies, those uh, those foam things. I said, it's, it's a beer cozy. And she yeah. goes, no, no, it's not. I don't think it is. I said, yeah, it's a cozy, not a koozie. Call yeah. it a koozie, and I'll kick you out. That's what I'm saying. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Yeah, Happy New Year. All right, well, let's not break yet. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Do we have uh, Bob Costantini Sounder? Let's welcome now, from the hill, CNN radio correspondent and first correspondent of 2008, Bob! Thank you, Rick. Happy New Year to everyone. Hi, Bob. How are you? Uh, fine, fine. How's life? How are how are things? How's life? How was the New Year's in the Constantini household? Uh, relatively early because um, I had to be in work at uh, 5:30 this morning. Uh, all right then. Are you on a? Are you now? If I can ask this, are you on a different phone than usual or in a different studio? Your voice sounds different today. Yes, I'm on a different phone. Uh, it's not. It's not the result of perhaps a long night of shindigs and libations. No, no, there was nothing like that. As a matter of fact. All right, fantastic. That's the usual voice. No, I'm just. I. Uh, oh, by the way, just a little uh, off topic here for just a second. A little shop talk, as they say. Uh, I wanted to thank you uh, for the help testing out the ISDN line for uh, Lisa Desjardins to use for our radio play a couple Fridays ago. Um, she was You're able. Welcome. It's, it, it really did help out quite a bit, and we were able to get her on flawlessly, Edmunds, because you helped us test the ISD inline. So my appreciation, sir. All right. Do you want to explain to the uh, listeners what that is? <laughs> the uh, the ISD inline. Yeah. Um, for those who heard our uh, radio play that we did on the 21st, right before Christmas. Normally, uh, Lisa, you know, all y'all use just the regular call-in line like this. Uh, the ISDN line is is essentially, you know, for lack of a better explanation, it is effectively a super phone line uh, that is like a DSL connection, sort of. And it allows uh, for people to have almost um, 
CD quality transmission of their voice. And so yeah. it, it effectively sounded as though Lisa were in the studio with us. And that's a thing that we haven't we haven't used that ISDN hookup with anybody since we've been in the studio. So uh, you helped us to test that and thus ensure that it was a flawless broadcaster for voice. And so we are in your debt, sir. That's why they pay me, Rick. Well, it's, it's true. Uh, all right, so we are what, uh, it is 48 hours, two days from Iowa, is that right? Yes. And so, I, I don't know, and I don't, I, I'm sure that there's some sort of gold standard uh, poll that I'm supposed to be trusting here, but I, the, the, the first it was that Hillary was behind, and then Hillary was double everybody else, and then they were tied, and then it was like none of the above, and then it was Hillary again, and then it was just like some guy named Chet, and so I don't even know who's on top and who's not. So as... As far as CNN knows, uh, where are, what are the standings right now with a couple days out from Iowa? Well, Rick, as a matter of fact, uh, CNN Research Corporation, uh, Opinion Research Corporation poll came out this morning uh, saying that uh, Hillary Clinton was at 33%, Barack Obama at 31% of Lakely Caucus goers. Uh, but that is statistically within the margin of error, so it is basically, on the Democratic side, a dead heat. And the same, really, for uh, the Republicans as well, with Mike Huckabee and um, and um, <laughs> Mitt Romney. Sorry, um, Mike Huckabee and Mitt Romney running neck and neck, and the whole caucus process, especially on the Democratic side, is so unusual and difficult to really predict. So it's it would be kind of crazy to say who comes out as a winner if anyone really can come out as a winner here. Uh, it looks as though John Edwards will be in third uh, for the Democrats. And interestingly enough, Fred Thompson um, will finish uh, with the viability, more than likely, of third place as far as the Republicans are concerned, something that might not have really occurred just a few weeks and ago Fred or Thompson, might not have thought. Fred Thompson, who I think actually said in the New York Times or something the other day that he, quote, wasn't that into running for president. He he said that he wasn't really, he didn't really care to run for president. It was just something he did because some folks told him he ought to. So that's the sort of ring of authority that I look for in a candidate. A lot of people have uh, been critical towards Thompson for the fact that he doesn't seem to really want it as much as uh, as the others do. But uh, uh, almost by default, in a way, he's going to finish in third place because Rudy Giuliani, in particular, is not really even running in Iowa or New Hampshire. Uh, he has decided to put all his marbles in Florida and hopefully uh, make a big stand there because Florida uh, does have a significant number of delegates as well. And what is that thing that Huckabee did? Uh, it, where, I didn't really see the story unfold. I only could have read the, the post-mortem on it. This thing where Huckabee unveiled... Let me see if I can get this straight in my head. He held a press conference mm -hmm. to show a what was apparently really brutal negative attack ad towards Mitt Romney, at which point he then said that he wasn't going to show it to anybody. So he held a press conference, showed this awful attack ad to every press in the room, and then said, that's the kind of ad my campaign won't be running because I'm above such things. Is that an approximation of what he did? Well, what he did was he said, um, we have a new ad that we're not going to run, and I'm going to show you the ad, um, <laughs> which, uh, Come on, uh, which that's of course, probably got a lot of media attention, but oh. um, it's just one of these things. That it probably backfired, it would seem to me. Uh, with the way it was reported, uh, the reporters inside the room chuckled at the idea that, well, he didn't want to run this ad, but he was going to show it to the whole world uh, to get some publicity out of it, at least. That really is wonderful. That is like, that's where you really see just the ghostly hand of Lee Atwater just, you know, reaching down 20 years later and just running everything. 
<laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, so we are two days away. So uh, I have two more two days, days to away. Get cranked up they about start something. Meeting in the little more than 48 hours. They actually start caucusing. Yeah. It's Thursday night, and well, uh, we should know some relatively definitive results by um, you know in the middle of the night. It's all but it's, very uh, exciting. We're not going to settle this thing, I don't think. No, right. no. I'm, but see Quickly. that. I hope we don't, though. I just I hope the version should be as dragged out and just as uh, as divisive as possible, because then it leaves me no shortage of grist, sir. Yes. All right. Happy New Year to you and to all the Costantinis, and uh, we Thank will uh, talk to you in the immediate future, my friend. Same to all of you. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Costantini from the Hill. Fantastic. I dig that guy. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> it's getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a Viso spot you could run here soon? Uh, or do you just need Viso? Either way. Uh, I got to... I don't think I have any with caffeine. I don't care right now. Really? Yeah. Wait, well, no, caffeine would be the best. Hold on, let me look in the fridge. Okay. Hold on. Hey, in a minute, I have breaking news on your most favorite subject ever. Really? D.B. Cooper. <gasps> mm-hmm. All right. Um. Damn, we haven't taken a break. All right, let me do this call, then we'll break, and we'll come back with that and Ed McCarthy, and I'll get you some viso. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good morning. It's Diana from downtown. Hello. Hi. What time did you go to bed? Oh, see, I gave it up about, oh, geez, was it four? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, we got, we got Hosier out the door, and uh, I hit the hay. And I'm surrounded by corpses now. Even Heather's still asleep. How many bodies are strung out on your floor right now, Diana? Oh, uh, well, let's see. We got Heather. We got Joel. Prime's uh, in bed. It's, it's only three. Hold on. Wait. Don't I've even. got just a thing for Aaron. Hold Don't on. Even. Hold on. Think Listen. about it. Listen to this. Listen to this. That's oh. Boone's oh, Farm. Boone's. Boone's Farm Blue Hawaiian, no. Aaron. No. <laughs> just smell it. That's some classy <laughs> liquor. Wait. Hold on. Now, would you rather smell... <laughs> wait to kick off the morning. Would you rather smell this or a mystery bottle? I'll take the mystery bottle, okay, you Monty. Is it, is it the Cobra liquor? <laughs> Hold on. Oh, no, no, it can't be that. No. It's not that. No, okay. Close your eyes. I hope I didn't ruin the surprise. Hold liquor. Stop. <laughs> oh, sorry about the the glass last night, too. And your ceiling. Hold on. Aaron's going to smell and your neighbors. Oh, the mystery bottle. Oh. Well, the neighbors seem to have survived, oh. and we got all the glass picked up. All right. Hold on one second. Aaron's got to smell ah. this mystery bottle of liquor. Oh, jeez. <laughs> MD 2020. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, God. My, my my headphones keep popping in and out. The alcohol of the homeless. Are they plugged in? <laughs> no, I've been doing it the whole... Are they plugged in all the yeah. way? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Happy New Year to you, Diana. Thank you, Diana, for a great party. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank Fantastic. you for coming in. We'll see you soon. Fantastic shindig. There you go. All right, we got a break. Uh, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, the new news are on the way. Ed McCarthy, Aaron Heek in the city. Duran. Hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> You're cruel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Stay there. The uh, Rick Emerson Show. It's New Year's Day. Here we are. Uh, at no point will we be playing said U2 song. I already heard it like three. Man, did you ever wake up with the worst song in your head? Why is it only, I don't mean to sound all Seinfeldy, but why is it only the bad songs that get stuck in your head? 
You never wake up with some classic piece of, of, of the composition in your head. It's always, this morning I woke up and Rhinestone Cowboy was like looping through my head over and over and over. And it was just, and it was just part, the way it is, it's always just a fragment of it, right? Mm. And it's just that... Large letters from people I don't even know. That's a know. great song, though, man. Right? I wish that song got stuck in my head. I, get, I um, suppose. Just not to be woken up with. I get Spirit in the Sky, Norman Greenbaum, stuck in my head when I'm really drunk, when I wake up with a hangover. See, I don't hate that song so much as I'm just sort of sick of it. Like, it's, a, it's a fine song and all. I'm just sort of burned out on it because it's been used in, like, every movie under the sun. It did every... I mean, we, we, we did a top five a long time ago. Of top five songs that, that have been done to death in movies, you know? Uh, Bad to the Bone being number one. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? At least twice a Bad year. Bad to the Bone's been in like a hundred. In fact, at one point, Thorogood made a big show. George Thorogood, who I like, by the way, uh, made a big show of announcing that he would ne he wouldn't license it ever again because he said he was so sick of hearing it. He's just so sick of making money. And that well, that's the thing is that that lasted like a year. That embargo lasted like one year, and then bam, and it then was he... suddenly, and then it was in Stuart Little. And then he needed to pay his ex-wife off yep. or something. Yeah. And then uh, it was after Terminator coming. 2. He said that he wasn't going to license it anymore, and then it immediately came back. But uh, That's just stupid. And the thing is, those songs that are overused in films are only ever used ironically. They're never used seriously. Bad to the bone. It's always now when like a CGI chipmunk with sunglasses is like racing down the street to do something. Just like Born to Be Wild was used for like Stuart Little to drive his his like little mouse car around. Um, a song about rebellion and doing drugs and uh, sexing is all, now used in here, children's movies. Here's face. another one. Here's another overused movie song uh, that is only ever used ironically. Uh, I Got You, I Feel Good by James Brown. And it's always when, like, Robin Williams is dancing in the kitchen doing something or other. Just like every movie has to have a bunch of white people singing Motown songs, like, into ladles, you know, while they're preparing Margarita food. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's always like Joe Beth Williams and a bunch of, you know, it's Mary Kay Place singing a Temptation song, like, into a whisk. You know, it's just... Kind of sexy, though. All right. That's your story. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yeah, this is Kelly. Uh, I met Timmy last night. <laughs> well done, sir. Hi, hello, Kelly. Well played. Uh, Your voice sounded a lot higher last night. Well, Timmy, I'll tell you what. The uh, herpes field growing on my face is quite surprising. Wow. And uh, my taste is smoking, so I don't know what you got going on down there, but uh, get, get me to a clinic. Well, if it tastes good, it can't be gross. All right. Bye now. All right. Did I really hear? Yeah. Is growing? Yeah. No, smoking. Oh. Wasn't there a taint comment last yeah. night? Yeah. Yeah. For what it was. Oh, yes, I do. We can't repeat it. No, we can't. Well, we could. Let's not. I think it started with your ears. No, it wasn't my ears. <laughs> no oh, Scott's ears. Yeah. I'm going to save that observation for tomorrow when uh, everybody's listening when Sarah's here. Uh, that's a great... Only because there's... Because, oh, can I say this? What? Well, screw it. Um, yeah. That's the motto of this show. Can I say it? The Rick Emerson Show. Well, well screw it. Screw it. Just in case. Uh, man, Susan Reynolds has talked about getting that as, um, as the, the, the little um, the logo on her business card. You know, Susan Reynolds, F it! You know, just, <laughs> um, I, we, we've agreed not to use her name, uh, but Scott Daly of uh, Film Fever Radio is now seeing a friend of Sarah's who we have agreed to call Susie. Right. Um, and anyway, and so there's, so the best worst thing happened last night, and I'm actually going to keep it in my head and not uncork it until tomorrow, because if I, if I talk about it today, then all the, all the fizz will be out of it by the time I try to talk about it again tomorrow. Oh, I don't know. And I want to wait for Sarah, though, because she's a friend of Sarah's, and Sarah yeah. will be able to weigh in on this. So everybody will be listening for that tomorrow. Um, 
All right. Uh, well, I was going to do something here, but I don't remember what it was. Imagine my surprise. Oh, I think at some point we have Ed McCarthy calling us, so I got like two minutes. We do have the breaking news, though. Remember? Oh, what is? I'm sorry. Hold on. Yeah. And there's Ed. So let's do this breaking news. Ow! Oh. Wow, that that was loud. Hold on, and then we'll get Ed McCarthy here in just a moment. Ed, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get to get a. Uh... Hold on. All right, breaking news with Timmy Ryan. Hello, All sir. All right, this just released. The FBI says it has released new information it hopes will jog someone's memory and help them determine who the legendary skyjacker D.B. Cooper is who bailed out of a commercial jet over southwest Washington in 1971 and who he really was. The man calling himself Dan Cooper, also known as D.B. Cooper, boarded a jet in Portland for Seattle the night of November 24th, 1971, and commandeered it, claiming he had dynamite. Agents say that they are almost certain he didn't survive. Yeah, almost certain, so certain that yeah. they're now releasing information, hoping to find the guy. Yeah, but they do this every year. Every year, it's like how, when I was a kid, every year there would be stunning new Loch Ness information. Yeah. It was always just like the same grainy thing of like a seagull. I have a theory on this. Yes. I have a theory on this. I, you know, and I, I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists kind of guy, but I think that uh, it was an inside job just basically to see if it can be done. You know, just like how, how would people react? Right. Because they never found the guy. They never found the money. And, I mean, I think everything was just kind of plotted from start to finish. Well, they only ever found. They found some of the money. They found eight grand, I think. But if you if you, if you you jump from a plane, not to get into this too deep, but if you jump from a plane with all that kind of money, oh. you're going to, I mean, especially with the amount of people that were looking for him, you're going to leave a trace if you didn't survive and if you just plop somewhere. See, I don't think that's true. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I, here's why. As much as I would like to think he got away with it, my I'm, I just assume he's dead. Much as I would like to believe the contrary, because my whole thing is, I mean, just take the bleeding obvious. I mean, Oregon is really full of trees. I mean, Oregon is, I mean, you could, if you just dropped something the size of a suitcase, which is basically, you know, a person, in the middle of, where have you dropped it? I've dropped it somewhere in the Oregon woods. Find it. I mean, you'll never, ever find it, ever. Why Even if they, you knew the area, you'll well, never find it. Why did they find some money, though? That's well, the question. If you, if money you blows it, away. Yeah. yeah, but they found, well, I don't know. It's like a person going straight down, especially if you fell and you made a hole in the ground. You know, like if a shoot malfunction, bam, a hole in the forest floor, immediately overgrown. Plus, he also fell in, you know, in a forest filled with a lot of meat-eating little beasts. Yeah, that... I just, I, my gut says that he probably hit the ground somewhere. But and he they knew what he was never doing from him. start to finish. Why would he screw the most important part up, which is landing safely with all the money that he just stole? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, but they do this every year where they release, you know, I like they had DNA alive. that they put out last I year. I say that he's still alive. And that we're going to edit, or, or he recently passed, and it's going to be revealed who he is. Well, there was that one guy that died in '94, and they thought it was him. So, and then they found, uh, they have some DNA from like a necktie or something he left on the plane that they just released too. So, I, I kind of follow that. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the South, CNN radio correspondent and man of the world, the one and only Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Happy New Year to everybody. How are you? You as well, my friend. I am fantastic. Living large, as they say. How are How are you? How's life? How are you and the Kathmeister? Not too shabby. And uh, you had a little bit of a respite there. How'd that go? Uh, good. I did. I was I gone? Eh. When was I gone? Oh, I was gone over Christmas. That's right. Uh, so yeah, I was gone for a, for a couple of days. Nothing. Uh, nothing too exceptional. We kind of stuck close to home this year. We uh, the last few years we've gone. Like we did New York and San Francisco and whatever, and this is, we just said we were kind of burned out, so we decided just to kind of stick around the uh, stick around the house and do a whole lot of nothing. Except for last night when we decided to stay up way too late, especially given the fact that my wife had to get up at the crack of dawn and go work a 16-hour shift. So oh, everyone no. is, oh, everyone's no. sort of suffering today. <laughs> well, 
It's a slow day. Supposedly, it's a slow day. I do believe that her resolution this morning was to, quote, never, ever drink again as long as she lives. <laughs> so we'll see how long that lasts. Which is actually, and actually, I didn't even really mean this as a bad segue, but I, it, uh, that is actually the thing. They've got, did they send you out on the street to talk to people about New Year's resolutions? Actually, that was something that uh, I came up with this year, and uh, I thought it would be fun to go out and talk to people. I actually commandeered a, a tour bus last Saturday Excellent. out in front of CNN Center. I jumped on the bus and said, hey, everybody, I'm Ed McCarthy. I'd like to talk with you about New Year's resolutions. <laughs> okay, can I just tell you, by the way? In my in my head just now, that was like the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves, where you're Dennis Hopper. Yeah, you just jump exactly. Out, Hello, everybody. I am Ed McCarthy. This bus <laughs> is going to Cuba. It's so bizarre that I did this, but I said, where can you get a bunch of people quick? I said that bus driver. Why don't I get on there, grab the guy's microphone. Hey, hello. Did you know? It's like I was a tour guide. Excellent. And then went down the aisle and uh, and asked people, and uh, it was really funny because we got these three girls that were singing, and they were singing, "We resolve not to make any more resolutions," and they're yelling it out, and it, it, it was just off the cuff. It was great. It wasn't staged. And I said, you know, this is my lucky day. I'm loving this. Please tell me that there is embarrassing audio of this on the CNN website. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I'm totally headed. I'm totally there. Hold on. I'm gonna see if I can find mm -hmm. some of that. Excellent. Uh, most common resolution made by folks. Lose weight. Yeah, that never happens, though. Never happens because half well, it can't happen during the holidays. I mean, you're thinking about losing weight, I suppose, after the holidays. Because, I mean, here you are. I mean, look at me. I'm pounding down the fudge today somebody brought in. And, uh, you know, there's always candy, wow. cookies, all kinds of stuff around here. Well, the thing about – here's the thing about the weight loss resolution, at least for me, is you always make that resolution when you're really full. You just sit there and you, and you shovel the calories in it and you're like, yeah, I think I could skip eating. Well, of course you feel like you could skip eating. You just put 9,000 calories into your mouth. That's like you don't go to the shopping, uh, you know, food store to to, to go shopping totally. if you're hungry. Yeah, right. And then, but then, you know, but about three hours later, you know, you're just going, well, I don't know. That cheesecake looks pretty good. You know, and then, and then you know, well, I'll worry about that dead resolution tomorrow. I'm not going to dwell on that today. Let's see here. I'm see if I have this uh, real quick. If I can't find it here, I'll play it later. Well, let's see. Features, maybe? I wonder if this would be under features. Let's find out. Uh, features, no, no. U.S., perhaps? Yeah, U.S. U.S. Uh, I should have been should have been looking for this earlier. Let's see. Iowa caucuses, Rose Parade. God, poor Rupa is just knee-deep in the humanity out there in Pasadena. Uh, Go way down the bottom. It may be way down the bottom. All right. I, can actually, I guess I could actually use, what do you call it, the search function. Hey, hold on a second. Uh, resolutions. I just want to hear the girls sing to you on a bus. Um, all right, here we go. New Year's resolutions, weight, running, family, no more, driving, kidney, helpful. Try no more. No more. Fantastic. Uh, let's see. All right. Then let's see. The, uh, how do I play this here? All right. Now, all right. The next sound you hear, ladies and gentlemen, will be, uh, that of CNN radio correspondent Ed. McCarthy. We resolve not to make any more New Year's resolutions. There you go. Fantastic. That I loved it. Well worth the nine-minute wait it took me to find out. <laughs> well, is this thing easier to navigate, this website now? It is. I resolved to, uh, to get sound bites uh, accrued in a more timely fashion in 2008. <laughs> Although, no, That's what the, they asked me to do. The website actually does work really well now. Although, I, I mentioned this to Lisa a while back. There is still this unfortunate tagline at the top of the CNN radio site where it says, and then it, it obviously has a little script in the coding so it inserts your station's name. And if you log in right now to CNN radio, it says, CNN radio and KCMD, keeping it real. So there you go. 
So. Okay. <laughs> All right, my friend. I didn't come up with that one. No, 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 it's true. You're a man of style and panache, Ed McCarthy. That's why they pay these guys big bucks to come up with stuff like that. Exactly. All right, my friend. Uh, well, uh, Happy New Year to you and to everybody there at CNN and uh, everybody in the McCarthy household. And we will uh, talk to you, I'm sure, in the immediate future. It, it, it is a wait. It is indeed. So, All right, sir. Happy holidays to you and glad you made it through safe. And we will talk to you uh, much more in the coming year, my friend. Thank you very much, Rick. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, there you go. CNN radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Fantastic. All right. Uh, hey, if we break now, we'll almost be on time. I know. Hooray. How are you feeling, Aaron? Ooh. How's that Viso going there? It's going down so great. It's fantastic. Stop it. Just kept eating. Eating. Uh, man, I was just grazing by the table you last night. You never left so. the food table. They had like a pound Except and a half of brie. Tennis. Yeah, no, that was and that was my thing. Is like, well, I've been working off all this, uh, all these calories playing the Nintendo Wii. I think I it really to... helped you when you had to run around the block, didn't it? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, that was my logic. I'm like, well, I've played some tennis on the Wii. I should have some little smokies. It's a little smokies time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and I'm gonna dip it in this nacho cheese. <laughs> Shut up. That's... And wrap it in a Frito. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what I did? Can I just tell you just to horrify everybody and then we'll break? Um, this is what I did uh, before the party, though, because. Uh, Lauren and I, we were kind of late, so we took a nap. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to have a little. I'm going to. So I'm like, I'm going to have a little something, a little snack, and then I'll take a nap, and then we'll go to the party. And so my snack though was we have like a half pound of applewood bacon at home. So my snack was really just, yeah. My snack was just a bunch of pieces of bacon wrapped in other pieces of bacon, and then just you know. I'm going to take a nap now. You cooked it, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, like you said wrap. How do you do you like yours kind of floppy? Hello. You're bacon. No, I'm just saying. No, no, I just... Yeah, you microwave it, and then, but you like you put one in the other, and then you microwave it. It's I like a little bacon uh, nugget. I lay, I lay them right out in straight. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Take a break. Back just can't take the can of wick out of the boy, can you? Thank you. You're going <laughs> to die of a heart attack. And I crumpled potato chips up on top of it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Timmy Ryan will return with you at the Ministry of Truth. In for Tim Riley uh, and uh, other crap. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Autograph my 45 of kicks. All right. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Happy New Year. It's Tuesday. And uh, stuff. Well, let's get rid of some news I don't care about before we uh, get into uh, whatever. Uh, let's see. Jimmy Fallon is married. No one cares. To a woman who's like 70. She's not she's 70. 40. She's not 70. She's, she's 40. 40. And she's not that good looking, too. Well, neither is Jimmy Fallon. That is true. He's well, you know what it is. But here's here's how you can here's the thing. This is job security. That's what this marriage is. Longtime Saturday Night Live performer Jimmy Fallon and movie producer Nancy Juvonen were married in Caribbean. A publicist announced Saturday. Uh, da 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 da. First marriage for both. Blah da da blah. Fallon joined SNL in '98. He's made movies including uh, the 2005 comedy Fever Pitch, which she produced. So mm-hmm. that's what that's all about. That's a whole lot of like. And actually, I, I was going to say something about that. I, I figured out why he married her because he's like a little kid, and she's obviously like the mature businesswoman type. So it's kind of like a mommy and son kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, no. He's no. a little kid, and not she's the mom, and she's the responsible one. He's the little kid. Really not going to go that way at all. I was just going to say he's 
Wow. I was just going to say that he sees that career just dangerously slipping towards the horizon. It must secure. Mary movie producer. Must marry producer. Well, he did fade off into obscurity pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah, no, that's that. So he's just nailing it down while that's he can. That's most doing yeah. SNL. That's the, uh, that's the whole uh, Shania Twain marrying Mutt Lang kind of a thing, <laughs> you know. She's over, too. Yeah. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth in the stead of Tim Riley. This is Timmy Ryan. Hello. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. All right, everybody in Washington, if you text while you drive, the long arm of the law will slap you. Like a bitch. Under a new law, the case of Yeah. That should be on the side of Vancouver's, you know, instead of protect and serve. Instead of click it or ticket. Yeah. We will slap you. Dot, dot, dot. Like, like a, a bitch. bitch. <laughs> Wonderful. Under a new law that takes effect today, drivers who read and compose text messages could face a $124 ticket. If texting while driving leads to a car accident, the ticket will increase to $175. Well, that, okay. Right. So, uh, the question is, how do you enforce that? And B, how do you determine that uh, you know an accident was caused by somebody texting? Well, if it's during an accident, and the accident is serious enough, they can probably just ask your phone company. Yeah. But, but then they'd have to subpoena it. Yeah, but I mean, depending on the accident, if you just bump somebody's fender, it's probably not a big deal. But then they're going to they have to determine the exact time of the accident, and then it's all hearsay. So how do you enforce that? Well, you could enforce it at night. Uh, I I see people all the time that are texting. Like at night, it's really easy to spot when someone is texting because the screen's illuminated. What if they're just searching for a phone number to dial? Eh, I mean, I, I don't think a cop needs to draw that distinction to ticket the you. Thing no, I no, really I don't. agree with on that is, from what I understand, if you receive text messages, you can be ticketed too. Only well, if you that's if you're it. reading them. Oh, though. okay. That's yeah. No, if if you if the phones. Although, what a great way to screw people over. Oh, give them a ticket. Um, no, but I mean, I, during the day, I don't know, but I mean. But at night, I can I totally can spot when someone has if someone is driving and they have an illuminated glowing thing in their hand held up to their face and they're, I mean that's totally yeah that's true I mean right. it, it really is dangerous it's well, not like talking on a cell phone which is fine this is how you know that it's basically just to you know make the money all right I'll read this a ticket will not become a part of a driver's record and dialing a phone is not considering considered text messaging. Uh, so pretty right. much okay. they don't put it on your record. So they just want to take the money. Revenue generator. Yeah. I do catch myself texting every now and again at the wheel and I make myself stop. Yeah, I do. That too. really is. I, I think I've gotten a couple of those from you. Oh, it is. Da- <laughs> so anyway, I need you to fill in. On, ah! You know, that is and that is dangerous. <laughs> and it ends with a... Totally. It ends with... Yeah. Uh, so Sorry for ending it with a preposition. This That's won't right. end with any... This won't have any effect anyway because they've just now developed opposable thumbs up there. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's an email for you. Rick, I was sitting here listening to the beginning of the show, feeling like hell and trying to eat some scrambled eggs to right my internal ship. I was just thinking how bad Aaron sounds as, uh, oh, I'm sorry. He said, I was just thinking how Aaron sounds as bad as I feel when, wait for it, I felt something tighten across my tongue as I chewed my eggs. I fished around in my mouth with my fingers. No, come on. And pulled out. No. A 24-inch long and almost invisible blonde hair that certainly came from my wife's head. <laughs> I just wanted to People jerk the, the hair out of my it, mouth. It tightened around his tongue? Yeah, he felt it tight as he was chewing his eggs. <laughs> my God. The look on his face is classic. It's like a follicle face hugger. Just... 24-inch long. He said, I wanted to jerk the hair out of my mouth, but I feared it might break off and lodge somewhere inside me. <laughs> 
As my downcast eyes watched in horrific slow motion, I could feel the hair slithering up my esophagus and across my tongue as I carefully reeled it out. It had bits of yellow egg stuck to it, by the way. Oh, Happy New Year, Aaron. I feel better someone uh, knowing that someone feels as awful as I do. <laughs> anyway, radio players say, thank you, sir. That's from uh, Michael. Thank you, Michael. How you doing? I think I'll go home and have a big hair sandwich. <laughs> you know, you can't digest hair. That's true. Yeah. They just pull it out of your stomach and it makes headline news. Hey, Rugby-sized like hairball. British girl, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's Timmy Ryan. All right. Well, some people died here in Portland. Unfortunately, no celebrities. It was a dangerous New Year's Eve here in the Portland area roadways. Three separate crashes left two people dead and a third with a possibly fractured leg. That first accident involved a cement truck, which oh. happened in Gaston. I don't even know where that is. It's out by Forest Grove. Okay. Yeah. Police say a 17-year-old girl died after the car she was driving ran off a section of Cornelius Pass Road and also up near kind of where I live, uh, up on uh, 82nd and Powell, mm-hmm. a pedestrian was struck and killed. Yeah, but the cement truck. Who hit the cement truck? I don't know. Somebody? I mean, is that that wasn't the girl in Gaston? Yeah, well, you know, it was a 17-year-old driver, so more than likely, you know, she was driving a Jetta and she's blonde and she just ran into it. What's wrong with Jettas? You shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was listening to Avril Lavigne. I think Buzz drives a Jetta, too, actually. Well, I love my that Jetta. That says a lot. Ah, that's you who said that to me, Ryan. Making friends left and right. I, cement truck is a bad Buzz way to go. Like me anyway. All right. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Did the cement truck hit her, or? It's sort of unclear. Hello, yeah, hi. cement shoes. Hey, this is uh, er- Ernie from uh, Harv's Pork Shack. Wait, hold on. Is this? Uh, are we leading to a punchline, or was that the punchline? No, in, in honor of Aaron's uh, oh, hangover, we'd like to bring down some lukewarm pork sandwiches oh. and leftover clam juice. And what? Leftover clam juice from Christmas. It was uh, very do you have any uh, big class of sauerkraut juice to go with that? Clam juice? Yeah. <laughs> Tomato. Can you put can you put some loose hairs in those uh, pork right. sandwiches? Is clam juice code for something? That's what I was just thinking, too, but I I decided not to make a I think comment. I saw a movie. All right. Here's Tim, Ry- uh, Tim Ryan in Clam Juice Riley. 2. Stop There's it. too many Tims here that are Irish. We need to whack somebody. Uh, here's something. <laughs> the Irish don't whack. <laughs> here's something we're all going to be excited about and look forward to. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Simpson is planning to release... Do we have any uh, music? Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Do we need a drum roll? Yes. Wait. Uh, let's see. I've got the worst drum roll ever here somewhere. Give me just... The anticipation will be uh, well waited for. Hold on a second. Right. Let me... This is... AM 970. No. Solid State Radio. You understand that, you f- That's not a drum roll. That wasn't a drum roll. <laughs> Wait, here we go. There we go. All right. Jessica Simpson is going to release a country album. Slated for a 2008 release uh, from Columbia Records. Well, you know, but that's the thing is that that is the country music is like, that's like at the bottom of every vial, the junkies to see God. At the end of every career, uh, musicians always see country music. See also Bon Jovi, see Kelly Clarkson, see Brett Michaels from Poison. They all, and then they all issue some statement, uh, some statement about, well, my heart has always been in country music. And then they insert something about growing up around the house, blah, 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 (laughs) Johnny Cash, blah, 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 Hank Williams. Da 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 da. Honest, true. Blah blah blah. Heartland. Blah 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 blah. Truth. You think so? Country music fans are the most forgiving. No, they're well, not. that's one way to no, put it, I suppose. Not. Okay, kind of. Forgi- uh, forgiving is. I'm mean, trying to be correct about it. <laughs> forgiving oh. is one. Yeah, is one adjective. I, my wife just watched that documentary actually last night. Pretty I walked. Awesome. I wa- yeah. This is what I got. I walked into last night. I walked home, 
or walked into my house. And as I walk in, my wife says, F Toby Keith. <laughs> F him right in the ear. And I was like, all right. I love you too, baby. Yeah, I'm, like, uh, I'm going to go in the other room. Timberlake has a single out right now in country, too. Really? Yeah. yeah, with Reba. It's funny because as I was listing the people just now, we were listing Kelly Clarkson. I almost said Justin Timberlake, but then I didn't because I figured it was a few years away, but he's doing it now? Yeah. He, hmm. Reba did this duets album, and Kelly and Justin uh, were both on it. Well, what can you do? So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, whatever. Here's a great quote from me. You ready? All right. Simpson says she was always, this is where you come in. Yes. Simpson said she always wanted to make a country album. Sure. was waiting until the right time. Yes, and that yeah. time is... Now, when everybody, had, I don't even hear. I was thinking about Jessica Simpson. Wait a minute! Yesterday. Didn't she also just say she was gonna? She was looking for a script that was gonna let her do full frontal nudity. Yes, yes, she did. God because bless her. because she. This, Man, she's just grasping at straws. Yeah, the country fans are gonna love that. I don't have the quote in front of me, but she said in this article she was looking for a script in which she would do full frontal nudity, and I swear to you, this is true. She said. I'm paraphrasing, but she said something to the effect of, because that is how she would, quote, earn the respect of Hollywood. <laughs> just showing your vagina to everybody is exactly what engenders respect. I applaud that. Well, I'm she just saying. the respect of the football fans, so Exa she's really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's man, a, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, she's just alienating uh, the, the, you know, that country audience left and right every time she shows up in one of those games, too. So This is great. She says, I think there is strength in female country artists, citing Martina McBride. She also said she wants to be involved in the creative process of her album, she says, and I quote, writing is a release for me. Uh -huh. I didn't even know she can write. It's a way for me to tell a story. That's not to say I wouldn't record a song that I didn't write, which is probably a good thing, because the song would be like three seconds long, and, and I don't uh, like an O. I can't remember, with the exception of that horrible uh, cover of Robbie Williams' Angels, I can't remember, I, I realize now that I can't remember a single Jessica Simpson song. Does anybody here know a no. Jessica Simpson song? Uh, she did that really know, bad remake video, of the Boots but... Are Made for Walking for the Dukes of Hazzard movie. Really? Yeah, I remember oh, that. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. It was really... And, like, Willie... Okay, this is great. you never seen the video for it? No. Okay, it's her with, like, you know, the General Lee and Willie Nelson just standing around. I right. think they just gave him some money to, you know... Stand there! They, right. I think they gave him, like, give you know, a, a half a pound or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, it's obvious Willie's high as a kite. Like, just not really knowing where he's at. Totally. And he's just kind of standing there, like, kind of doing, like... She's like, these boots are made for walking. And Willie's like, these boots are made for walking. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of mouthing it. Like, he had nothing going on that day. So. But, I, but, I mean, from her pop career... Because I was thinking... We had this discussion last week where I said... I asked the question because this occurred to me one night while I was trying to sleep. I was thinking about Nick Lachey, and I said, what does Nick Lachey do? I mean, I know he was a 98 degree, Women? but clearly there were yeah, no... hot chicks. That's but, what he does. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, where does his income come from? 98 Degrees didn't have sufficient hits or... I mean, there's no money coming from 98 Degrees. I think that he gets money from showing up to places, though. Yeah. But, I mean, because is that the thing now where he does he somehow just make money by being Nick Lachey? Or he also might have been one of those few, you know, smart pop stars that invested. There is like, no way that Saw the Degree made any money, though. But they, he, they you know. Made money. They oh, made money. Yeah, well, Nick Lachey, okay. I, from just They were going to be in the ground by the Backstreet Boys, though. I mean, I can't. Uh, I mean, wait a minute. Though. Were 98 degrees? Were they? Uh, were they a Disney creation? I don't know. See, so that he no, has because has... if they're backed by that company, then so. you know. Yo, I, 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 I've watched him on TV, and he seems like he's smart enough. Oh, he seems like a like a, a good, sensible guy. Like, he really does. He took his money and just kind of put it in the bank, and just you know, he's doing good things. He seems to. That's what I think he did. He, I'm sure he made a lot of money off the show that. Jessica oh, that's true. They did newlywed. Yeah. Maybe. Because he does have, yeah. as the DEA would say, he has no visible means of support. Right. So, and, and also you figure... Nick and Jessica, and then uh, and then they had that Christmas special. Man, they should have stuck together and just started cranking a... out Christmas specials. That was no really that was a good show. Each other. <laughs> it was good. That variety show they did... I had a blast really watching. Good. You're kidding me. 
No, I mean no, it was great. It, it's not targeted at me, but oh. it was that, that was a solid product. Oh yeah, yeah, that was great when they sang, uh, you know, I got you, babe. That was in a uh, total and then, ripoff. No, when, and Cher. No, when, when Nicholas sang, sang a duet with Kit, Kit that was genius. He sang a, a duet with the Knight Rider car. Again, it wasn't targeted at me. It was targeted at people with kids and and country fans with kids. That was a solid product. That was money in the yeah. bank. They should have stuck together because it was like a Donnie Marie kind of a thing. I'm tired like, of things that you know are they're coming back. Families. What's that? Donnie Marie. There's a rumor that they're going to come back with oh, the yeah. Donnie Marie show, like oh, yeah. a variety. Oh, show. I can totally the see the Mormon that. extravaganza. Yeah, no, I can. I can yeah. completely see that. Plus, the thing with Nicholas Shea is I'm he came Oscars out. Fan. He came out as the good guy during the divorce. Oh yeah, yeah that's oh, the thing definitely. is we all took sides immediately. Yeah. We're like. Ugh. Him. Yep. And everybody just allied against him. For Everyone reasons was that are sort of cheering for him to get alimony too. Yeah. Totally. And Which for reasons that are just sort of mystifying. Like I I'm not disagreeing, I'm just saying it's weird how we all immediately took a straw poll as a nation. And Nick Lachey. And we yeah. just all took his side. But that kinda happens with every celebrity bust. Every celebrity bust mm-hmm. up. It was yeah, with the other like everybody Jennifer took, Aniston. Uh, Jennifer Aniston was my next yeah. everybody took her side. Justin Timberlake. Everybody yep. took Justin Timberlake's side. So uh yeah, well what can you do? So blah blah blah. Boy, we're losers. And, <laughs> and this is this is all I got. This is this is my life. So that's I mean that's really what it is. All right. So I'll put that album on my to don't list right away. So all right. Unless she's naked on it. No. See, I don't even care at this point. I don't. I really don't. I mean, she does have that freaky chin. She's got a man jaw. She's got a jaw. It's you know, she's jaw. Bruce Campbell with boobs. No. See, I. You expect her to like neigh at you. Groovy. <laughs> She's got a child. There's so jaw. much. There's a million things happening at once. She looks like Trapjaw from Masters of the Universe. <gasps> yeah. That's exactly. That's exactly what she looks like. Not torn. Would you do her though? What? Would you do her? Well, yeah, but I mean. Oh, oh, but you do her. Of course you would. So what? Just I don't mean, look at the jaw. I do Betty White. I mean, it doesn't really We've matter. We've talked about. We've talked. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I got dumped for that. Remember? I'm saying. Right now. Yeah, that's because you said something hideous. I don't even remember. <laughs> it's just that, like, here's the thing. For good or bad, and I'm not passing judgment on this, but I'm saying in 2007, in our modern, uh, as James Dobson would say, our hyper-sexualized society, I hate that guy. you can no longer, I don't think, I don't think celebrities, and it is typically female celebrities, I don't think you can play the, uh, I know you really want to see me naked, but I'm not going to let you card anymore. I think they're like, well, F it. I got porn on the computer. You know, and they just, I don't think that works anymore. Look how cool, look how fast it stopped working for Britney Spears, um, you know, and before she started like showing everybody her business. Yeah, if I you mean, don't do it before 25, yeah. nobody cares. Like anymore. Jennifer, like Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know. Look at yeah, me, I'm wearing a skimpy bikini. Sorry, I'm over here on the, you know, watching like, a celebrity sex tape. I'm over here on whatsluts.com, you know. You call me. I mean, it's like the, I think celebrities used to be able to to flaunt the you want to see it but you can't thing the same way that record industries used to be able to control the flow of their product and therefore could extort money from you for it. Now it's like there is no there is no shortage of nudity, pornography, of whatever stripe, fetish, whatever. And if you can't see her, you can see someone that yeah, looks that's exactly, exactly like her. Yeah. That's a good point. Well done, Kristen. <laughs> God bless you for having that observation about pornography. Yeah, speaking of uh, Britney Spears, I saw a good movie the other day starring Britney Rears. That was the name of that was the name of the porn actress. Her okay. name was Brittany Rears. But that's a good point, though. Tyra Spence. We had stopped. We had this whole discussion a couple of years ago when there were some photos that went around that purported to be nude photos of Brittany, and it turned out that they weren't photoshops. It was just some girl who looked a lot like her. Yeah. And had clearly gotten some money to do a photo spread where she looked like Britney Spears, and that's the thing. Jessica Simpson doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to undress. It doesn't matter. There's a million guys who can go on the net and find a million girls who look like her. 
And so she she know which I guess in, is a, is good in a way because it now means that she'll you know the, 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 you know that you won't be able to leverage like you'll actually have to have I think in the future some sort of musical talent because you won't just be able to leverage looks into your career anymore. You know who I'd like to see get naked, even though I don't like her, Avril Lavigne. No, see, and I just don't. Mm. I, don't I do. No matter I, how old she gets, she's not, always gonna seem like a kid to me too. And, and see, it's not that. It's like there's just nothing sexy about her to me. You know, it's not that she's ugly. There's just nothing. I just don't feel. I just want to do. I, I just want to go on record and say I just want to do her to say I've done Avril Lavigne. Well, they, yeah, but I mean that list is lengthy. Just, I think just, he would be the biggest star ever, ever if given the chance. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm no. gonna go on record and say this. I will do Avril Lavigne. Okay. Right. I'll let her people know that. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, no, I'm indifferent to her. She's just sort of like a big glass of warm water to me. Just a whole really? lot of, yeah, I mean, she's not ugly. She's not, you know, it's like Jennifer she's Aniston. Kind of she's a tall glass of Jennifer, And I don't find Jennifer Aniston sexy either. Well, I, I don't find Attractive, Avril Lavigne sure, sexy. Not sexy. Even, I don't even, like, she's okay looking. I just want to, I, I don't know what it is. I just, my, my man instincts say do her. <laughs> your man instincts. Your, your man instincts say do anything with a vagine. It's not true. I'm actually picky, believe it or not. All right. Moving on. Here's right. some more news. Especially right. when they're drunk and giving him big kisses at karaoke. Seriously. I love your high standards. The perfect segue. Give me some sugar. Edition of Take My Breath Away. Speaking of which, <laughs> all right, as we, uh, that, was, that was a perfect segue. All right. Uh, for some local flair, uh, Kurt and uh, Vicky and everybody else with the karaoke from Hell Band now on their 13th, count them, 13th hour. Over at Dante's. Are they still playing right now? They're still playing. They're still playing um, until tomorrow morning at 2 a.m. Same band? Pretty much. I mean, uh, Vicky was playing. She's, she's the, uh, I mean, the girl dropping out band rocks? members as the night goes on? Or? I think they were doing that here and there, but I saw Kurt playing. He was playing like 4 in the morning. I mean, he was just rocking out. Um, and then Vicky, she's, she's, she's just hot as balls, and she's like a great drummer, and you know, the fact that she's a girl even makes it even better. And I do playing all night. I share this trait with, uh, with a lot of women, actually, in that uh, a... Uh, a woman who is musically talented in some way instantly becomes more attractive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of guys aren't like that. A lot of guys are just solely about the looks or the whatever. But you know what? Uh, a woman who can sing, play an instrument, write a song, whatever, immediately hot. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what they look like. They could just come out of a burn war. Doesn't matter. You know? You Great voice becomes hot. There was, a, there was a guy that kind of looked like a girl that was dressing up like Prince. Wait. Hold on. i got to figure that math out in my head. It was a guy. Oh, the Prince guy. Yeah, you he know looks like a girl. Yeah, no, he there, sounds yeah. better than Prince if it's the same guy. Is this the guy yeah. who, who sang at the, uh, well, you guys weren't there, the Emerson started the Halloween party? At I've Saratoga? seen him before. No, he's amazing. He's unbelievable. He sounds yeah. better than Prince does at this yeah. point. Really? Yeah, he's yeah. he's unreal. I've, the, Laura and I saw him I saw him in the purple assless chaps things. I mean, yeah. We saw him years ago, and he stepped up, and he's like, I'm singing purple right now. And we're like, mm, all right, whatever. And we're all just, you know, going back to our conversation. And then, like, you hear it in the background. We just that, you know, never meant to call you. And, he started, and we're like, wow. And we turn around. And it's, it, I mean, it was unreal. It yeah. was uncanny. And that he played, he sang Purple Rain with Emerson Starship at the Barracuda Party at Halloween. Nice. So, well, yeah, that guy's pretty impressive. Great. He's yeah. really good. Yeah. Calling the girl I was hanging out with, we were making fun of him. He ought to be, you know what, he ought to hook up with, like, you know, because there's those song mills now that do nothing but churn out sound-alike albums for iTunes. Uh, he really ought to hook up with that. Uh, let's read a couple of these. Rick, um, the one Jessica Simpson song that I do know is sung to the tune of Jack and Diane by John Cougar Mellencamp. Oh, that's right. She sampled it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, she oh, sampled so it's Jack and Diane. So yeah. it's, is it a sample or is it an interpolation where she's just using no, the same melody? No, it's... it's dun, 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 so it's a dun, musical dun, sample? Dun, dun. Yeah, it's basically... Yeah, exactly. The, the musical content 
is been, has been sampled, so the instrumentation has been sampled. I wonder if that's a thing where Mellencamp is just like, eh, what do I care? I'm making money off of it. Yeah, write eh, the check. Yeah. Uh, he says, it's a horrible pop song sung to the music of one of the worst songs ever recorded. Oh, really? you take that like back. You song. shut your mouth that's about John Mellencamp. Song. John Mellencamp is great. I have, you know what, and the, the, I will, I will, yeah, I'm just saying, John Mellencamp is fantastic. If you don't like John Mellencamp, you can leave my America. Uh, this email just says, man, oh, man, do I love porn. Okay. Um, profound. Yes. How can you not like John Mellencamp? Really, honestly. And how can you not like porn? Well, fair enough. I'm just saying. Porn Two great takes to go great together. You know, here's the thing about John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp, we were talking about George Thorogood earlier. John Mellencamp is not unlike George Thorogood in that John Mellencamp is sort of uh, it, it is sort of a litmus test for irony. It's like, can you enjoy it without you know without being reflexively ironic about yeah. it? Uh, and so, like, you know, it's the same thing with George Thorogood, because it's really easy to find him silly if that's what you want to do. Like, if you want to make fun of George Thorogood, I suppose it would be really easy to do. Really? Like, it would be really easy to smirk at him if you were that type. But, I mean, I'm just saying for me. There's there's no one better to drive across country with than Puppin' Ian, like oh, George man. Thorogood, and just hitting the Seriously, and, and it's just, like, boiled down. As Jimmy Rabbit says in the movie The Commitments, uh, it is basic and simple, but it is honest. You know but at least I mean? John Mellencamp knows more than three chords. Man, but oh uh, yeah, and John. But, but, Mellencamp, but, but, but you know, Thorogood, you know what he knows. He knows you well. Know what and he as Thorogood actually said, he said that he tries to be the best hamburger joint in rock and roll. You know, that's a cool. Where he that's does one cool. thing, does it well. You know, and he doesn't try to stretch He's out the in and out of the rock world. I saw Thorogood in a little uh, a club, and he doesn't usually play really tiny places. I mean, he's you know he's got he can play midside like he plays Roseland style places. But I saw him um, at this little club in Salt Lake. And uh, God, and he just like shredded that place. I mean, he just like demolished it. It was unreal. And he said the same band for 32 years, I think. The Delaware Destroyers. It's been the same, him and the same two guys. And the, the drummer who has the one beat, which is the dun, 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 you know that's yep. it. He's just one oh, beat, yeah. one bass line, one guitar tone. Go. Do you know who you know who doesn't like George Thorogood? Who? That. Is it Kristen Bowie? No. Who's remained silent through no. this whole conversation? I'm just listening. All right, fair enough. I, I, I will pick, I will pick on them. All the uh, the elite blue snobs of Portland. You know, like, well, yeah. The Cascade Blues Association, they snubbed their nose Whatever. at George Thorogood. F those guys. No, I, I went to a blues jam that was kind of hosted by a lot of the uh, the higher-ups at the Cascade Blues Association down there in Oregon City. What a prestigious post that must be. Well, no, no. I'm out of the blues organization in the whitest place in on Oregon Earth. City. They're completely white, and they're completely snobs about it. Do they, they have ponytails? Well, yeah, oh, I, yeah kind of. And they, they're all driving, like, SUVs and Volvos of there. Course. And they think they're, you know, they, they know everything about blues. And so I'm like, hey, can I play a song? They're like, oh, yeah, well, we, we let people sit in here and there. I'm going, it says Blues Jam. Okay, so they put me up dead last, so they put all their buddies up first. And I go up there like, I drink alone. And, like, the place <laughs> goes wild. Everybody who was, like, who actually wanted to hear good, like, I don't want to say good music, but just kind of lively music, they were getting up and rocking. And all the Cascade Blues Association white blues snobs are just sitting there with their arms crossed just shaking The thing about it is, here's, I'm not trying to say that, like, the white man can't sing blues music and whatever. I'm not. It, it's not really that. It's just that, in my experience, uh, white guys and a certain age and demographic of white guy, they all tend to dra gravitate to one kind of blues, which, despite what anybody would claim, I mean, chord progressions aside, there's all kinds of different shades of blues, but they all play like Stevie Ray Vaughan blues, which I just don't ever need to hear again. God, right. I saw Roger Klein a few weeks ago at the um, at Burbati's, which was just Genius, just unbelievable. That guy is so great. And, you know, it's one of those things where he clearly 
like they picked the opening band for him because it was Backdoor Slam, who were like a local yeah. band, group. And Roger Klein plays bears no relation to the blues at all. It's a very sort of Tom Petty, Southwestern kind of a thing. But, you know, they pick these guys. And, and, but like so many guys, you know, talented players, amazing musicians, playing music I could not possibly care less about. And the final song, of course, is just the big Stevie Ray Vaughan 14-minute, like, indulgent, like, rave up with the one Stratocaster it's tone. and safe blues. Totally. It's it exactly yeah. it's like kink, yeah. you know, waterfront blues. And the, and the guy is, like, flashing the lights. Like, your set is up. Finished. But, of course, he's, like, so lost in the note that he, like, can't hear it. And, like, he's, you know, he's pouring out his soul. And meanwhile, I'm just, like, look at him. I watch. It was just so uninteresting to me. Yeah, that pretty much sums up the uh, the, the blues Nazi association. Well, it's here. like jazz, too. Everybody likes this clean, safe jazz where jazz has a certain amount of grit to it. Right. I like heroin-induced jazz. Well, like that's the greats. Yeah, I mean, They're all on heroin. <laughs> and reefer. I don't know. I it just... It, and so we're about a whole bunch of white people in the room dissecting the blues. But I'm just, but, it, but you're right. I mean, it's like, and the, the, and you know, and here's the thing is that also blues purists are sort of like, um, I think Henry Rollins was talking about this, where he talked about punk purists. Yeah. And he was talking about how like, like punk fans were some of the biggest snobs that he'd ever met because he was like, well, can I just put in like a little 10 second solo? No, you're a sellout. And he's just like, I just wanted to do something different, you know. And that's like a lot of blues people are the same way. Right. Where just you cannot deviate at all from like this one pattern that's been set. And um, you have to play you know, one, four, five, and E, and it has to be crust cut saw. No, and crust I crust cut saw. And it's just anyway. So f that. That's a. That's, we went on a long time about that. I just, you know, you got it. We got out everything I've been wanting to say about the blues scene around here for like the past ten years. And I will also, thank you. And I will also say this uh, that, and just for me, like the the other thing about the blues for me is that I just, and this is just for me, but I reached a certain point when I was, I don't know, maybe twenty four, twenty five, where like it in my head, the glass marked the blues was just sort of full. Like I'm just done. I. You know, I'm still fine. Everybody who has done it the best has already done it. Yeah, that's my thing. Is like I just I've I've had my fill and I'm, I'm sort of over it. And I'll listen to some of the stuff that I you know the old stuff that I have. Right. Every now and again, you know, whatever. If something comes on my you know my MP3 player, or whatever, that's fine. I'll listen to it. No one is ever going to come up with anything better that's already been done. Yeah, I don't really. And for me, the, the definitive. Uh, well, there's the two schools, and then we'll talk to Jim Roop here. There's the, there's the classic school, which is like the Muddy Waters and the Howlin' Wolf and the Robert Johnson and the Skip James. And then there's the new school, which for me is all through like the 60s and like Clapton and even like the Stones to some degree and whatever. And as far as contemporary blues, meaning like post-50s go, to me it is like it, it, it begins and ends with um, this song called Key to the Highway, which is by Derek and the Dominant. Great song. To me, like when I heard Key to the Highway and it's like a nine-minute, you know, long, drawn-out blues thing, and I heard that, I'm like, all right, I'm done, I'm finished, that's the last word. And I'm not saying that's true for anybody else, but for me, key to the highway is sort of it. That's like I'm done and I'm full and I don't need to hear anymore. That's for was... running out of new stuff. Have you read that article where we're actually going to run out of melodies by like 2012? Yeah, I heard that somewhere. They yeah. did like a computer yeah. thing. Well, this guy figured out this crazy equation, and apparently we're going to run out of note combinations within the next five or six years. From I figured I'm a way to get around it, though. Do you want to hear it? Are I you going to give it away in the air? You know what? Okay. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll tell it just, just for... All right. Here we go. This is copyrighted Tim Ryan, 2008, right. January 1st. Here we go. I'm going to invent... Okay, you have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yes. 
I'm going to keep on going. And H I J K the missing cords. The missing cords. I'm going to create them and I figure out how to do it. All right. I cannot tell you how to do it, but I actually. It won't be the Mixolydian scale. It'll be the Mixolydian. No, I talked to somebody who's an expert with sound, and they said basically the way I was thinking about it is possible. It just you can't do it on Earth. That's all. You have to go to the moon. Damn. No, that doesn't work. Zam. No. No, it doesn't work. You uh, know what works, but you're afraid to do if it. If you steal my idea, I will chop your <laughs> feet off. All right. I have some final observation to make, but oh, let me see if I can oh, give myself three seconds to come up with it. One, two. No, I got... Wow. Uh, no, I got nothing. Three Let's... seconds is all you Welcome need. now to the Rick Everett <laughs> Show. From Los Angeles. <laughs> CNN Radio correspondent and living deity, James Roof. Hello, sir. And a very good uh, Happy New Year to you, sir. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you. You knee-deep in nitwits? <laughs> Not anymore. I'm at the Rose Bowl now. Oh, so the, I, left, I, I never know. I because, moved to the sports fan. And because I don't really follow some of these things, I don't really know when they start and end. When does the when did the parade start? When did it end? Uh, the parade started around 8 this morning local time, ended around 10 o'clock. It's God. only five and a half miles. Yeah. What time do you have to get down there to get a good seat uh, for the for the Rose Parade thing? Uh, if if you don't have grandstand seats, if you're one of those who like to just camp out or, or try to get a, a sidewalk seat, if you will, uh, the day before is probably the best way to do it. I cannot imagine after New Year's Eve having the mental acuity and wherewithal to get down there in time to watch some people drive by in cars or whatever. Well, see, see, that's why people get here the day before. They celebrate New Year's Eve in the street. Oh, I see. Yeah. One one thirty. You know, it kind of thins out a little bit as the cops get, uh, you know, sort of clear the streets, and then people do get a chance to take a nap if they want to. It's not a very good one, you know, but uh, but some people are fairly rested, and then they figure they'll go to breakfast after the game. It's ten ten or after the parade, ten ten thirty. You know, they get home around noon, and they sleep the rest of the day. Yeah, man. Well, no, yeah, I've got a lot of family that live down there, and you have no idea how huge is it the huge, Rose Parade. I mean, it like is a dumb massive. Question. It's, it's it is a huge event down there. Huge. It's how, many, how many people did you turn out for this, Jim? Uh, they estimated about a million people along the parade route. And i got to tell you, and, yeah. and I don't say that. Boy, they always estimate a million. That's always the big estimated number. Right. It looked like it this time. It really looked like they were, I mean, they were, you could not get through the sidewalk. You couldn't make it. People were complaining because they couldn't get to the bathrooms. Parents, parents with kids are going, my kid's going to pee his pants. Well, what are you going to do? You can't get out of there? Have at it. You well, know, you, so you get a little chase in the morning. You know, you're all right. <laughs> well, you know, that's... Will Flo should have taken care of that. That's the, uh, that's the thing that I was talking to... Uh, I was talking about last night about Times Square, because, um, you know, the one time that I went to New York for, for New Year's, there's... You know, they start walling off Times Square at, like, 9, 10, 11 a.m., and there's no getting in, there's no getting out. There, right. there are really no bathrooms to speak of. You can't take any liquids or food in with you. And so you've got people who are waiting for 16 hours with no water or toilets. I mean, I'm just every year I'm surprised there isn't a riot at places like this. You know? It's really sad, and you feel for those people, especially toward the end of the parade route, that they get there and they camp out. And they camp out, you know, by a Starbucks. That's right. it. They think, they think that's the one. That's the key. So you go get coffee when you want. No, you need to camp out near the porta potties. Totally. That's the smartest thing. And then send somebody for the coffee. No, exactly. That's the thing is you can send for water. You can't send for a toilet. That doesn't That's really work. Right. So. Either that or take a bottle with you, one of the two. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, one bottle becomes two, becomes a multi-use bottle then. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to I'm gonna put that in one of those nine secrets of highly successful people, and it's going to be one of those, you can send for water. You cannot send for a toilet. And that'll be, the, that'll be one chapter right there. It'll be like a Zen koan that everybody learns from. There you go, man. 
That's the survival guide right there. Uh, all right, and so now you are where at the Rose Bowl? Yeah, now the, and the game uh, gets underway here in about uh, I don't know an hour and a half or so. Um, USC and Illinois, so it should be a good game. Although USC is pretty favored in this one, thirteen points. We're now heading into this area of conversation where I have zero knowledge of any kind oh. at all. So it's I a can... land acquisition game. <laughs> where? <laughs> Thank you. No, I can't even pretend. As I was saying, my... unless it's on the Wii, you don't know how to how the game works. Yeah, totally. I was gonna, unless I can play it over the internet with other dorks on Xbox Live, I don't know anything about it. Unless it's got an animated an animated John Madden screaming, "Look at that hit!" That's it. That's I don't know anything. Doesn't USC play every year? It seems that way. They've been here 31 times now. Yeah, because so. it's I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. The Rose Bowl is huge down there. That's yeah. Yeah, no, it's like the biggest thing ever. It's one of those things that I I, I meant to see when I lived in California just to say that I'd kind of been there. It is pretty cool yeah, when you realize Pas- that. Yeah. You know, Pasadena is not that big a town, so when all these people converge, I mean, this is where they make their money <laughs> all in uh, all in one week. You know, the whole the, the, the city just gears up for this one like this two day period every year. Everything just it's like Puxatawney. It's like yeah, Puxa- that, that's. That's why it takes a year to put this thing together. Yeah. All right, my friend, did you have any? Uh, did you do anything interesting last night, or was it an early night at the Roop household? No, it wasn't an early night, but it wasn't uh, a very festive night, you know? Yeah. Well. You, you want to drink and have a good time. You have a couple of drinks, and you go to bed at 1, you wake up at 3. You know, that's not very fun. My wife's really pissed off about all that. <laughs> you know, 12 years now, I've, I've not been able to celebrate. <laughs> she reminds me every year, you know? Well, you said this year to be different. Well, especially in certain parts of California where you really just got to come inside so you can duck falling projectiles from idiots firing assault weapons into the air. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, she does this every year. I think it's just her, her way to, 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 to bitch at me because she'll say, hey, we got invited here, here, and here. Well, you know, honey, I got to get up at three. Every year, it's the same thing. Well, yeah, then why do you ask me every year? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that, sir, is what makes you the gold standard right there. God bless you, Jim Roop, and a happy new year to you, and I look forward to many more of your pithy and uh, uh, brilliant observations in the coming calendar year, sir. It'll be a good 2008. It will. I got a good feeling about it. All right, my friend, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you, Rick. Happy new year, everybody. You too, sir. Thank you, Jim. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. God bless him. He's the best. He is the best. Awesome. You know, and the great thing about him is he just doesn't care. No. He just doesn't give a rip. Excellent. I dig that guy. He, he just reminded I... me of something, though. Mm. Well, actually, no, you were talking about the toilet and the porta potty. Is it almost the bottle? Jesus, yes. All right, well, I've spent a lot of time on the road across oh, the country. God. Hold no. on, let me pull up a chair. Jeff. No, listen to this. All right, and, you know, when you're, when you're you know, in the middle of nowhere and you're driving and doing things... You know, there's nowhere to stop to use the restroom. Is this going to be like you throwing your urine out the windows of buses? <sighs> no, no, no. This 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 happened inside the tour bus. Okay. What so, happens in the tour bus stays in the tour bus. Apparently not. I, now, I thought so. This but... is the worst thing ever. So um, oh, That's great. So, you know, I, I, I had to use a Gatorade bottle. You had to use, oh, a Gatorade bottle. Gatorade I already know bottle. where this is going I because... I gay something. No, I... Well, that's all in your head, Rick. We know all what's right, going on. Okay. All right, so I had to use a Gatorade bottle and... Uh, I don't know. Probably a few hours later, I was really thirsty, and I grabbed what I thought. Oh was. wow! No, no! You didn't see that coming? No. What I thought My was brain is on slow today. And uh, I'm like, wow, this is a really salty Gatorade. And then, I, <laughs> <laughs> I realized, then I realized. Hi, Kristen. I done. I was drinking my own urine. <laughs> okay. See. Okay. You know it's sterile. It is sterile. Yeah. So it cleansed my mouth. Okay, we're going to take a break. Kristen's cleaning her hands with Purell right now, just hearing the story. Hey, 
We're taking a break. Does drinking your urine violate the here. vegan code? No, back. We're back. No. It's a meat product, we're, right? Stop. What? Actually, we're ending now. Go to break. There's other things that do not violate the vegan code that they say should. Ugh. Right, we're going to break here. Gandhi drank his own urine. On the Rick Emerson Show. Stop. All right. One from Tacoma, one from where? Boise? Moscow. Moscow, oh, I'm sorry. Idaho, yeah. Those yeah. are the girls I met. That's wonderful. That's Colleen the Dania team. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Man, Who is that? Are you guys both doing that? Yes. He, he started doing it, and then I started doing it. Now we need, we need Bobby in here to beatbox for us. <laughs> we can create a human porn sound. <laughs> you know, you know what I was thinking might, might be a good idea. I can't imagine for the life of me well, what you were thinking. Checking would be a the good Gatorade idea. bottle before you drink it, maybe. This <laughs> <laughs> is either a fallen Catholics, ex-Catholics, or like me. I go to like mass once every five years. We get a priest in here to hear our confessions. I don't like that. Idea. You can't because a priest won't hear confessions. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think they'll do that you on the air. All of it. That'd be great. Uh huh. You might not get the kind of priest you... Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... Sure, I'll listen to your sins. <laughs> uh, hey, okay, no, I had a great idea. What? Uh, speaking of beatboxing. So I had this great idea in speaking of Bobby. I floated this idea by him, and I was actually talking to Joni about it the other day, too. This is a great idea. I'm calling dibs on this. And it's actually such a great idea. I think there's money to be made, and I want a piece of it. So it's like Iron Chef, but it's with DJs. And the deal is, you do it at a club, you get, like... Four DJs, five DJs, you know, you give them a basic setup, the small little sampler, the turntable, the whatever, and then you give them one sample they must creatively use, and then they have like two hours to put together like a hip-hop breakbeat, uh, you know, electronica type thing, but you give them one sample they must use. And so you go like, today's secret DJ ingredient is ABBA! Or whatever. Yeah. And then they got two hours. One with hour. their sampler, their turntables, or whatever, to put together like a hip-hop band or something like that that use it. You know, today's secret ingredient, Pressure by Billy Joel. And then they have to put that together. And then the crowd, and then the, and then the DJ, and then the DJ performs it. And then the crowd uh, votes. Right, because we don't already have enough sampling in hip-hop music today. Um, we, saying, need, we need more. I'm saying. We need more on originality in hip-hop. We need more creative sampling. That'd be, That'd be and fun. That'd be cool. The thing is, too, it would, and it would get away from like the terrible... Awful, predictable sampling that now happens, and it would uh, it would kind of you know get it back to people doing it creatively. How about just some like creative original music for a change? I'm so sick of uh, people redoing songs. Or, You're really too uh, young or... to sound this old. Really, and I'll think of that the next time I hear the Beatles ripping a song off to write yeah, Birthday. Yeah, yeah. Come on. What are you talking about? Come the Beatles, on. The Beatles didn't rip off Birthday. I'm just saying. The, oh, this the was I... a huge thief too. I'm just saying the idea <laughs> that, that stealing somehow originated with or resides solely right, in hip hop. No, here's the thing. There's a big difference with me between you know a song current you know ob- which obviously influences another song and just taking somebody's hook and hard work and music. And just taking that and making a song out of that, you know. I, I mean? that's I disagree. I like think like the king did with the hound dog and Big Mama Thornton. I mean. Right, but see, he <laughs> no, he covered that song. He covered that song. He didn't use her going. He ain't no more hound dog. No, they fully then, changed the lyrics to make them more white. 
Right, but he didn't sample it. I mean, sampling didn't really exist back then. He covered it. Nowadays, uh, rap artists and pop artists, it seems like every goddamn song is just somebody else's song from like 20 years ago. I would say that to me, and we can uh, get off my lawn. I have to stop it. I was just going to say, I have to stop this. We're going to veer into another huge like musical discussion, uh, and we try to hold those to at least once per day. Oh um, it, but I would say that uh, I and many people view collage as a legitimate art form. Uh, when done, and, but like any art form, it can either be done well or it can be done poorly. Uh, but I would actually not only argue that collage is a legitimate art form of, of whatever variety, but collage is actually the great art form of the late 20th century, in my opinion. When the when the history of the late 20th century's art is is written, uh, a collage of all varieties, uh, visual and auditory, that will be the predominant art form of the late 20th century. Collage is also the name of the album, which was kind of the pet sounds of Paul Revere and the Raiders. Is that true? Yeah. Look at you. See, that's why you're here. Because you know that stuff. Well, you know, I used to hang with Mark Lindsay. Excellent. <laughs> no, I... I no, <laughs> was he hitting on you after your karaoke performance? Yeah. No. All right. Uh, what are we doing? What time? Uh, here's Timmy Ryan, what? Ministry of Truth. I keep forgetting where I am. Me too. Who am I? Why am I here? Here we go. Gridlock! <laughs> Let's do a corpse watch. That's an old joke. Oh, here's your corpse watch for New Year's Day. I'm digging Starting the year off right. Here's Timmy Ryan with your corpse watch for New Year's Day. I like the smooth voice of Randy Travis. I dig Randy Travis. Randy Travis is a badass. I quite like him. He reminds me of him. That came out wrong. All right, here we go. Four years after he pleaded guilty to the act. Oh, this sucks. (laughs) It's a corpse watch. Why did you... All right, go ahead. Two girls, one corpse. Uh, oh, no. (laughs) That's a magazine, Girls and Corpses. I've seen that. Yeah, it's a magazine. I've seen that magazine, Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Four years after he pleaded guilty to the act, Donald Lewis Cooper, and it sounds like D.B. Cooper, is now in prison for having sex with the corpse of a 14-year-old girl. In February 2003, 32-year-old Cooper and his girlfriend... And his girlfriend. You were right. It was... Well, it's two people, one corpse. Really? And his yeah, girlfriend? Yeah, 30-year-old Johnny Marie Helm were working for an all-county transportation driving bodies... From Victor Valley Community Hospital to the county morgue in San Bernardino down there in uh, California. Well, it's a long drive. What should we do to kill time? There's nothing much else to do on the Orange Crush. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've listened to this Slim Whitman tape as many times as we can. This is even worse. There's footage of it. Security cameras in the morgue capture Cooper sexually assaulting the body of Robin Gillette. That's how you want to end your and, life. And the Lano girl who died of the flu. That's how you want to. That's how you want to like live. I feel for the person who had to see the video. Your first few moments of the afterlife. Well, as Sam Kinison famously noted, that's <laughs> the worst thing where you live, you know, your whole life, and then you die. I'm lying on the table. I'm gonna go to see my maker. Totally. I'm gonna go be seeing Grace. Oh, what's that? What's that? Oh no, 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 me. So uh, yeah, while Cooper uh, was doing the corpse. Uh, his girlfriend served as a lookout, so it was kind of it was a team effort. His greatest stand by a man. <laughs> Where? Do, all right, well, there's somebody for everybody, I guess. All right, <laughs> maybe everybody gets one fantasy. Oh, I can't. Oh, stop! <laughs> stop! <laughs> Who's on your list, Brad Pitt? Who's on your list, corpse? Okay, I'll be your look. All I'll right, be your wingman. I'm, I'm pulling the I'm pulling the, the ripcord. We're done. There's your corpse watch for now. Wow. wow. A proud part of the CBS radio family. <laughs> uh, 
Kristen's right though. Could you imagine being the security guard? You know, the next day. No, no he's coming. To, do, 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 do. He's got. No. His, you know, he's got his lunch pail. Usually, it's like shoplifting. Or, you know, da, 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 yeah, review the night's tapes. What's, oh, what's that's true. Going? He wouldn't even know it was coming. That's what I mean. Like, da, 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 I'm sitting down here. You know, I'm eating my sandwich and my lunch break. And whoa, 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 whoa! Oh my God! How am I gonna keep this food down now? Hi, you're on the Rick Everson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I was gonna just briefly weigh in on the whole sampling thing. Yes, sir. Uh, he just. Uh, Really hit a chord with me. I've been uh, a practicing. Hit a chord with you. <laughs> chord. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, I college educated musician. I made uh, my living at it at one time. I even had um, a song on the television show ER at one point. And the one thing that I'm noticing, especially when, when you when you mentioned um, the coagulation of different styles and, and how it pertains to everything kind of coming into a, a reverse, I'm also noticing it. It's kind of parlayed its way from hip hop and rap into rock now because if you notice, I mean everybody is trying to to, to find that one unique '80s hit that just needs to be covered. Or um, a, a favorite group of mine, um, they're a death metal band called Impaled. They sampled almost the whole uh, screenplay of 1984 and put it into their record, which was a bit entertaining, I must say. But it, it really does water the product, and for me, it just makes it sugary. And I just, I, well, know, again, you know, it's, so a, you know what, hip-hop and hip-hop music and culture is divisive to people. But I will say this, like anything else, whatever one thinks about it, there is a good way to do something and there's a bad way to do something. And whether or not, the issue of whether you like sampling or think that it's, the issue of whether sampling can add to music is sort of unbridgeable. People are on one side of that divide or the other, but like anything else, it can be done well. Uh, I like a guy, understand. you know, I mean, like there's a million things you can sample. Why do you have to sample something that it's kind of like when Portishead came out and in the, in the, oh, I'm sorry, he said we fought all the way through the '70s to get rid of that sound, and so now here it is back to yeah. again. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, it's you know, it's, to me, you can go and you can listen to a record like Paul's Boutique, uh, or you, which is like the definitive uh, that is the definitive sampling work in my opinion. Or you can listen to like DJ Shadow or a guy like that, a guy who takes a sample and warps it beyond all recognition and makes it into something new and creates a completely and wholly different sound out of it. Or there is the Puffy Combs school of sampling, which is what everybody thinks of when you say sampling, where he just takes 24 bars and just loops it for four minutes. I mean, anybody who thinks that you cannot make art out of sampling, by definition, I'll tell you what, you listen to this program, we just played a Randy Travis song into and out of a watch. I didn't create that song. I didn't write it. I'm not performing it. I am using a previously existing recording to augment the entertainment value of this show, so I'm working it into an original composition, if you will. No, but it's it's not. See, but they're taking another song and using, like I said, the songwriter's hard work and the ingenuity of coming up with a hook, and just instead of them coming up with their own hook, they're using the original hook uh, to create, you know, a song for them. Yeah, but that's like saying that I shouldn't. That's like saying that Did if you we have a funny on Mike's show about a week ago when he took that Rihanna sample and then he when he pointed out that it's sent out with every iMac book now that that same sample was right. sent out with iMac book before the. I just kind of thought that. It's like saying if I find a funny if I it's like saying if I find a funny soundbite or if I find a comedian or 
David Letterman playing, you know, saying something funny, I shouldn't play it on the air because it's not my own comedic well, creation. Well, how long is it going to be before, you know, the original music it has totally run out and everybody's just sampling each other? Everybody's just sampling the song that, you know, the song was sampled from. Well, but again, it's like anything else. It's, it's yeah, like you said with them. It's, we all have in common is that we're all kind of talking talking in different contexts of sampling and whatnot. And then one of the, one of my favorite performers and probably everybody there in the room is Storm Large, who makes almost her whole living at it, or at least the, her beginning from it. Yeah, so, well, and again, and I, you know, I don't think anybody uh, would listen to, to Storm in the Balls and say that there's, you know, say, well, there's no, there's no creativity, there's no whatever. There's a difference between what she does and, you know, and Jessica Simpson, who you know, just wants to, like, jack a popular hook to hang a really unremarkable song on. I mean, there's all the difference in the world. And it's like one of those things bad where... Bad music exists everywhere. Exactly, yeah. There's bad music in... You know what? 90% of everything is bad. That's mm -hmm. Sturgeon's Law. 90% of everything everywhere everything is sucks. bad. And so, you know, it's it, for me, it's like when people... Um, it was it, it, This has sort of died out now along with the music itself. But it was really fashionable for a long time for everybody to ridicule the sort of rap and metal hybrid. Everybody's like, oh, rap and metal is terrible. And they would always pick like Limp Biscuit, and they go, listen to it, it's just bad. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of bad music in every genre. There's a lot of bad country music. Doesn't you mean know, I hate it got country. a lot of people my age to look at hip-hop and rock in totally. a new way and explore those influences that Fred Durst had. And, and you know what? And, and the thing about that crossbreed is that it was very hip to say, the first person to say that that crossbreed sucked, you, it was the whole thing about that was is that you could see that coming ten years before it even happened. The minute that that rap hit major airwaves, I mean, you could go back even before the Aerosmith run DMC thing. You could just see it coming, and I think that that's why that thing uh, lived a short life. It's just because people, it was on their minds before it even happened. I suppose I think it still exists. It just doesn't have the spotlight uh, the way it did. You listen to. Uh, you listen to a lot of rock, you listen to a lot of metal now, and it does have a really rhythmic element to it. The, the rhythmic element of metal, I think, is... It's sort of here, it's... Yeah, it's sort of here to stay, and a lot of that is out of that, you know. But, you know, but it's like the first wave of any musical movement is always really basic, and a lot of it's always bad. Uh, you know, it's like it's a, the first wave of any musical movement is always very simple, like and it's always boys? it's always the building blocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I am, I grew up in the hip hop generation, and you know, whatever, and all of that. But I'll be the first to tell you that the, I mean, as much as people sort of name check uh, old school hip hop, and you know, I really am into that old. No one sits around and listens to old school hip hop. No one goes home and puts on like their, you know, their EPMD records. It's just not or the Fat Boys or any of that. No one goes home and says, "I got to listen to that first LL Cool J record." Because you know what, the first I like NWA. The first, yeah, but see, NWA is. But that's where it started though. to change. Also, that's the that the, the NWA is where it started to flesh out, and it wasn't just a drum machine and rhymes. Which don't get me wrong, it's fine. But a little of that goes a long way. It sounds so terribly dated now. Just like, as much as I'm a rock fan, I do not need to hear rock around the clock, like, ever again. Yeah, it's really? just too, I love it's that too burned out. Well, and it's that's too... exactly how I feel about Kiss. And I mean, and I know that, I mean, oh. it's, oh, I know. I know what you guys are going to say. Uh -oh. But, I mean, oh, that's, I'm used I to it. Was, I was, it's it was forced out. down my throat. It was forced down my throat by my older brother and sister. And then by the time I got of age, I was like, oh. God. So I was really happy for the hip-hop movement because it gave me some sort of, sort of an identity, and now I just kind of feel, going back to kind of where we started, is that I just kind of feel that the originality has kind of been taken out of it because I, everybody's trying to... There was a, one there's a, uh, one of the quintessential, uh, it's not even really hip-hop, it's, it's, I mean, or it is, it's such an elastic term, but one of the quintessential recordings in that genre of the last 
15 years. There's this record called Introducing by DJ Shadow, uh, which is really credited with bringing the turntable, you know, it, it, using the turntable for something creative after years and years of people just looping a Rick James, you know, it, looping some James Brown sample over and over again. And there's this track on Introducing, and the track is called Why Hip Hop Sucks in 96. And you listen to it, and it's just like this bad George Clinton organ line looping over and over for like 90 seconds. And, it, the, and that the whole point of the track is that was what sampling had become. Boy, this is the most esoteric, navel-gazing goddamn conversation. Yeah, I, know, no I feel kidding. like a total chin-stroker right now. A chin-stroker? <laughs> is that like an ankle Stroker. grabber? It's better than a mouth breather. Is that like a pillow biter? Oh, no. <laughs> it's one of those guys that sits around. You know what I'm saying. He sits around in the cafe and he just. You know what we are? Bad to say, even though he's never played. You wouldn't happen to life. front a real disgruntled European prod rock band, would you? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> hey, hold on. Oh, let's see if I. Uh, I don't even know if I have it. You know, I was going to do a little. Um, I was going to do a little callback here. Let's everybody pretend that I'm not really scrambling for something right now, and that this is uh, something I just happen to have laying around. Uh, just at the uh, the tip of my fingers with the uh, so oh, like laying around a quarter of a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hey, by the way, Rick, I guess I owe you an apology. I'm the guy that interviewed Dr. Elmo, and I didn't know. I I kind of caught it a few days afterwards, but I I heard that you guys had some trouble with that. I'm not sure what it was. I'm I'm in and out of the loop, but uh, I just wanted to. Oh no no no! It's like apology. they they figured out that the jig was up later. They figured out that we were screwing with him, and they sent us this really uh, see you next Tuesday email. And, uh, which is fine. He said, screw him. He's a racist pig. And then, yeah, and then we heard this follow-up song that he did, which is just like the most hideous, like, Cracker Barrel racist thing that I ever heard. The song? Yeah, and we were just like, F him. So, you know what we are right now? Here's what we are. This is who we're being at this moment. Play it. Say it. Little Latin loopy loo. This is so right. Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels? No! The Righteous Brothers. That's that's who we are right now. We are sitting around a cash register talking about, uh, you know, Johnny Marr versus Morrissey. And, it's uh, like championship vinyl or whatever. Totally, exactly. All right, thank you, my friend. Ha Happy New Year to you. All right, there you go. You know what I've always, speaking of sampling in NWA, you know what I've always wanted to find out? And Fatboy knew it at one point, but he sort of, he, he couldn't find it. I haven't been able to find it online. I want to know what that sample in Straight Outta Compton is. And it's that, like, horn sample that is just looping constantly in the background. Because there's just a doom, doom, ta, the backbeat, and then there's that, ah. I know the song. Um, ah. I've never heard that song in anything else but uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's it's got to be a sample of some kind. Because uh, that's before they sort of moved on to live instrumentation. But I can't figure out what that horn line. And it's just that song, for as stripped down and basic as it is, that song is still. I mean, that's like the that's like the anarchy in the UK of the hip hop world. Yeah. That that album, Straight Outta Compton, is still. And I know that I'm like a dorky white guy from the suburbs, and everybody's going to be fine with that. That album is just so unbelievably powerful, even now. And most hip hop from that era, it just. I don't say it's bad. It's just it sounds very dated and primitive. Uh, it just well, they that had was not the, evolved. That was the rise of the West Coast hip hop. Yeah, because at the time it was, it was all New York. At that yeah, point. it was all New York, East Coast, kind of just all about having fun, jumping and kicking, and you know all that stuff like that. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was the rise, you know, of what became you know Death Row Records. Yeah, it's just it, it, and it's just everything, everything that record and the, the second Public Enemy album, Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Those are the dividing lines for me because before that it was. Very basic, very simple, very stripped down, and it had a sort of like 
raw appeal to it, but you could only listen, again, to so much of, like, LL Cool J and a drum machine. And then when I heard, really, did you? What is it? Okay. Here's where it uh, it contains samples from. You Like It Too by Funkadelic. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. Also contains samples from West Coast Pop Lock by Ronnie Hudson and the Street People. Uh, Get Back on Time, Engine Number 9 from Wilson Pickett. And also contains samples somewhere in there. Amen, Brother by the Winstons. All right, so there you go. I mean, it's a whole. So it's a whole song. Made it's a whole melange. People songs. Eh. Okay. Well, that song just went down too. See, and I can get. I can understand the appeal of a record made entirely out of records. There is, like, to me, that's much more respectable than again than like Puffy Combs, who just loops like a police song and makes no attempt to be creative or do anything different with it. You know, so I mean, it is it is an unbridgeable gap. For well, the it's most like part. a lot of that stuff that uh, that Fat Boy makes. Right. A lot of a lot of his samples. I literally, this is just me. You know, polishing I should listen to that I listen to his. He I just put a, listen to he that. just put a new one up yesterday called Kobayashi Maru. Uh huh. And it's yeah, it's just it's music from Ratha Khan, but it it's got, with it's, like a breakbeat. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, it is. So, and, you know, and so anyway, so there you go. Uh, hey, by the way, you're listening to Casey in the Portland. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey everybody, it's good hey. to be on. Hello. Hey, uh, I've got a, a reference and a, and a recommendation here. Um, this is just like that discussion uh, or the, the scenes from Mr. Holland's Opus oh, where he says, do you guys recognize this song? And he plays some popular 60s song right. by the Trogs or the Animals or right. whatever. And, and they say, yeah, we know that. And they, he says, nope, that's, uh, you know, uh, Mozart. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, he's playing Lover's Symphony by the toy, the Toys or something, and then it's like he reveals it. It's like, it's Vivaldi. Ta-da! There you go, exactly. Yeah. Now, now uh, a guy uh, actually based, did a whole comedy skit based on that. It's called the Pucklebell Rant by Rob Caravonian. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I sent you a link earlier today when you guys started this discussion. And <laughs> five hours ago when we started talking about it. <laughs> exactly. Well, he goes on uh, for this whole this whole rant saying how he was a uh, a cello player and he played Pucklebell's uh, Canon in D and he hates that song and he tries to get away from it. But it's just in every song. It's in Green Day music. It's right. in. Uh, Aerosmith, so that uh, you know, that'd be a great thing to go to break to if you got well five minutes to play the whole thing. All right. Uh, well, did you send me the link? I did. All right. I will. I will look for the link, and if we don't play it today, we'll uh, we'll try to do that at some point in the immediate. Future. Breaking news. All right. Thank you. If you can sample it. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, good reference. Thank you, sir. Is, right. this, is this really breaking news? Well, it's it's breaking news. You know. Hold on. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's important. Hold on. Ow! Why do I always forget to turn that down? Hold on. All right. Oregon State Police Troopers reported a busy New Year's Eve. They arrested several drunken drivers. A total of 81 DUI arrests during the 78-hour New Year's holiday period. That's less than I thought it would be, actually. I would think it would be more. Well, early reports show that on January 1st, that's today, between 9 a.m., wow, midnight and 9 a.m., troopers arrested 36 drivers on charges uh, driving under the influence. So, you know, they got a lot of people just within that nine-hour period. I wonder if certain radio stations are missing more DJs. <laughs> wow. Did you really say that? You know what's amazing? <laughs> what are you talking about? What? You know what's amazing? that I, I, was, I was telling you uh, earlier about this, Rick, is last night I got out from, you know, from karaoke from hell about 3.34 in the morning, and I'm, expect, I'm expecting to get pulled over. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally sober. Bitches but, on my arms. But no, <laughs> <laughs> no, they went home. Um Ops to Tacoma and Moscow, they were. <laughs> After all that, you went home by yourself. Back to SeaTac. Well, 
you know. Well, I had to I had to be up. You know, work comes first in my book. That's what I'm saying. Yes, to the point exactly. where you were up at four. Work before play. Uh, no, so I'm, I'm getting out of there, and I'm expecting to see cops, and I'm expecting to get pulled over, because I've gotten pulled over in years past, even when I was totally sober, just because they like to stop people. And I, I drove uh, uh, through downtown Portland, um, up through, uh, what is it, Powell, to about 122nd where I live. Didn't see one cop, didn't see one person pulled over, and I saw several people. Uh, this Honda that I was kind of scared of in front of me that was obviously swerving. No, I uh, I was going down 39th at around 130, 145, and Lara and I passed. I mean, it must have been 10 or 12 cop cars, unless they were all converging on one location, unless they were going somewhere. They probably know... I'm sure they know likely spots and routes that yeah. they know where but to target. But down Portland in the Bar District, that's where I was at, you know, down there. On but the, everybody walks everybody downtown, 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 downtown on New Year's Eve, don't yeah. they, or cabs? Uh, a lot of cars, especially with, on... with TriMed. I can't even imagine TriMed's the really good. I wouldn't even attempt it. No, for life. Well, no yeah. the two things, I'll tell you. Okay, first off, you know, at the crack corner of 2nd and Burnside down there, kind of where all the bars are at. Yes. Um, there was a lot of cars parked, so people did drive there. And then also, too, there were just an unbelievable amount of uh, drunks out there on the road just stopping in crosswalks when they should be going. It's basically, it was kind of like, it's kind of like when a bunch of cattle come into town in the Old West. That's what it reminded me of, just a bunch of cows. Wandering through the middle of town. Just wandering <laughs> through road, the road, uh, just kind of causing disturbance, uh, leaving their mess everywhere. Excellent. Yeah. It's just night of the living dead. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, how you doing? Hello. Uh, happy New Year, everyone. Thank happy you. Year. You as well, happy sir. Happy New Year. You, um, is there ever going to be a, uh, the, the podcast today? Um, no. Who am I fooling? Uh, where hey, are you I'm, calling from? I'm calling from the Hillsboro. Do you not have a, a radio? Well, I have to work today. Oh, I see. What kind of work do you do? I uh, work for an internet company that you use to get your news from. An internet company that I get my news from? Yes. Friends was uh, Gahoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, genius. Um... And here's the thing, uh, and I will tell this to, I don't know, it's ironic that I'm saying this over the air, but uh, it, it, it probably won't be on the station website, but I will try to, because I, I actually don't have access to that without, uh, I'm really feeble without people around to help me. I will try to pull this show and get it posted on rickemerson.com today. All right, cool. Hey, um, you you mentioned something about maybe a live podcast, live feed in the near future. Yeah, we're uh, there's a stack of paperwork like three inches deep that we got to go through before we can start, because it's like you got to... Do everything for the you know, the guy who does the big voice and the, the, the people who do the commercials and all the different shows. And so the legalities of doing a live stream are immense, but we are working on it. All right, cool. I like to hear that. All right, have uh, have fun at uh, best show ever. Gah-hoo! Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> all right, thank you, sir. Uh, You're not allowed to rent here anymore. Yeah. All right. Don't you have some Dick Clark audio that I'm not allowed to hear until you play it? Oh man. <sighs> well, let's talk about Dick Clark. Aaron, other well. I think there was only audio last night. <laughs> Meaning, he was. See, no one's gonna. I. No one's gonna believe me. I want to believe. I'm perplexed. I don't well, know what you're talking. It's about. clear that. Okay, if you saw Dick Clark's Dick Clark's in quotes, Rocky Quote Eve, Dick Clark, which, yeah. is, which we did. That was a. They, they completely golemed him. He was all motion they captured. They golemed him. They golemed him. They made him into a Jewish zombie? No, no, no. No, not that one. <laughs> oh, Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no. They, they coated him with mud, and then they brought him to life. No, they pulled a, they pulled a Beowulf. I don't understand. They motion... Ca- that is not him. It's difficult. It, did you ever see him actually f- interacting with anybody on the Rock and Eve last night? 
He just stared. No, no, he would. He go, just stared. And now Ryan was like he was on hologram then. No, no, no. He was. I think he was a motion. Ca- like he might have been there just sitting, but I think they motion captured an image over him. So you know, Zemeckis oh, pulled that so off. So they used Robert Zemeckis. So they used his. Um, well, that's his thing. So they used. Your, this is in your. This is your theory. Is that they used? I think it's more than the theory. Voice, but that they somehow uh, digitally. Enhanced or yeah. or augmented his physical appearance. Yeah. Why? Could he would be all twitchy or, well, yeah, he, or whatever. Well, first off, not movie. Yeah, isn't when when you have a stroke, your left side quits working. One of your sides, I forget. Yeah, his whole sides were working. Not very well. They were working, and he just had that. He had that sheen that yeah. you see in films like Beowulf. Have you been, I guarantee have you been hanging out with Oliver Stone? No, I guarantee he. I I will do more research, but I. I am guaranteeing it right now. You know, he the, was the, motion the, captured. The thing is, I actually wouldn't put him past him at this point. Because no, if anyone T-voted or whatever, rewatch it. He doesn't move more than a couple inches from you know, his head from and side he to did side. Look, he, he did look sort of artificially, I mean, even from makeup standards, he looked kind of That's waxy. what I mean. No, he, he, had looked, a sort of, he did have a sort of glow to him. Yeah, go watch some clips from Beowulf and then rewatch Dick Clark's Rock and Eve. It's the same. I will texture. say this. Here's why this strikes me as plausible. I was watching uh, the NFL the other day, sort of by accident, like I was watching a football game, <laughs> and I noticed how, you know that technology where they put the the uh, uh whatever the the first yard line or first down or whatever yeah. oh, that yeah, thing football, re- yeah. whatever that line is called all the new graphics that were inspired by video games uh, is, there, is anyone here a sports fan yes i like college football. what do they call that goal that you have to get to to get another oh, the first, get down a, line. first down, down line. line yeah first down line yeah god i'm i'm, I'm so clueless. not a man i'm clueless. sorry you god, are a wuss god and you eat no meat. my father eat, hated I me eat meat and i know this stuff so anyway but you know they digitally superimpose yeah. that now and then they also superimpose ads and they actually now on the it used to just be a yellow first down line now it actually says the arrow third and seven you know or whatever and, but the thing is and it looks it doesn't look cgi it looks like it's been painted, painted on the on field. so there and that's on the fly that changes like that yeah and the players step over it, and you can't see it. It doesn't shimmer like an old blue screen used nope. to. So it it's not, not like Han walking over Jabba's tail. No, no, yeah. it, exactly. So it would not surprise me if they did use Dick Clark's delivery, but if he allowed them to CGI. I don't think they told him. Appear- he That's thinks he thing. looks great. I don't think they told him. Go re- slumped over. I'm serious. A, no, it's, it's just. style. <laughs> yes. He's like, he, you know what? He looked a lot like Baylock from the Carbonite Maneuver. You know, just Ooh. didn't really move. No, he didn't move. You don't see him interact with yeah, anybody. Yeah, the little Terry Gilliam mouth. <laughs> no, well, a little bit. Like a nutcracker mouth. If they needed somebody to interact, they would cut to Seacrest. But That's other true. than that, it was just straight That's on. That's true. Dick Clark never talked. Never or, He talked never interacted with another human. He, he, may toss, just, he may have like talked the line out. La, 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 la. He would Out of you, Ryan. And then they would go to write. Do we have the audio? There's nothing really on YouTube either. See? I'm oh, telling you. You want me to get it? You're not you, going to be able uh, to find files you of it. playing it earlier today? I was playing it earlier. Let's Hold find it. And then I forbid. I'm like, you're going to listen to it over here. So <laughs> let's, and I'll do this whole conversation again tomorrow with Tim and Sarah. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, before you play this, let me just give a little backup here. So I kept nagging everybody all evening. I'm like, we're missing Dick Clark. And so at 1140, the Wii was finally turned off. Everybody wanted to see him. I'm yeah. like, we got to see Dick Clark. We turn him on. Oh, my God. He looks horrible. Okay, here's the thing. First of all, he's got a huge gap oh. between his teeth. I don't know where oh. that came from. See, I'm tell- he look at like the sheep. See, but he doesn't look real like- in a way. I do have to say that. So we saw him, and he looked bad, and oh, then we heard the voice. Jesus. And look the at- voice yeah. was like off the chart. We all pulled away from the television in horror. No, I guarantee that oh. Zermeckis, you, they, they right. contacted Zermeckis' people. Because Spielberg wouldn't pull crap like this. No, he's but Robert Zemeckis would. If only Kubrick was alive, he would have money. Yeah. All right, let's. Get, so here, so we'll play the audio here. He, we saw him on TV. And we thought, 
Well, he looks pretty bad. And then he spoke, and it was like we all kind of went, yeah! He was like zombie Clark. He was like World War Dick Clark. Uh, before I, I play this, I'm going to read one of the comments here on the, right. uh, the YouTube where this is posted. It says, I'm sorry, but Dick Clark's time is done on the show. His speech hasn't improved in the last time, uh, and he looks more caked with makeup. I mean, and let me just yeah, say this. Digital first makeup. Of all, let me just first say, of all, he's Dick Clark and we aren't. I was going to say, he's rich and famous and I'm not. Uh, and, you know, and uh, whatever. And you know what? He's still wringing out money from that show every year. God bless him. He's an institution. But boy, howdy. Wow. That just doesn't, that still doesn't help when he it tries mm -hmm. to speak and you kind of go, ha, ah, and you recoil. So he looks terrible. Let's hear how he sounds. I'm pressing play All right. This now. is Dick Clark last night. We're counting down the midnight, so get ready for the most colorful scene you'll ever be a part of. You know, they try all over the world, all over the world, to equal this celebration. But there's nothing like it anywhere in the world. And soon, we'll see that new ball drop from the number one Times Square. This is really to right? Yeah. I, so I want to cry. And then he, see, he throws it right here. Right. Hey, you know what? And I have more proof now just by watching that. Granted, it's a YouTube video. He's in front of a green screen also. Is that true? There is no hey, way he's go. live there. This is him counting down. You ready? Oh, wait, hold on. Let me see if I have a better feed of this, actually. You don't, let me, like, you don't like my feed? Like someone recording I'm just saying, television. Let me, yeah. let me check. Um, my feed's not good enough for you. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm seeing if K2 it's has it. not your fault, Timmy. Because they, I'm seeing if K2 has it. Because they were the, uh, you know, the, the, they're the New Year's Rocket Eve station. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I don't think so. So do you go ahead? Yeah, go ahead and play this. This is him counting down. Okay, here we go. So let's go. Here we go. 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, That's a lot faster than real seconds. Yeah. <laughs> 10, 9, 8. And then the Happy New Year sounds yeah. terrible. Oh God, nope. Yeah. You know who he reminds me of? He was, yeah, no. Like, he I just was, want to remember him. Like, of the old Dick Clark. That's, that's what I mean. I'd rather he just. That's you know, the thing is, I'm not trying to tell Dick Clark what to do because he's, you know, you can make the argument that like, God bless him, he's out there and he refuses maybe. to be beaten by the stroke or whatever. Yeah, kind of. But on the, pretty. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, you know what? And the gold standard. You'll get to hear this entire rant again tomorrow. The gold standard uh, for all of these guys, though, is Johnny Carson. You know? Who Carson was like, and I'm out! And yep. then he never appeared anywhere, and he made one appearance. Then he died from cancer. On Letterman. And then he vanished. He never made another appearance. He did one interview uh, to Esquire magazine after he retired. And they were like, what are you doing? He's like, living in a boat off the Serengeti. And they're like, what? And he's yes, I have a 75-foot yacht and a hot wife, and I'm rich, and that's what I'm doing. And it was, that's it. Man. I mean, that's the problem. Retired, didn't come back. This is how people are going to remember Dick Clark, totally. this that's weird the... Beowulf version of him. Well, it's just like, how do you remember Elvis? You don't remember the Schvelt Elvis. You remember the fat, bloated, totally. you know, dying on a toilet, yeah, suffocating in your Sorry. shag carpeting. Sorry, Jen. Yeah. No, what can you do? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, did you guys have a video to that New Year's thing, dude? Well, it was on it was on YouTube. Yeah, just go to YouTube and 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 uh, type in Dick Clark 2008 and it'll uh, pop right up. Oh, Although Kristen's right, it looks like someone just aimed a video camera at their TV, so it's not know, a good. I never, it's not horrible. I never no. thought about the. But I have it on t uh, my TV at home, so I'll bring it back tomorrow. But uh, I hadn't really thought about the fact that he's not even really there, I and that he's, really he's at home. Well, I wanted to. I and wanted they to green screened it right, it right after right after the uh, the the New Year's. There, some gal, I don't know if it's his wife or who it is, comes up there. and 
and kisses him. So he does. Well, he does that every year. His wife comes up and they kiss every year. Uh, And for the longest time, it was like the portrait of Dorian Gray, where he was really young and she was really old. Uh, Now they kind of look the same age. Oh, God. You know what? Let's see. They can here. do a lot of stuff nowadays. Wait, hold on, hold on. I think we may this. Uh, I think we may have a better one. That hold looks on a like second. a set. That doesn't look real. No, I, he, no. there's no way he's in he's Times not there. Square. He's not in Times they, Square. I mean, that's look, and I'm not a conspiracy guy, but that just makes this sense. This could have been done pre-recorded. Too. There's no the way that they put him in Times Square. No. And yet they have Times Square behind him, so that's undoubtedly at one of Dick, you know, DC Productions has studios all over the world. Yeah, that is at one of Dick Clark Productions studios, undoubtedly. Possibly and there's a green pre- screen. Po- pos- stop, possibly pre-recorded. Okay, and really, that's not an accurate countdown. Kristen no. really nailed it. Yeah. It really is like he's going to come eat your brains. I mean, yeah. Right, and they, they actually have the countdown screen. I mean, they tested out several times. So, I mean, you know, it's... All right. It uh, could have been done beforehand. I think it's pre-recorded. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Happy New Year to you guys. Hello. Um, listen, I, I think you guys are kind of busting him bad. You, I'm not trying to be a jerk. No, he had you a know stroke. What? What it's going to take a lot of cojones for him to get out there because he knows he's not all there. And it Does takes he? a lot of cojones to get up there in front of all of America and continue to do what he's doing. So I give him props. I'm man. not. No, no, no. And I said, no, I preface you know, this whole thing that I love Dick Clark. He's an American icon. It's whatever. But one cannot, one cannot pretend that this is not happening. Well, he's not pretending it either. See, that's the thing. He's not pretending. Well, Everybody knows. Yeah, if you believe, if you believe Aaron, someone is taking great I, pains to cover this. I think someone else is trying to force him to pretend. He almost certainly is not in Times Square. Yeah. That is a fake and backdrop. After you oh, know he's not in Times Square, but you know, at least the guy's still trying. And you got to, you got to give it to him for that. You no, know, no, I mean, I'm, you guys are all young, and you know, as you get a little up in the years, you're going to appreciate more. It's not really up you, in but the you know years. What? It, it, if they did do something to him, I would honestly, I would prefer him, if he still wanted to do it live, to come out there in any physical condition and even say, you know what, but it's not going to stop me from enjoying the new year. I'm going to go as long as I can. That's the thing, like, and again, I'm not trying and to pick good, up, that I And I'm like. not picking on Dick Clark. I really am not. I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of the fact they had a stroke or whatever. But I mean, it, but also it would be just weird if we didn't comment on the fact that, hey, the guy who's doing the countdown every year that everybody watches can't talk. Like, well, if no one mentioned it, it would be conspicuous by its omission. So my whole thing is this. I'm with Aaron. I think, and like I'm issuing demands to Dick Clark, I really do <laughs> wish, I do wish, though, and maybe he did and I missed it, but I do wish that he, like, would just sort of address it and just sort of defuse all the tension. Like what? What is he supposed like to say? say? Like, like, like. I a, had a stroke? But you know yeah, what? No, flat yeah, out yeah, say, look, yeah, I had a stroke. Yes, no, he could say, absolutely. Look, I had a stroke. I'm still out here. You What's what? your excuse, the, America? Yeah, seriously, like the Grim Reaper will have to come and drag me away. I will not go quietly. F it. I'm still here. You will never get rid of me. Now let's count down. Totally. Like, it's on, bitches. And totally just, and just. Well, don't you think, don't you think that he's got constraints on him no. as to what he can and cannot say? No, no, no. 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 He 
owns that show. Yeah. Literally. I and mean, he's got a huge ass ego too. Literally, His he owns that show, and I mean, he has more power over that show than ABC does. He and owns that show. And everybody in the United States knows that he had a stroke. I'm just saying, it's one of those things that you would like to hear. I'm, I'm not trying to pick a fight about it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think talking it, to a disabled person, but you don't really feel comfortable about talking about their disability until they bring. And it that up. is why many, many, many disabled people uh, they know that and they choose to address it first, so mm-hmm. it diffuses the tension. I'm, you know, fine. Maybe we shouldn't have tension, but like we do. And I'm just saying, I think it would serve him better if people, if he would just sort of address. Here's a perfect example: Roger Ebert, uh, the great film critic. Oh yeah. Uh, he yeah. is not able to speak anymore. Uh, he had cancer of the salivary gland, and they removed part of his tongue, huge section of his jaw. Now he says maybe someday he'll be able to talk again. But, you know, right now he's talking through the Stephen Hawking uh, thing. Yeah. So I saw this. There was this messed up interview with him. It screws with your head, too, because, like, there you see Roger Ebert's face, and then it's like, hello, I am Roger. And he uses a British voice. Cool. He doesn't use an American accent. He uses the Hawking British accent. And and he actually, the first thing he said was, you know, um, I know you are wondering why I'm using a British accent. It is because the American accents make me sound like a tool. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and you know what? You're like, oh, that's so Thank funny. You. All right, let's go forward. Yeah, maybe and he it, should address it. it but, totally you know, I still give the guy it. props. you got to give the guy props so for getting out there. See, I so think do someone I. pulled something over him and haven't told him. I give him props, too, but I do think he is of a certain generation of entertainer that feels that he has to seal off uh, his personal life mm-hmm. and can't. And always has to be Dick Clark with like he's well, definitely old school. Hollywood. And yeah. you know there's not a whole Hollywood lot of those guys around I know. anymore. No, it's so. true. It's I'm, and I know that it is. That's why he does it because he's from yeah. that generation. No, I'm just saying it would. I don't. I think one of his handlers, if anybody has any influence over him, which he is still so powerful that they don't. He's such a control freak, obviously. And I'm trying to knock him. That's how he got where he is. But I don't think any of his handlers are able to get through to him. That, like, for the sake of the product, you ought to, like, do this. You know, you ought to do it this way for the sake of your show. And I think that's the one thing he would understand. Yeah. If they said for the sake of the brand, you got to handle it a little differently. So. Yeah. No, I mean, Dick Clark's right, going to die on. He's going to die on camera. I mean, he's that kind of show. Yeah. No, no, he'll, like, he'll go out counting like, down. Yeah. He's like Rickles. No, Rickles totally. is going to die, die Rickles, on stage. Wow. Rickles is going to be in the wow. middle of a joke, and he's going to drop right there, and that's totally. what they want. All right. Oh, uh, well, now it's all Dick Clark. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> Show. Hello. All right. Thank you for calling. Thanks so much. Hi. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, I think what you're suggesting is that if Dick Clark had come out and done an Independence Day type speech. Hello, Zillan Hour. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and you know, it, the president was set. I mean, we've had a mental retard as president for five, for eight years doing a bad impression of a president in front of a green screen anyway, so why not Dick Clark? Yeah, well, and we've had generations of, like, every, uh, every like, uh, uh, like, handicapped or disabled comedian. They, and, you know, frankly, and, you know, even, like, here's, every comedian knows that when you, when you have, you know, you're weird looking in some way or whatever, you go out and that's the first thing you do is you address it because then it makes it go away. And then you milk it for, like, and 10 then, minutes. And then you out. totally yeah. milk it. So, yeah, I'm with you. So yeah, there, this, there is precedent set for this. Watching this Dick Clark thing was almost as creepy as that uh, commercial during the Oscars a couple of years ago where they, quote, made Christopher Reeve walk. Oh, yeah, see, that was so that creepy. That was messed. That was unbelievable. Uh, yeah, yeah it was so they weird. They didn't tell him they were going to do that. Didn't they? No. They oh, told, that ain't right. They didn't tell him that part because he donated all his money to the research and he got paid for it because it was for, I believe, a, a research for you know, our medical research to help oh, cure what he had. That is wrong. And I don't think they told him that they were going to make him CGI walk across and say like I was cured. You know, I oh, walk again. That's so that's weird. Like the the John Wayne and Pepsi commercials. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. It's like, uh, you know, Callahan, the cartoonist for the Willamette? Yeah. You ever met him? Yeah. He, he used, used to, to come into Suncoast where I used to work all the time. Coolest guy, just a bastard. Yeah. Just the coolest guy, just a, just a colossal dick. I watched and, him uh, smack a kid over the head with a stick one time because he wouldn't get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was in the horror section and the kid wouldn't move and he kept saying, excuse, yeah. excuse me, and all of a sudden he hear this, and you know, the, the, pretty great. the yeah. thing about him, he's got the one hand that works and then the other hand is just like limp spaghetti, just doesn't work at all. Yeah. And of course, I didn't know which one to, to go for when I met him because he'd listen to the show and he's like, hey, regular listen to the show. And I'm like, hey, Callahead, you rock. And I go and I grab the hand. And I realized immediately, like, Dead I have fish. chosen poorly. Like, I chose the wrong hand. And he's like, yeah, you're not going to have much luck with that one. It doesn't really uh, do anything, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and he totally, like, made me feel like less of a dick. For, yeah. It's like, I used to know this guy with no thumbs. <laughs> and um, he was a DJ, and he had no thumbs. And it was, the, you don't realize how important thumbs are. I mean, I know that sounds like a dumb statement. No, yeah, I do. Yeah. You shake hands with somebody with no thumbs, your hand goes all the way up to the elbow. Like, it just slides up. <laughs> There's no stop. Your hand, you go, hey, Sean, wham, grab it, zing, your hand slides all the way up to their armpit. There's just nothing It's like a Price it. is Right mountain climb. There's no backstop, yeah, totally, there's no backstop on that hand. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, hello. God, it's like two hours and 25 minutes of my life, I'll never get back. But I gotta say, don't you think it's a little bit better to, uh... Wait, hold on, now let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Now, is this, the stuff you're saying now... Just like the filler and the whole point of the call was really that first line, or was the first line something you just thought of and you were now getting to the actual meat of the call? No, I held it for about 30 minutes. But um, the meat of the call, was, uh, my, my point is just that uh, don't you think it's a little bit better to burn out than fade away? I mean, the guy's he's not there. I mean, what are we going to do with this? I really don't know where we're going. This is a strangely philosophical call. Enjoy the audio for years to come. Yeah, seriously. What is it, what is it you're Every suggesting, year worse sir? than the last. Say again. What? Wow. Um, what is it you're, what, what is specifically are you suggesting or thinking we ought to do, sir? We need a new Dick Clark. Do you mean as in like a CGI Dick Clark? Because I think we're already on that. Or yeah. he needs to be replaced. Uh, just somebody, somebody's got to come along. Somebody's got to come along and take his place. I mean, well, he's, well, we're not, we're having Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, we already have I mean, Seacrest, though. He's the yeah. ultimate Dick Clark. Boy, but man. Seacrest is, no, no, Seacrest no, is no. never going to have Kidding. that old school Hollywood. Well, there's the not going to be another mentality. Dick Clark. There's not, there will never be another Dick Clark, and I'll tell you why. Because then the consolidation of media no longer exists to create Dick Clark. Uh, you know what I mean? Dick Clark got where he is because there was one tiny group of companies that controlled all the outlets for media, television okay. and radio, okay. which was all there was. There was TV and radio and movies, and that's it. And now media is so diluted that even Ryan Seacrest, who is on TV and radio uh, and, and movies, and movies yeah. uh, even he will never have the impact of Dick Clark because there are too many channels. It is diluted down. All right. Well, you went. There's a mass amount of audiences. And concentrated yeah. in one I mean, place. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. you're never. It's like you know nobody's ever going to sell 30 million copies of a record again. The mm -hmm. audience is just too disparate. That you need to have a finite number of outlets for anything. It's definitely you know, a niche here's system a, at this point. Well, here's here's the, the, remember, American Bandstand used to be planned viewing. Oh yeah, like you every week. Your right, who's week he going to have on this week? Well, it's like this. You know, you think about that final episode of Mash, which got like a 50 share, which yeah. is just. I mean, you know, the top program in America right now doesn't do a third of that and never will. Uh, because there's just too many choices. So and it was a terrible episode. Unfortunately, <laughs> you shut your mouth. It, it was wasn't bad. that good. It was your hole. You know, you bad American. You know, hey, no one loves Mash more than me, but I come on. I think the so I think the 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 circumstances that by which Dick Clark was created, uh, that those are gone. It was just never going to back. Okay. Yeah. Well, what and can we, we do? 
All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your, your laissez-faire attitude. Thank you. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you. All right. There you go. That was the best call ever. It's like one big taffy pull with that guy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's do some more new. Jesus, it's 1.30. We're having so much fun. Wasn't I saying a while back I was going to leave at 1? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah whatever. Like, Your I'm wife's not going to be home till like midnight. So. Seriously. Here's Timmy Ryan. Okay. And then we'll take a break. I actually had a really good story here, but I think Aaron stole it. I don't steal anything. Oh, my news. oh this Aaron's is good. all original. He all wasn't time. stealing. He was sampling. All right. <laughs> Dumb joke. I'm sorry. All right. Um, wah, 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 wah. Um, unsuccessful presidential assassin Sarah Jane Moore, who took a shot at President Ford. I don't even remember her. Really? No, I remember Squeaky Fromm trying to assassinate yeah. Gerald Ford, but I don't even know who she is. Yeah, everybody was just trying to kill him back then. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't do anything. No, Why he was he just such a pointless... Him? I don't understand. He was just such a, like, a completely irrelevant president. It's like taking a shot of, like, Jimmy Carter. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Which we don't advocate. No, no way no, do we advocate. No, no, no way. No, but that's, not, that's what I mean. It's like, what did Ford do apart from falling it's down like a lot? He's being really angry at, like, Mr. Belvedere, you know? He's just sort of there. Well, at him. Yeah, okay. Messing, keep, with, messing with the uke. So is she out of prison? Well, no, I'll keep reading the story because it'll make sense now. All right. All right. <laughs> Sarah J. Moore, who took a shot at President Ford in a bizarre assassination attempt just 17 days after a disciple of Charles Manson tried to kill Ford. There you go. Was paroled yesterday. How can you After 32 be years paroled. behind bars. Yeah, in some countries it's like instant execution. Uh, right. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. She's 77 now, and she was released from a federal prison in Dublin, which is east of San Francisco. In recent interviews, Moore said she regretted her action, saying she was blinded by her radical political views and convinced that the government had declared war on the left. It kind of sounds familiar. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right. Doesn't that sound... You get squeaky from remains jailed. You know Not what? right. I've got a dumb question. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why... Yeah. And I don't mean this as, as like, a joke. Mm-hmm. Why is Manson in jail for life? I'm not saying he should be out. Um, I don't know. Don't get me ca- started. Don't, don't get me don't started. Get, don't, I'm not saying I want him roaming the streets. Yeah, because, you guys could be roomies. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's just... Well, I mean, legally speaking, it's because, it's because they sentenced him to death, and then it was commuted. But he uh, didn't... California he didn't do it. I mean, I, he, I, trust me. Brother, I'm with you. I have to sound no. like a big defender of Charles Manson, that's, but I am That's with, where I feel weird. I'm not I'm defending him. It's from the pure legality. No, no, no. By the prosecution's own admission, Charles Manson didn't kill anybody. The prosecution was never able to prove that Charles Manson himself ever physically... In fact, the prosecution acknowledges that Charles Manson took no part in any of the killings. So he was jailed for life just because... He was jailed for life. freaky and mean. Jailed for life because he had... The joint responsibility rule of conspiracy. Did you just Google that? Please tell me you knew that. Did you look it up? No, No, that's the thing. It's the prosecution, by their own admission, he didn't take part in any of the crimes. He's also George W. Bush's half-brother. So basically he was was convicted of being too uh, persuasive. Okay. And he was, den- by the way, and in my opinion, he was unfairly and unconstitutionally denied the right to represent himself, which he repeatedly asked for during his trial. He re- he repeatedly and I forcefully they asked that. And yet, so huh. there you go. So yeah, he repeatedly so requested that- to defend himself, and the um, uh, the California court system refused to allow him his constitutionally mandated right. Let's to let him walk the so streets. Does that, so does that mean that if the, that if Koresh hadn't opt himself, they would have had to have done the same thing to him? I don't know. You know, I, the Manson. And look, I'm weird. not trying to defend it. It's just a storm around that Manson case. No, I'm a big, um, I'm a big, uh, you know, follower of the of the Manson case. I got a whole like a lot of. Um... Well, it would be like the Pope going out and telling people to kill a bunch of people. 
He'd which still thing, be re- which he's done before. Well, yeah, but he's been. <laughs> I mean, he's been. He'd be responsible for it, even though he didn't do it himself. Uh, see, but that's 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 BS. I mean, it's like at what? Uh, when you have I, that much influence, there though. is either personal responsibility or there is not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, you but know, there are also those weak-minded individuals yes. that well need. I, I, I hate to sound like a big. They listen to the radio station down the street. I hate to sound like a big defender of Charles Manson. I'm just saying. I that's do. That's what think it sounds like to me. It sounds like you're a Manson lover. I am. Well, it's not the defending of him. It's it's no really the legal system really just they did reach a a predestined they reached a conclusion with him and then they just structured the law to reach that conclusion. Yeah. And I agree with that. Tried to find I, yeah. anything to keep him in there. And they should because the guy's a yeah. dangerous well, sob and he's got a swath. Mm. Well, even he has said he doesn't want out anymore though. Didn't no, he say well, that? you know, but he's doesn't he even. I know way too much about Charles Manson. He actually before the uh, before all the killings in '69 even happened when they let him out of jail. Before that, he actually repeatedly asked not to be let out of jail. In like 64, they're like, okay, time for you to go to jail. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to go out. And he's like, no, 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 get out. And he's like, no, 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 I'd rather stay in prison. Trust and me. he actually said, he's like, bad things will happen if you let me go. And they're like, ah, oh, Chuck, come on, here you go. Go get laid. Go have a beer. And they don't, kicked him out of jail. He repeatedly asked not to be let out. Remember, he did folks, get laid. Yeah, he did. Remember, Lots folks, that lot. is true. You can't deny yeah. that. Yeah. Raised by the government. Totally. He's an example, he's the gover- he's an example Raised of by the government. government. That's yep. what yeah. government cheese does. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, and George W.'s half-brother. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson really? Show. No. One word for oh, you. Yeah. Yes, sir. Hitler. How do you... Hitler? Yeah. Well... I barely knew her. That's oh, a there good you point. go. Thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks no, so much. Well, um, well, you know what I'm saying. I, 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 it's just one of those things where did he actually pull any triggers or throw any switches or, you know, that's all... He just hmm. gave out the orders. Oh, he no, had the no, influence. Don't, no, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, Charles Manson is certainly guilty. He was of, a general in the Army of Death. Yeah. Charles Manson is guilty of, of any number of things. But but I would say that when he went in there, clearly California and the, you know, Richard uh, Nixon, actually, there's a famous headline where as, and this was in the front of the L.A. Times, when the trial was still going on. So this is the thing where Manson's on trial. He's going through his whole thing where, you know, he's being tried before a jury of his peers, and Richard Nixon just came out and told the L.A. Times, he's guilty, I know it. And like the next day, in like 80-point type on the front of the L.A. Times, it's like, Manson, guilty, Nixon declares. I mean, there were clearly was a tenor of the times where they were going to get like the maximum for that guy, whether yeah. he actually killed anybody or not. So, you know, it's just it's a weird way. It's one of those tricky legal things, though. Manson where. You know, if people have just people have pointed out over the years how it was a weird confluence of circumstances that led, and of course it came. It was at the whole hate Ashbury thing, and yeah, the, it's, the summer of love, and there were people. Were, what's going on? I don't understand. The color put us on hold. Bye now. <laughs> Let's find that guy and beat him. I don't know. So it was no, it was, and America, I think, had had become increasingly irritated with and frustrated by and angry at hippies, and we're just looking for any chance. So like, this will, as soon as a hippie spit on the sidewalk, prison. And so that was, you know. So this is going to be the same reason why OJ is going to go down for life. Oh man, boy, I got to tell you, he's gonna. It's gonna. Boy, just the just and the I'm not trying to the wheel turning on that guy is just. Although only, the irony being that someone who probably did kill people is still. No, no, no. <laughs> have, you, will you be, have you heard my have thing? Have you heard anything about that trial? Uh, it's not starting in like April. Starting in uh, June, I think, in Las Vegas. Yeah, Roop's going to be stationed there. Uh, well, you know, have you heard the ultimate? Did I tell you this? The ultimate irony about the OJ case? Okay, the ultimate, if for the people who haven't, I've never grown tired of this. The <laughs> ultimate irony of the OJ case is that the item he was breaking in to retrieve in that Las Vegas place 
is the suit he was wearing when they acquitted him yeah. for killing Nicole. <laughs> that was like his thing. He's like, that suit that I was wearing when that's I was acquitted, that's worth a lot of money. So he breaks in to get that suit, bam, probably going to jail for the rest of his life. Yep. That is like a the final destination of the... Totally. Yes. I mean... Which means, of course, that if he hadn't killed Nicole in the first place, he wouldn't now be going to prison for life because there'd be no suit in which he was acquitted. As John that really says, is the man comes around. Total, and that is where the <laughs> universe paradox. And then, like, where fate just has just like a fantastic, just uh, you know, Aristotelian sense of humor of like, no, oh! that is like a Rube Goldberg. Some, somewhere in the background, fate. you hear fate saying, <laughs> "Totally, that that is fate making a bank shot into yeah. the corner pocket." Uh, That's Kareem just hooking it from the from the middle of the court. Wow, it's one thirty-five. When's the last time we took a break, Kristen? Uh, around 12.30. You probably do have a live read now. Commercial free. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll come back with more on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's New Year's Day. Stay right there. Back after this. Song, so long to Mike Cry. That's one of my wife's favorite bands. Me, person to give me. They're fantastic. Yeah, I had never heard of them until I met Lara. Lara knew about them. I and never. She, she's like, thing. you gotta hear this group. Same thing until I met Jen. I had no clue who they were. Yeah, and I, I didn't even know they did live shows. Because it's like a side project, so I didn't even know they toured. Yeah, because they're all part of different bands. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kristen probably knows way more than I do. Right? Yeah, I, I've seen him maybe years ago. It's like one of the guys from NoFX or something, and another guy from another yeah. thing. They put out a great country cover album, which is fantastic. That's actually what this is. That's a, this is from, it's, yeah, uh, Me First and the Gimme Gimme's Love Their Country. It's got a yeah. great cover of Jolene by Dolly Parton. Uh-huh. Too. I yeah. know The much one. underappreciated Dolly Parton. Um... Have you so, heard of Jack White's cover of that? Yeah, I don't like the White Stripes cover of Jolene. Really? It's, it's too, like, histrionic. It's too, mm-hmm. it's like he's trying too hard. What about Mindy Smith's cover of Jolene? I don't know that. Wait, you've never You're heard... on your wall! What? 
I, sometimes I, I, I didn't say it for effect, but sometimes I do like the effect of like all the gears in your head locking up at once. It rarely happens. Like if I were to say, like, who's Elvis? You just kind of go, you know, and it all, like, you seize up like a motor with no oil. Yeah, I've been broken up with because girls say that my brain's always on. So, so who, wait, who, Mindy, I don't even know who that is. Is she a contemporary uh, artist of some kind? I'm not trying to play dumb. I just, there's so much music now, it's hard to keep track of everything. Tell me. Tell me. <sighs> yes. She's, well, this was last year. Don't actually. be stingy with your music knowledge, Jimmy oh, Ryan. Tell okay. me. Well, hold on. Okay, so this this happened, like, one, two, I'd say about two years ago, and even even stations like, um, you know, the rock station across town, as they call it. Really? Did they call it that? <laughs> Who calls it that? Well, that's what they used to call it in the old days. Like, oh, yeah, the station across town. That's the drawer. Down the dial. Those guys down the dial are playing this. I think 94.7 played it and Kink used to play it. Yeah, the Mindy Smith version of Jolene. God, what a beautiful song, Jolene. Oh, I'm going to tell you. And she, it was a better version than um, right Dolly on. Parton's. Yeah. Really? That's saying something. The Dolly Parton version, the only thing the Dolly Parton version suffers from is the production sounds kind of 80s at this point. It makes um, me really sad Actually, wasn't that 70s? I don't even know when it's from. Is it early 80s or late 70s? late 70s? But it has very dated. It has that kind of it has that kind of gloss on it that a lot of the, you know, that Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like it's there's two different versions. Um Dolly Parton has at least two versions of that, one considerably slicker than the other. There's one that is almost like kind of a almost like a banjoey kind of dobro sound, and then there's one that is just very soft compressed acoustic guitar. And like keyboards, and it's just, it's not very good. Beautiful song, not all the recordings of it are that great. A lot of the country music in the 80s, though, had that. Oh, yeah, well, that sounded like it. Nobody by Sylvia. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the great thing about Jolene, and I think it's almost alone among songs, I don't think I've ever heard another song like Jolene in, in that where Dolly Parton, the, the woman of the song, who is herself unnamed. The great thing about, about Jolene as a song, and now we have to, oh, here it is. I found that Mindy Smith version. Okay. So we'll play that into the break. She's got a great song called Come to Jesus, too. Um, the uh, the great thing about Jolene is it's such a haunting song in that the narrator of the song is never named or described in any way. She only describes herself in the negative. In other words, by just talking only about her husband and her husband's mistress, she tells you, like, everything there is to know about the narrator. Like, you learn everything about the narrator of the song by the fact that she never talks about anything she has to offer the guy. It's all just about, she says, like, uh, you don't know what he means to me, Jolene, and, you know, and how she's, like, asking the other that woman, like, so as a favor, like, not to take her husband. It's such a haunting song. Anyway, Minnie Smith's really hot. She's way hotter than uh, than Dolly Parton ever was. We heard this today about various. No, 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 it is true. I'm looking at it now. It's a fact. This girl, this girl that I, um, um, Kelly last night that gave me the midnight kiss at uh, Dante's looked like midnight kiss at Dante's by the Timmy Ryan experience. No, no, no. (laughs) Oh my God, that looks exactly like her. Uh Ooh, and she's from Long Island. Ooh. All right. Let's. I mean, I find it rather angering that Dolly is. Best known for nine to five, though. Yeah, it's well, it's a great song. No, it's a great, it's a great pop song. No, it's a great pop song. It's great, but that she has just written so many. And the thing is, she unfairly because, and to her, you know, frankly, because she herself marketed her image and her looks so heavily, her really big boobs. But she's sort of trapped by it in the sense that people lump her into the category with all of the other country stars who just have crap handed to them, and they basically sing it like a glorified karaoke singer. People really underestimate. People don't realize how much material she has written. Yeah, yeah, and she's an amazing songwriter of just her ballads. Her because those are my favorite. She put out a bluegrass album a couple years ago. It was really Really? good. Yeah, and she had an album called Horns and Halos that was really good. And she's another one. She could rest on her laurels and just she cranks out new material about every two years. Dollywood. Dollywood. I mean, (laughs) what country star could say I have a whole amusement park 
themed around me. Yeah. Brad Paisley? No, Garth Brooks, I don't think so. I always assumed with Jolene, uh, and this is because, you know, it's a Dolly composition, I always assumed, I, incorrectly as it turns out, that, this is just my only reading into it, I always assumed that in some weird way that Dolly Parton was Jolene, and it was written a, that she herself was her. I always, I always suspected that that song came out of Dolly Parton's affair with someone's husband, and that she wrote the song about herself, that she was the Jolene in the I song. I can see that, because a lot of her songs are autobiographical. Yeah. A lot of she them. She later said that it wasn't. I don't know if that's true or not. But that's what I thought for the longest time, that she was writing about some poor woman who that she had wronged or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I mean, she, she totally lives that, you know, that life that she did grow up. You know, and that you know the, the oh, one dirt the one like room in Arkansas or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's not a canned story to make herself sound better. Oh to no, she's from like like a a shack, like a yeah. bad tar paper shack. On of a house. side note, I have scoured the internet far and wide to find pictures of Dolly without her wig, and I can't find any. No, you know she's very careful about never ever being photographed out of character. You know what I mean? I wonder if she's she another like old school. Oh yeah, no, yeah. she does. she's another one. She knows the she's she. I'm not saying trapped, but she's in the image. She never breaks. You know what's gonna suck? At some point, someone's gonna snap a photo, and she's gonna be bald and just unbeautiful. And yeah, I'm, it's well, be, I'm, sca- it's I'm be scared. I'm scared of that. Like Dick Clark esque. No, or when she's dead. You know, be yeah. like Anna Nicole Smith, where something leaks out after that she's dead because Dolly Parton has built up so much mystique about. What does she look like nude? And what does she look like when she's not made up like a two dollar whore? She's a man, you know. Well, she's, she or, she you know what it is. She more than almost any other woman looks like a drag queen. Yeah. Or she's gonna you know pull like a Hepburn and just disappear. She really or Betty Page and just whoosh, vanish. Gone. Yep. Let's listen to the song. Like no one, it's up and gone. Hey, Dolly Parton's in this video. Yes, she is. Yeah. Okay, so this is Mindy Smith. She is legitimately pretty. Can't believe you didn't know this. Julie. I do think I've heard this one now. That yeah, now I recognize it. Yeah. Oh, now you see yeah. it. Yeah. Now that I pointed it. You get the reference. I can recognize it still. such a creepy song. But Mindy Smith is oh so hot. <laughs> it looks like Kelly. Is that a dedication to Are you <laughs> sending this one out to Kelly and all the girls down to Dante? Hey, Kelly, if you're listening, she said she was going to. Kelly, if you're listening, here you go. Wakey, wakey. And then, here's the sad thing about this song. Another reason why this song is so creepy... Is because the woman, her the whole song is predicated on her belief that she could never get another man. That she's just so worthless, she could never get another guy. It's just, it's such an insanely I weird song. I can't find that hot in a girl, actually. Desperation. Like our old, in, like our old intern, will. Kyle. Our old intern, Kyle, we were at a beauty pageant one time, judging a beauty pageant for some stupid reason. One of those great ideas that Max and I, Jan, had for us. And a girl was out on stage, and Kyle said, Nah, she's got a little too much self-esteem for my liking. And it, like, marked her down. Oh, no. <laughs> totally knocked her down on points. Yeah, I like girls who think they're kind of ugly, but they're not. They think you're the best they're ever going to get. Such a terrible person. True. Do you think... Uh, you most... and Kristen need a weekend show. <laughs> Do you think most country fans realize how painful and heartbreaking the lyrics are to the songs they, they boot scoot to? <laughs> no, well, that's... I think if most people listened... To a lot of country songs, they would just be horrified, you know. Most album cuts are horrible. 
You ever listen to like a whole album? Well, country oh, yeah. music especially pioneered the filler concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the hit single and then like nine cuts by a studio band. <laughs> you know, a great book, Timmy Ryan, that you should read is called Rough Mix. No. Rough what? Mix by Jimmy Bowen, who uh, was uh, a huge guy at A&M Records and at Liberty Records and at Capitol Records. Um, he uh, engineered the late, uh, the mid to late 70s comeback of Hank Williams Jr., turned him in from basically being a clone of his dad into the kind of, you know, outlaw, the sort of rough-edged outlaw right. thing. All of Waylon Jennings' 70s hits, and he essentially created the Garth Brooks sound. Jimmy Bowen, uh, who is now retired, is almost single-handedly responsible for the resurgence in the late 80s or 80s or 90s of country music. He created the modern country pop song. Is it available on Power? I have it. I'll give it to you. It's really? a great book. It's a great book. And he does All this right, whole right, thing right. of talking about how he talks about how when he went to Nashville, session musicians would use the same guitar lick on ten songs in a row. They'd have ten right. sessions in a day, same guitar lick on ten different songs, on ten different albums. How, he talked about how it was all filler. You know, you'd have the single and then nothing else. I mean, that was, and he was like, that's why a good country album sold 50,000 units. Like until Garth, mm -hmm. a country home yeah. run was 50,000 albums. And he's like, I changed that. He's like, I wanted a, an album that would sell like a rock album or like a pop album. Um, and he has this great phrase when he talked about revolutionizing country music with Garth Brooks. He says his whole thing was to take the honk out of it. Because he talked about how it was all kind of tinny and twangy sounding. And for good or bad, his whole thing was to extract the... Kind of the last remnants of the yeah, folk music. to take song, Western yeah. out of country Western. You know what's a great country song? Bop mm. by Dan Seals. I detest that song with everything in I me. I want to bop with you, baby. I, I, I know way too yeah. much about I this. I want to bop the night away. What we, have, what we have in New Country now is the novelty song totally. that lasts like three weeks, and then everybody's tired of it. And I'm going to yeah. miss her. A lot of Trace Adkins' new stuff is yeah. like that now, too. Oh, Trace well, is great. The other Rome. thing, like swing. The other thing that, uh, that country music does, and mm. country, music has always, country music has always been full of novelty songs. No getting around that. Uh, it, one of the things that country music does, though, is I'm convinced of this, where they scour truck stops and convenience stores for slogans on bumper stickers, and yeah. then they go, make it into a song. That's like that, that's like, like that Brad Paisley song. The 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 where the wife, the, the, where the wife says like if you don't quit fishing I'll leave you and goes ah, and then they say the horse ride a cowboy. Totally, exactly. Yeah. Those yeah. are all or the and you pick any phrase at the end of the day, you know how about that. You know, um, Jesus. I mean, you pick any sort of phrase that, like, a guy will say to you in a bar with the finger pistols, and it becomes a country song. Um, she got the gold mine, I got the shaft. Jerry Reed. Well done. Exactly. Great Where song. in the hell is Waldrug? Oh, that's a different bumper sticker. That's on Crystal Cash's car. Who works here? But, you know, but, yeah, you take, uh, it's like slogans or sort of catchphrases that enter the culture, and they become country, instant country. And don't get me wrong. I have all the respect in the world for modern country songwriters. It's an art. It really is to write those huge, accessible, if somewhat disposable pop songs. If I could have a second career, if I could do something other than this, it would be that. That really Have you ever written a country song? I have, actually. I, I really? Truly, yeah. I truly think that um, country Recently? is the new pop music. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's some of the best songwriting in the mm -hmm. world is going on in country. No, Definitely. I've, I've I mean, I've tried my hand. I mean, I've, you know... I've, Recently? Uh, yeah. You have recordings of this? Uh, I have some... Not to be all about, you know, about the glory of me. Uh, so I did this. I put up a CD last year with the Bigger Than Jesus. Right. Uh, and I have, I did all these demos for it, you know, for myself, just to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And it, there was this short-lived idea of putting a country song on there. And then it just didn't work. It didn't work with the sound of the thing. And you whatever. should put out a country I album. wonder what it would have been called. I don't know. 
Sorry. I had to. That would be the one. So I, you know, and so I, you know, I recorded a couple, I wrote and recorded some country demos, and then I just decided that I wanted to make it more of like a power pop thing, and so I just kind of discarded them. But I yeah. like the idea of a Rick Emerson country album. Well, it's there, well, stay tuned. I've got a song ready to go. That's all I'm just going to say. Just, you just stay tuned. There may be a... <laughs> a country album? Maybe something in the works, sort of like that. So you just stay tuned in this year. You'll... More more details as they emerge. So, as long as it involves a trailer park and some pigs. Yeah, no, and you know what? And the the, the country song that I did write that I was really proud. I actually I set out. I wrote a, I wrote a classic sounding one and I wrote a contemporary one just because I wanted to see if I could do both. And so the the classic one is all like twangy and you know and all like you know it's like the murder ballad you know kind of thing. And then I wrote the contemporary one that is supposed to be like the slick like. You know, female pop song, and so I'm actually I'm pretty proud of both of them. But um, I don't know if anything's going to come up. We'll see. So it's I really admire people who can write songs like that, though. Um, you know, another great. You know, here's a song I was listening to the other day. You know, a great song is "Killing Time" by Clint Black. Yeah, that's what a, a good great song. song. And another one where you listen to it like a hundred times, and at the end you go, "Wait a minute, this is a whole song about suicide," which is great. <laughs> like you listen to it, like, and then suddenly the song has all this extra layer where you realize the song, the whole song is about a guy. Who has decided to kill himself? Yeah, oh, and then it ends on that the happy little hooks. Yeah. In, in country music, a lot of their lyrics are very, very, oh, very yeah. dark. Yeah, yeah. Well, you ever hear um, the two best country songs? You're gonna detest me. Amarillo by Morning, George Strait. Yeah. That's oh, that's what a can great you do? Song. Great song. What can you do? Good karaoke song. Not like the best song ever. But George Strait concert. Contest. I can't. You will not defame George Strait, my president. I can't get with that as the best song ever, but it's you know. Also, anything that Alabama's done. Al, I, I am a huge fan of Alabama. <laughs> well, right. uh, like Ron, 18 Wheeler, a Southern Star. Oh, well, again, on. here's Good the songs. thing. But here's the thing, and this is like our Alabama's almost its own genre. This is, yes. I was going to say this is like our they are the foreigner of the country world. This is <laughs> uh, this is like our discussion earlier about sampling, where it's just a matter of definition. Here's my thing about Alabama: they're a fine pop band, not necessarily a traditional Fantastic. country band. They they have great pop songs. I'll give you that. Great pop songs going on there. Uh, not unlike, you know what, and I will say that for this for this, I am terribly fond of Garth Brooks. I really am. Garth Brooks has no great material. No, no, no great material from that guy. Fabulous. He's, he's, he's a great entertainer, fabulous He's showman. a fantastic entertainer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the best his concerts albums, I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah same with me. His albums are always fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and you know, he's like Madonna, though. He is yeah. able to co-write or purchase or acquire great material. He knows how to spot good songs, even if he doesn't know how to write his them. His only big mistake was doing the Chris Gaines thing and calling it the Chris Gaines thing. I loved the Chris Gaines I like thing. it. He should have just said, hey, I I'm going to try a rock album. He shouldn't have tried the experiment and creating a new character. I liked the Chris thing because it was you I know like what it was? the song just not it was ambitious it didn't succeed but it was a cool experiment because well, that song he's trying something new he tried something yeah, new totally. he, again Sometimes he tried gonna... something different didn't work but he tried something different Garth yeah. Brooks actually has one of my he sang one of my favorite country songs mm -hmm. of all time which is the dance yeah it's uh, you know what oh and God. like kills me and you know much <laughs> too young to feel this damn old that's a great yeah. song even the ones that I'm sick of like the Thunder Rolls yeah. all right I'm Thunder Rolls is all that summer that summer is a great song yeah Thunder Rolls is great if you get the fourth the fourth lines oh that the live version you can kiss my no no oh no that's friends in low places no that's a good song the concert version of Thunder Rolls she kills him yeah he comes home in the video yeah yeah he comes home and hits her one more time and she just the great thing in the video is he plays the philanderer who gets shot yep. That's what's so great about it. No, that la Friends in Low Places where he sings. Th Do you guys? Yeah, yeah. We played it. Are there a couple of stations that play the Kiss My Ass version of Friends in Low Places? Yes, we have played. Have we um, played I mean, that? It became very popular. That's once so it was great. I remember the first time I heard that live version, and he does that. During a regular weekend, we have played it. Over and there, yeah. he's so You know what? Here's the th I will say this. What Garth Brooks is just like you two in this respect. 
what makes him great is what makes him so corny and full mm-hmm. of s. In that, like, Bono, like, has those things that are supposed to sound humble, but at the same time, they're so corny and self-serving. Like, like when they play the Helter Skelter, Charles Manson stole this song from the Beatles, and we're stealing it back. And you're just like, oh, God, it hurts, you know? It's like when Garth is doing that live version of Friends in Low Places, and he does that whole, so I was driving around home, and I said to myself, Garth, pause. That's, That's what they call me home. Garth, call me at home is Garth. And everybody roars. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> That's what they call me at home, Garth. I don't even know what that means. Because but the I'm crowd sure. Roars. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I think that uh, is it because he's just like one of us. No, he's a common he, man. He's from uh, I think he's from Oklahoma, and I'm pretty sure that was recorded yeah, in Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, that was probably. Oh, was I recorded. see. Okay. So he's at yeah. home there. Right. Can I come down on Garth Brooks? Yeah. No, but, but let me just finish. Okay. Though. I, I remember hearing that version of Friends in Low Places. At by which point, by the way, I had worked in country for you know, and I was so burned out on that song. I just great song. Never needed to hear it again. Yeah. And. He did that, so I went back and I wrote another verse, or however, you know, and he, goes, and he does that line, and, he, and the he audience, like, y'all want to hear it? And it's the best thing, it's the best kind of payoff, where the, it's like the best jokes, where the audience gets it half a second before it happens. And he does that, you know, then finish this glass, da 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 da, da and it, you can tell that they then spot it, they he, know what's coming. He takes a deep breath, he yeah. raises his guitar in the air. And he just bellows it, yeah. you can kiss my ass. And the crowd yeah. just like, and I remember listening to him going, yeah, like it was such <laughs> a great showman like moment. It's songs like that though that make country and punk rock very similar yeah, in no, their sentiments. No, I, I very, very much so. So it was, yeah. Anyway, what well, was, your, was your 40 minutes on bitch Garth about Garth Brooks? <laughs> it's New well, Year's Day. No, I, have, I have numerous <laughs> bitches about Garth Brooks, yeah. but I'll tell you this. Uh, he released a song, his new song is called More Than a Memory. I like that song. Okay, I'm going to tell you why I don't like that song. Because right. it has no intro and it has no outro. And I, I, I'm thinking, I'm going, man, there's a lot of new people um, who listen to country music who may or may not know who Garth Brooks is. Right. And so, I mean, the, the way the country radio is right now is that, you know, you talk over the intros, you don't really right. talk over the outros, that kind of thing. Well, how, and there's not really any dead air. There's no right. dead space. The music kind of keeps on going. Well, there's nothing. And the chorus is sort of weird, too, because I think the hook actually only happens twice or something, and it's a long, sort of convoluted hook. Right. It's not a single. You know what it is? It's a great song. It's not a single, in yeah. my opinion. It's a good song. It's an album cut. It's but an like, album there's, cut. There's no, there's no intro for it, for, you know, if you're on the air, to talk up the song, say, hey, this is off the new, this is Garth Brooks, I think and this is uh, off his new greatest hit CD. There's no time to talk it up. You have yeah. to actually stop the music, and it sounds foreign. You know, but that's I another one of those things. Single, for his first single back, it's really not. No. That but that's one of those things where he's song. Garth, and nobody's yeah. going to tell him what to oh, do yeah. at this point. But I mean, yeah. yeah it's a good song. I will. Not a good single. I'll tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Jesus. He does put on an amazing live show, though. All right. I thought we were only going to do, like, you know, an hour and then do yeah. best of for the rest. Right? I'm a loser. We're Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson now, Show. Man. Hello. <laughs> this is the best of you have, baby. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson I'm Show. I'm in the studio. Hello. Yeah, this is Pinky. I'm the uh, man-at-arms of the Timmy Ryan fan club. Really? I have a fan. Okay. I'm a fan. You're, you're not the secretary of the Timmy Ryan fan club? No, that, that right. person uh, only comes out for the meetings, which we're having one today. Mrs. Uh, Holloway. Behind the dumpster at uh, uh, the Walgreens at 122nd and Powell. Okay. You're all invited. Thank I you. I go there. Uh, the meeting's at 420, and we're all going to be informed. Okay. Thanks. Bye now. Um, all right. That yeah. sucked. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You can't diss your own family. Hey, I, I want to apologize. I'm the guy who uh, called earlier and said Hitler, and then I put on that thing you do. It was a completely ill-fated attempt at le- <laughs> le- le- levity, and I want to apologize. So you thought it'd be like, 
like a Holocaust reference right into the wonders. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know. You, know you, you, you swing for the fences and, and no, no, no. It's true. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like that. I always reference this. Donna Mike did the funniest thing I'd ever heard. And if you had been stoned, I think it would have been even funnier. But I mean, even stone cold sober, it was hilarious. They had this bit where they were playing horrific movie scenes right into pop songs. <laughs> and they had the scene in Misery where she smashes his ankle with a sledgehammer right into the Candyman. And, I mean, it was, I like, unbelievably one. funny. So I'm with you on the good attempt, sir. Well, I appreciate that. And also, I, I, I don't think any uh, conversation about country music, you've you got to mention Lyle Lovett. I mean, he's the best and thing out there right band. now. He's a large band. Yes. Yeah, no, he's pretty good. No, he's um, huge. I mean. I dig that guy. Yeah, he, he's like, he's a, 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 he's a Leonard Cohen or a Paul Simon trapped in a country songwriter's body. You I know? can see that. All right. All right. Have a good Happy day. New Year. Well, it's like um, Garth even admitted that he was a rock guy trapped in the world. His of biggest influences are Queen, Kiss, and Billy Joel. Yep. Uh, and I, all his encores are rock songs. Oh boy, you know what would you know what would uh, suck here on KCMD Portland? Uh, you know, you know what would suck is to be Mark Chestnut, who's the guy that recorded Friends in Low Places a month before Garth Brooks did. You get really? Mark. You get there's a Mark Chestnut album that came out a month before Garth, and Mark Chestnut singing this great song called Friends in Low Places. No one noticed. No one cared. And then that was like the song that broke. Uh, and Mark Chestnut was actually already a star at that point. What was one that Shania did too? That I think Trisha Yearwood really. Well, that's the thing with another thing with country is like they just spread those hits around, yeah. have as many people do it as possible, because they See figure somebody one, will get a hit with See it. See which one sticks. Yeah, totally. So, well, that, um, that, that terrible "Don't Want to Close My Eyes" because didn't wasn't it country and Aerosmith from Armageddon? Oh yeah, who did yeah. that? Uh, "Don't Want to Miss a Thing." Who yeah. did the country version? Okay, of that? there's. Oh, uh, they stole so many R&B singles during the '90s anyway, and recovered them. Well, like Black no, no, they recorded at the same audience. time. Probably really? it was released yeah. probably at the same time. Same time, time. and it's like, like how Shania put out four different out versions of that album, or whatever. So stupid country version, pop version, world music version, yep. and then I think a fourth one. So boy, I hate her. <laughs> I, you're not the only one. I remember working in not Is it because she's Canadian, Rick. Yes. I remember working down the hall from a country station in, like, 95 when it was the height of, like, the remix country era. Everybody's doing, like, the boot scootin' club mix. Oh, God. God. And hearing, like, these mega mixes where it was, like, kind of cool, I guess, in a way. But it was, like, pour some sugar on me blended with any man of mine, blended with with, with We Will Rock You for, like, 14 minutes, you know, on a Friday night. I know, and I remember just sitting there just... Uh, it was just such a weird time in country music where you would hear like these turntable scratches like in a Brooks and Dunn song. Or it was so weird. Worst country song ever? Oh, uh, well, that's that's either that's either Elvira what? or Swingin' by <laughs> what? John Anderson. No, no I can no. tolerate both. The worst one ever, the Don't Take the Girl. Uh, see, that that's Tim just... McGraw single? I think that was one of his first ones, wasn't it? That I only hate so that much. he rhymes... Bobby Bonson with Tommy Thompson or whatever it's weird it was. that I hate that song, but I love the Coward of the County. That's a great song. It's a story song. I like that. <laughs> it's a messed up song. Yeah, Coward of the County, because it's all about a gang rape. Yeah. People don't realize that. That's really? another song. And if you Coward can't of the County? Out. Coward of the County is about a gang rape. Well, it's of like a Harper Valley PTA. How many horrible things does it reference totally. in that one? Totally. It's all about infidelity yeah, and whatever. How, the Coward, Coward of the, the County. Do we have, can wife? you see the couple librarian here? Um, Coward of the County is all about. Uh, uh, Let uh, me see if I can find it on YouTube. The Harper hardest Valley thing to find. PTA was written by who? Uh, Tom Je- T. Hall. And it was yes. performed by Jeannie Anderson? No. Jeannie C. Riley. Who am I thinking? Oh, I'm blending her with, uh, what's his name? John Anderson. And the best thing, if you can ever find it, if you can find an original pressing of the Urban Chipmunk album that has that song, they didn't edit the lyrics. Is it Chipmunk singing and about when gang rape? Yeah, when it got re-released, they altered the, they <laughs> altered the lyrics. All right, let's see here. Let me, get, let me let this cue yeah, up. Yeah, my music tab's totally blank. All right. Uh, let me let this uh, cue really, up couple here. doesn't have this. This is a great song. Well, we I don't think we, when they restructured the AV the audio vault, I don't think we have access to the other. I like old Rogers. We're supposed to over here, but 
I like old school Kenny Rogers. All right, let's see here. So yeah, so this is. I always wondered if when they called these, if the bad guys in Coward of the County were the Gatlin boys. I always wondered if that was a Gatlin brothers reference, like if that was a dig at the Gatlin brothers. All right, oh, so I never thought of that. Gatlin. Yeah, I always yeah. wondered that if like Kenny Rogers had had beef with the Gatlin boys or whatever. All right, so yeah, this is a messed up. Song, I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip the beginning of this. So for those who came in late and don't, if you're like the one person who doesn't know Coward of the County. It's that uh, what's-his-name was only 10 when his father died in promise prison. Promise me, son, you won't do the thing yeah. I've done. So the dad dies in prison, makes the kid promise that he will never fight. Yeah. Um, and then we will uh, you pick... You don't have to fight to be a man. We'll pick it up with the there's someone for everyone, and Tommy's love was Becky. I hope you're old enough. I hope you're old enough to understand. You don't have to fight to be a man. There's someone. Yeah, we for played this on the oldie show. Yeah. And yeah. Tommy's love was Becky. This is a cool song. In her arms, he didn't have to prove he was a man. One day while Thank he you for closing the video. Wait. The Gatlin boys came calling. Worst line ever. <laughs> they took turns at Becky. There was three of them. So his girlfriend is gang raped. Yep. Tommy opened up the door, saw his Becky crying. The torn dress, the shattered look, was more than he could stand. He reached above the fireplace and took down his daddy's picture. As his tears fell on his daddy's face, he heard these words again. Anyway, and then he goes to the bar. And That's the line right there. The Gatlin boys as to his death, tears fell on daddy's yeah. face. Yeah, totally. I think he no, he kills him. him. Does he kill him? He flat out kills him. Excellent. Good for him. So, but I mean, that's a pop hit. You The production, everything. That is a slick sounding pop gold song. In the 70s, that was and it's about a, uh, That's <laughs> unpleasant. Well, that's an ever, unpleasant thing to say. I was joking. I was being Did you ever hear, um, what's his name, the guy who, um, Clinton's political advisor. Otherwise, that's going to be excerpted out of, dear advertiser, right? <laughs> what was his name? Clinton's advisor during the campaign. Clap, what's his name? Dick Morris. Dick Morris. The, the, the bald James guy. Carville. James Carville. James Carville, yeah. Carville actually told, there's a quote, I'm, I'm probably going to get a little bit wrong, but he told Clinton that, um, something that he must do is listen to rap and old country if he wants to get in touch with the people. Because rap was America's angry soul, and country was its broken heart. And if you didn't pay attention to the lyrics, you were never going to connect with the people. The more you know. There you go. All right. And knowing is half the battle. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I don't know if you've got uh, TV in the studio there, but on NBC, it's the music of Seal on Ice. <laughs> wow. I don't know how to feel about this. I'm just going to see how long we can take it. <laughs> Eject. <laughs> well done. All right. <laughs> Boy, I hate Seal. You know, I, I heard Seal. I watched him do uh, a version of Johnny B. Good one time. Really? And he actually played guitar. And I, I was actually ashamed of myself for liking him singing Johnny B. Good you know on guitar. You know what? That's like when I saw Sting's, uh, play, Sting play Purple Haze. Really? And, you know, Sting, who, talented songwriter, craftsman, whatever, not really a rockin' guy, but then he pulled out uh, he pulled out a guitar, and he played Purple Haze, and it was unbelievable. It was, like, incendiary. 
And then he like went back to singing crap. But I mean, it was like this one moment in the concert where he put on a guitar and played Purple Haze, and it was unreal. Could he play it pretty well? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it turns out that he's a massive Hendrix fan. Of course he is. Just write stuff that's totally yeah. different. But he did this Purple Haze cover that was just mind-blowing. So, If you ever want to know something to make Jason Crump's head explode... I do. Wait, okay, hold on. And Val Kilmer's the best Batman. No, that's me. You oh, can sorry. suck it and die in a fire. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Whoa, sorry. Um, and, and this is something I actually agree with. This is what infuriates him so much. I actually prefer Sting away from the police. Me too. No, I prefer Sting to the police yep. any day. Oh, right now. Because the police are really wanky. The police are wanky, and Sting wrote really good pop songs. He's There's gonna no call getting around that. Fifty seconds. Stuart Copeland's a great drummer, though. I mean, you know, they're, Stuart you know, Copeland is a great drummer. They're talented players. They don't write music. Uh, I care to listen. Okay, to. Stuart Copeland's one of the best drummers I've ever seen. Doesn't matter. Okay. Don't well, care. Um, well, I'm saying aptitude enough. Aptitude alone is not enough to get me to like a group. Andy Summers, great guitar player. The list of great guitar players I don't care to listen to is oh. endless. Really? <laughs> Seriously, no. The, the ability for some guy to play a number of notes in a measure or with a certain whatever, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Okay. That's why that's why progressive rock is always bad. You know, Jimi Hendrix started his solo career in Portland, right? I at the Crystal Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Didn't know he that. Got fired on stage by really? Little Richard. Really? Excellent. For showing him up. Yep. With and, the guitar uh, solo. and then Little Richard got angry at him backstage and told him, Punk, you will never be famous. You will never play again. And, and that's when he moved to London. Excellent. Yep. I shouldn't say progressive rock is always bad, but I'll say that, like, art rock is typically bad because, again, it's like ability to play is not enough. Like, you got to have, it sounds dumb, but you got to have, like, the attitude and the vibe and the whatever. That's why Louie Louie is better than anything Yes has ever recorded. It's the whole package. Uh, you know what? You can't role-play Louie Louie, though, so they can go pound it. <laughs> <laughs> Another band who recorded Louie Louie was... Paul Revere and the Raiders. Thank you. Uh, they actually recorded it the same weekend, I, I think. I know the history. Yeah. Did you Sorry. Have, did you have beer? Sorry, Sorry playa. Wasn't it kind of raced to the record presses? Well, because, they, because if I recall correctly, and I may have this wrong, but... It was either that the Kingsmen saw Paul Revere and the Raiders or vice versa, but they saw them playing it at a high school dance, and the kids wouldn't let them stop playing it. They had to play it literally for like 90 minutes. And every time they'd stop, the kids were like, more than Louie Louie! And so they just played you know, actually, it all uh, night. Mark, the Lindsay, Mark Mark actually borrowed uh, the record from uh, the uh, the singer from uh, the King. The record of, like, the Richard Berry record? I'm not exactly sure, but I know, like, okay. This There's is, that whole book by Dave song, Marsh. Story Mark told me. I'm just, I'm putting, the, I'm putting back yeah. the pieces that yeah, Mark told me. Mark said that he got the actual record and learned the lyrics uh, from a record that, you know, the, the singer of the Kingsman had. Right. So, I mean, I, I think. That would be the Richard Berry copy, probably. Prob right, exactly. There's a book by Dave Marsh simply called Louie Louie. It's like a 300-page book solely about that song, how it evolved, and then its impact on America. And the story I always heard. See, and now, see, I don't even know anymore. The story I always heard is that it was originally a Jamaican song. Richard Berry was working in a kitchen, heard a band playing it in the next room, and scribbled down some notes to himself about, hey, there's this great song that i got to lift. But he heard it through a wall, and that's why the lyrics are weird, and that's why the music is not like the original, because hearing it through a wall, he was losing part of the chord progression. Yeah, he played the blues Festival not really? Long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe several years. Louis Louis is simultaneously the best and worst song ever recorded because it's just so unbelievably lo-fi. The drummer drops a stick halfway through the song. You can hear it. It's the first punk rock song. It is. It, I would it's agree the first with that. Punk rock song. I would agree. Under investigation by the FBI. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah. No, they, they, that's yeah. The FBI, which is insane. The FBI invested Louis Louis investigated Louis Louis for having profane lyrics. You know, which is crazy because as a nine-year-old, I, I could understand the lyrics. Mm -hmm. The first time I heard that song, I could understand what most of the lyrics were accurately. 
I accurately heard them. So I don't understand how, like, legions of Americans who were adults couldn't understand the lyrics. It doesn't make any sense. That song you were talking about is called El Loco Cha-Cha is the one that yeah. it was inspired by. And it's funny because if you hear the progression of the song, as it was recorded through the years, it gradually lost a whole chord. Uh, because, and it was a because it was, you know, the version we all know is that dun, 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 dun. That is not how it originally went. It originally went dun, 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 dun. And like it just got shortened and simplified. Like a Gloria Stepan song. And that becomes, and that becomes a song that every single high school marching band learns first. Totally. Every high school, I can say it right, I can, I, I would dare anyone to, if they went to a high school that had a marching band, that was the first I gotta song tell they learned. You, but I got to tell you, man, that Louie Louie that recorded with like one ceiling mic, and the guy had a mouthful of braces when he sang it too, which is why his diction is so One ceiling mic. Oh, it sounds so cool. Couldn't, I mean, and yeah, and it lent right after, you listen to Louie Louie, immediately following the guitar solo, you will hear a clatter, and it's the drummer dropping a stick. And you know what? And then he's off kilter for the rest of the song. The rhythm is like all over the place. But you know what? It's glorious. It just de- you that, don't get stuff like that anymore. It is the definition of more than the sum of its parts. Nowadays, everything would be played to a click track and, and overdubbed, overdubbed, and overdubbed. And Timmy Ryan. Yeah. You and I agree on many things, Timmy Ryan. You and I are. You know what? We are slightly overlapping circles. Not totally overlapping. Largely overlapping. There's a great article in Rolling Stone this month, and really, how many times can you say that? <laughs> it's not many about in the last ten years. Never. And it's called yeah. Why Records Sound So Bad. And it's not about songwriting. It is about the production style and how there used to be dynamics where things were quiet, soft, loud. You could hear the open space in a room, and now everything is in the red, and it is one constant wall of noise. And it's to grab people's attention exactly. because they're so distracted by everything else while exactly. they're listening. Especially drummers. You ever listen to a drum track? You ever listen to like yeah. a, especially like a modern rock? It's just it's just it sounds like a monkey banging on yeah. something. <laughs> Seriously too like a click track. He's just keeping rhythm to the And there's click just track. a tone right. bank where yeah. everything is a solid there's no quiet space in records in anymore. Article, it's like Meg White doing drums for everybody. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. didn't they yeah. take like a Nirvana song and showed the dynamics in like mm-hmm. cool edit or something right. and then, I think it's my chemical romance, I think, yeah. might have been the example. Where it's just pretty much level. There's yeah. no variation. And, and as much as I admire the Black Parade as, as an album and as a composition, sonically, it's like, it's not even the Wallace found like Phil Spector did. it. It's just this digital red bar that just never lets up. And after a while, you do get like ear fatigue, mm-hmm. where you're like, I want to hear something quiet. You I know can, what only, I can only listen to that album about once every six yeah, months. Yeah, there's no point. range yeah. to it. Here's what a lot of that stuff reminds me of. Like you're standing out like, you know, 100 yards away from a rock club, uh-huh. and it's just you can't really... You, you can't really decipher what really is playing. You just hear a bunch of loud It's a drums. wash of noise. It's a, wa- yeah. it's a complete wash of noise, and occasionally you hear a guitar solo, and it's just all dr- it's like yep. it's all like crash cymbal, snare. You hear some bass. You hear you know maybe somebody. Music's really become the definition of din. And it's much. really and it's like they learned the lessons of like Phil Spector and Rick Rubin and those guys, but they learned all the wrong lessons. They, they took it the out. wrong way. Yeah, yeah, they learned all the wrong lessons from those guys. And there, there is no more music for, like, there's no more room for songs to breathe. Like, there's, the song is smothered under its own weight. If you can try to find one that really shows all the different dynamic ranges. I forgot the group, but try to, and it came out in the mid-70s, is try to find the original vinyl of that, uh, the, the War of the Worlds rock opera thing. Mm-hmm. And, man, it just, the speakers go insane, and, it, and it's a genuinely spooky-sounding album, and just the range they were creating... With very little technology compared to today, it's just stunning. Well, I mean, you take, like, uh, you know, the Beach Boys are a great example of this, where, like, the um, the Beach Boys version of Do You Want to Dance, which, for my money, is actually an even better Phil Spector wall of sound than Phil Spector. But you know what? Those songs still had, there were spaces. It's like you could see the, pl- you could see the space between the bricks. 
and now it's like one solid wall. There is just, yeah, there's just no range at all. And it is to grab your attention. Mm-hmm. But after a while, you're just like, you're like, this is, I'm worn out from listening yeah, to this. Yeah, but what about the people who have never really known anything different than that? I really do feel for them. And I know mm-hmm. we danger, we ventured dangerously close into like, when I was a kid. But I mean, it's just a fact. Scientific science changes and production changes. And it's just not this. Everything does sound like a digital Pro Tools wash these days. It, it really is unfortunate. Damn well, that you Pro can't Tools. escape the fact that the record industry is hurting. I mean, you just yeah. can't, and there's a reason for that. And Yeah, and I don't buy the argument that, like, music today is, is worse than it was, but I would say that a lot of it sounds worse, and it all sounds the same production-wise. Yeah. It, a lot of it sounds the same. Uh, we should break. Yeah. And then maybe take some calls. <laughs> Let's break. If you're on hold, you egg chat. We're going to come back to your calls after this. Yeah, it's a Rick Emerson show. Uh, it's New Year's. Hey, listen yeah. to that. Speaking of Phil Spector. Good job. Wow. Listen to that clap in the background. Uh. Excellent. Uh, if you're on hold, stay tight. Back after this. It's New Year's Day. We'll return to Rick Emerson show. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970, Solid State Radio. I am not Rick Emerson. I'm Timmy Ryan because... Uh, no, Rick's, you're not Rick Emerson, Rick's really? getting evicted right now. We just found out. Oh, his landlord's on the phone and he's getting from evicted. From his duplex. <laughs> he's getting evicted and he is actually going to be homeless here. So, um, since Rick's not Too here... Too bad he got rid of that couch. And his boy, we are going to read from the Holy Book of Suzanne Summers. Yeah, as we do read from the Book of Summers, a passage... Signals. Do we want some porn music? Yeah, put on some, some, some porno music. There's something good. Okay. Or some good porn in me. We lay there giving signals gently and fearfully and ended up making love when only we wanted. A time for tenderness and touching. I was trying to please you and you were trying to please me. I used to sleep with this guy who always <laughs> sweetly asked me when lovemaking had cooled to conversation. Did I please What's going you? on here? Clinically, he asked, like putting wallpaper on the west wall or adjusting the books on the shelf. You're not so clinical, but you ask. God, you ask. Some night, I wish you would What's going me. on? Lost in me. Torn Hello? by me. Can anyone hear me? Soothed by me. Oh, it's Merged with me. Why are Then, we... indeed, you would please this is like you doing Shatner reading Suzanne Summer's poetry. <laughs> That's sexy. Shatner. Stop. Uh, How dare you? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. It's a creepy day. What's up? Happy New Year. Hey. I have, Thank you. I, I'm driving around just listening to the show Wasting Gas because um, <laughs> Thank you. I, have a, I have a crippling, crippling hangover. Oh, and, wait. Suzanne Summer's wrote a poem about hangovers. Yeah, you guys read that, or uh, I think uh, Sarah read that uh, on Friday. Do you oh. want to? All right. Well, it's covered. It's conquered ground then. Yeah. But, um. Uh, so you're I just calling to share with us that we are your preferred uh, soundtrack for your hangover day. Yes, and I'm just driving around listening to you people, and you're you're making my day good, and I'm not looking forward to 3 o'clock rolling around. Who is that directed at? Uh, yeah, what, what, who is you people, sir? You, you radio people, radio oh, folks, radio folks. The lowest common denominator of human All right. society. Fair enough. So, making sure. One, one quick note. <laughs> making sure, uh, Whitey. Jimmy Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Andy Summers blows. Oh! oh! Out. 
I'd like to point out that I have a satellite fixation on his vehicle and I'm going to hunt him down like Chuck Norris. And that you were with a girl named Kelly last night. Who and Colleen like Smith. Who kissed you at midnight. She did. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, Colleen, if you're listening, well, yeah, you, should, you should call me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clearly you have a close relationship. Where you no, at, baby? No. I'll be on a corner of Foster and Power waiting with you with a Coors in hand. Okay. Oh, wow. No, she was drinking IPA. All right, then. That means she's a slut. Colleen of Tacoma. <sighs> okay. The feisty Irish girl. IPA puts hair on your chest. Well, she is from Tacoma. Yeah, very Helps true. Helps her blend. <laughs> you know, during this last break, I was so busy with that, I didn't use the Did bathroom. you get evicted? And we don't have another break, do we? Oh, we have No, it's not what I thought it was. Do we have another oh. break? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break here. We'll come back, and then we will... Uh, well, you did the Suzanne Summers poetry. No. What else do you want? we got to catch up. So we'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back, and we will wrap things up after this. Like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7, and so forth. Uh, stay there. We return. It is uh, New Year's Day live. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. What's going on? I just walked in and I heard. I don't know what Bridget the Midget even is. She's a porn star. Who is like I'm just supposed midget. to know that. Come but with tentacles? Like I'm. No. <laughs> there should be okay. So Uh-oh. a porn star should get t- tentacles surgically attached. Think of how huge she would be. Yeah. Um, here's a picture of images of Bridget the Midget. Here really? she is. Yeah, oh yeah, she's hot. Attention, Laura Klein. See the full size image. See. I, uh, would you do her, yes or no? No, I don't think so. I would. She's a hot midget. Yeah, I wow. would. I'll yeah. yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, is she probably. a midget or a dwarf? Uh, definitely a midget. She's probably about she, two and a half feet tall. She, is she correctly Maybe proportioned? Three. She's normally proportioned. That's the thing. That's what makes you a midget, not a dwarf. If you are correctly proportioned... I thought it was the beard. <laughs> the tossing. You know, you know, no, I can't say what I... I just, I just totally self-censored my... Censored. Yeah, whatever. I, I'm shutting myself up. Okay. Debbie does so you, don't, you, don't have, you don't even Stop. have to... Uh, no, you brought it up. The tentacles. I said that there ought to be a porn star who gets her... T- wow, what was that? <laughs> yeah. That's something only... That's the sound of her tentacles? <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear it again? Oh no. Less than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Stop. Stop that now, for the love of Christ. Well, my I... mouth is even dry. If I moist Stop it, it, it'd be better. Did you Stop. Oh. The word moist. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. 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 How are you doing? I'm dandy. Is it a good New Year's? Sure, why not? All right, I got a great story for you. Uh huh. A buddy of mine uh, went to court for a DUI. Right. I, I like where I like so we're much. starting. Attention advertisers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, righteous. Uh, the person in front of him uh, was a, uh, a Mexican who stood up for a DUI. Also, Aaron, would you like to weigh in on this? No, I'm going to wait and see how the story ends. All right, Whitey, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> This is clearly wrong because Mexicans can't afford cars. We all know that. No, this this will go in there. That's Aaron Duran who said that. Aaron Duran of Latin descent who made that observation. (laughs) Oh, of course. Yeah, obviously. So what happened? No, uh, the the said Latin person stood up and uh, was convicted of a DUI, and he said, What? I don't even have my green card. He was deported. <laughs> okay, that is kind That's of funny. That's pretty great. All right, that is pretty funny. Uh, True story. Right. Excellent. Thank you. Have a good New Year. Yeah. This is why I love my Something people. smells in here now. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Howdy. Uh, Hi. Uh, 
few quick things. Oh, it's because I left the fridge open. Yeah, it smells like when you open a casket or something after 20 years. How would you know? Are you still there? Yes, yeah, go right ahead. Hi. Oh, yeah. Great. Didn't want to interrupt your conversation. Um, in any case, uh, two quick things. First of all, the reason that you need to mark this as the best show ever uh-huh. is because it is. It's like uh, just like me sitting around a bar with my buddies uh, just talking, except you guys are amusing. So we sound drunk. No, just... Um, Legally, I still am. Okay. <laughs> Aaron is simulating midget or tentacle porn. I'm not sure which one. This Next is midget to me porn. as we speak. What's tentacle porn? And the second thing? <laughs> oh, no. Yes, second thing? Yeah, the second thing is that you were talking about uh, earlier depressing um, uh, country songs. Yeah. Red Dresses by uh, Dwight Yoakam. It just makes you want to drink Jack Daniels out of the bottle and clean a revolver. All right, then. Excellent. Good to know. I'm, I'm going to go home and do it. that right like now. the name of the song. Oh, listen to it right now. Yeah. Like the name of the song. Drinking right. Dan, Jack Daniels, <laughs> cleaning, cleaning the revolver. Revolver. Right. The time of purification is at hand. All right. Just Have we run out of things to do with 20 minutes left? Time to run best ups. Uh, they're in there, you know. <laughs> we should do that. Perversely enough, we could totally do that. Boy, it's tempting. You talking about tentacles some more? <sighs> no, I, I think we're done. Yep. I have nothing left to say, Aaron. Uh, Well, I bounce off you with your show. Jimmy? Yeah, I'm pissed off. <laughs> you've, no. been, you've been dumped three We're times today. We're not calling it that. Yes. Fine. Jimmy Ryan is now tied Unless with Big Pussy my... from The Sopranos is driving well, the van. It, That's it, not what we're calling it. <laughs> well, wait a minute. What if it's... It's one of those vans that instead of a cop sitting there, you know, who can make, you know, an, an assertion of why you are, in fact, over You the can't use the word insertion and want, want vans in the same line. Fine. It's a van that has one of those cameras that takes a picture of you speeding. I was going a paltry eight miles over the limit, and it gave me a $145 ticket in the mail. Ninety-nine problems, but the bitch ain't one. I got uh, <laughs> I got hit with a red light camera the other day. Did you uh, was that? Yeah, I was uh, I was on which is the one that goes, I think it was Grand that goes toward Lloyd Center. Yeah, uh, yeah. Driving. Oh down yeah, that one gets people Grand all the time. and like not quite burns up at Grand and Cooch or one of those streets. Driving along through the intersection, bam, flash. You're like, oh. Oh, Do they? See, with the speed vans, those things piss me off because mainly you can never tell if they're taking a picture of you right. or the car in front of you or the car behind you. So I'm or whose speed they're checking. Exactly. Like, who is this? Exactly. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm going to... Um, I hate those things. Though. Your current speed, 32, 35, 31. And you're like... And you're like I mess with them on me purpose. or don't. Don't yeah. just tell me. Or it's like don't counting at you. Seriously, either give me a ticket or leave me alone. Sit there and wave you know my speed. I'm always convinced that there's a little camera built in those things. Yeah. Taking a picture. Instead of showing the speed, they should show the uh, the ramifications of you hitting somebody depending on the speed you're going. <laughs> so like, like a little graphic of your so brain going like two out. miles an hour, the person just kind of bumps. But if you're hauling it, they're falling like wildly. Like on a jumbo vision, like CGI. That would yeah. be awesome. All right. Awesome. Right across from uh, little Ricky. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, I just got <laughs> by the Beaverton Police. You what, huh? I just got my picture taken by the Beaverton Police going up Canyon Road. Well, that's what you get for messing around in Tim Riley's neighborhood. So. Seriously. Yeah. Trying to, put on yeah, a front license. Trying to sign, bring your crime to the suburbs. The sign said camera testing, so I'm not sure whether I got drilled or not. No, you are the test, my yeah. friend. Yeah. Look, it yeah, worked. Oh, we I have a ticket. That. After this is going to be courtroom testing and then revenue collection testing. Oh, I've already been through that. Testing. Yeah. And Chris, hey, I, wanna, 
I wanted to thank you for my kissology. I watched that instead of watching Dick Clark go through convulsions or whatever you guys did. <laughs> oh, oh. oh. Hey, I don't think he's on that. I think only minute. half of him can even convulse. Why point, don't they so. get Gene Simmons to host Dick Clark's Rock and Eve? That would be oh. cool. Oh, he probably not wants too much money. money. Too much <laughs> money. He wants too much money, and Dick Clark won't. He's not going to give up but that he, much he, of the pie. Would have to be on the kiss network. This is Gene Simmons. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no. You have to sponsor every second. Well, he ought to just do an alternate one. He ought to just create his own. The entire yeah. show would just be yeah. him. This is sponsored yeah. by right, this is Gene, Gene Simmons, yeah. tongue and e. Totally. Right, this is Gene Simmons, and you're kissing away the year. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. he would do Merry Christmas <laughs> immediately, and yeah. you kiss in the kissing new year. Away. Kiss in the year goodbye. Kiss in the new year hello. Hey, hey, let me tell you this about what the guy was trying to say, why this should be the best of. Uh-huh. It shows why Rick Emerson can take a room and make it good, no matter oh. what. Well, I kind truly of believe sense. that. Uh, if we can't do best ups for the last 15 minutes now, <laughs> the screwed. rest of the cast is awesome. But it's nice to have folks drop by. They're funny as hell in their own way, anyway. And for the same reason we watched Dick Clark is why I really. <laughs> do you understand why we were watching Dick Clark last night before you make this statement? Hang on, Rick. I enjoy it when spittle comes out of the left side of your mouth and no, no one is there to daub that's it away. That's why we'll listen to you when you're 80 years old. The same reason I'll go watch Jack Nicholson and Arnold Palmer shoot 150. All right. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Fair enough. It's, it's because of what they've done in the past. and. So I'm resting on my laurels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Happy New Year, sir. Yeah, hey, i got one more question. Yeah. I need help here. Yes. Has anybody seen the landmark Ford commercials? Yes. Yes. And the woman? Who is she? I don't know, but I don't no, like her. Wait, hold on. Now I need to know. What she's is... the one that she's out of dub also, right? No, no, no dubbing's always wrong. Goes. What, no, I don't, I don't know what are we is. talking about? I have a TV. Okay, there is a uh, there is a commercial for Landmark. Local Ford. or national? Um, it's local, and local. I, I've been saying this for a while. She's like, expect more, pay less. It's just off I five at the Haines Street. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now hold on. Let's client, alert. client alert. Client alert. Let's yeah, make sure. Yeah, client yeah. alert. Real client oh, alert. I love Landmark Ford. I just right. like the woman in the commercial. All right, yeah, I do. I'm. I've got a thing. I've got a bad thing. I want to know. Be sure to tell her that. Hey, honey, I got a bad I do, thing. I do. think that the chick in the mattress world commercial. Oh, I was about she to say is that. Hot. She's, she's hot. So no, hot. she's a mom. She's got a wedding ring uh, on. You could see no. where. You could see where she's had kids. You know that baby no, is no, like. No. That's good. No, no, not the baby. No, 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 the brunette. The mattress world. Yeah, the brunette. You're thinking the baby's hot. No, 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 not that commercial. That's the, the blonde. Hot. Maybe if she was testing not the mattress. No, 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 no. That's the that's the blonde mom with the big cans. I'm talking about the brunette. No, the yeah, ball from the big cans is completely hair. hot. No, 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 the brunette from the other company. She's uh, the hottest balls. All right. Yeah. Well, no, neither of them are Deborah Knapp, so it doesn't matter. Well, I want to know who she is. Deborah Knapp? you're the king. Oh, the no, landmark no, no, Ford. No, 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 okay, no. well, Timmy, you should look into the landmark Ford girl. Try to find her. Yeah, yeah, I'll get right Daria. on that. I'll get Deborah Knapp is the hottest too. I saw her at a golf tournament. Wow. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, Happy New Year to you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Did he say he saw Daria at a golf tournament? Doing a what? We were laughing over the end of the... We were laughing at something, and all I heard was... Daria, da 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 the golf tournament. She was being the I ball washer. I think I washer. heard the same thing. Did you just say ball washer? <laughs> I'm glad he said it, and I didn't. <laughs> she was being the, the golf balls. balls. Yes, the yes. golf balls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hello. Working the dog oh. leg. <laughs> Stop it now. That's a golf term. The... Yes, this is you. Thank God. Okay, yeah. I got nailed with two of them uh, photo van... Speeding things. I share your pain, sir. The vagine vans. And uh, <laughs> I learned because I always used to drive safely and leave plenty of distance between me and the front car. Mm -hmm. Now I know you just want to tailgate, 
Real oh, yeah, no, tailgate as, fat, as, as as much as you can. That way they can't get your plate. Yeah, they, they won't get your plate. So well now, spotted. I hadn't thought about that. They do the back plate. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, a lot of them do. Not all of them. They need to have, like, the Batmobile button on the dashboard, like, zink, covers the back plate. Shield. Shield. covers the back plate. Or the atomic jet. Yeah. I do wonder, though, because I've seen TriMet buses run red lights and the cameras don't go off. Do they have a signal that blocks the camera from going off? Because not against anything against, like, TriMet, you know, because yeah, I don't know. They them. do. They do. My friend drives trucks. Because sometimes they do punch it and they go through a red light. A they lot probably of the times a... with way stations, they um, gauge the speed of the trucker, too. And they gauge everybody's speed, but they have it set up so it only takes pictures if a semi is speeding, and they not probably, a regular car. Or they have something like uh, the ambulance does where they can alter the red light, green light thing. Yeah. You know, because ambulances mm-hmm. have, like, you a know, they have, magic eye thing. They have stoplights. they got to measure for heights. Yeah. Where if the lights are flashing at a certain caliber, they will actually start changing. Yeah. All right. Oh, here's somebody. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. What is that? You did. Somebody just sent me a picture of the Oceanic billboard, which is on, uh, well, this one's on northbound McLaughlin between the Ross Island Bridge and the Hawthorne Bridge for Oceanic Airlines, which, of course, is the airline in Lost. Uh, So now, I'm not a Lost fan, but there are these billboards all over Portland now. There's one at MLK, too, for Oceanic Airlines. And they're completely fictitious. I mean, not f- the billboard's real, but it's a fictitious ad for a fictitious airline. That's kind of cool. Because Portland is going to be a plot point in the new season of Lost. Really? Pow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm well, not much of a Lost in a sea of hipsters. Yes, I. Did you know that we almost had a CSI show here? Really? It was uh, between New. It was uh, between New York and Portland, and I did some of the location scouting for the potential for CSI and why Portland. Did, why did we lose out? Because New York always wins. Stupid New York. But, but the CI, but the plan was that it was going to be the grittiest of all of them because it was always going to be dark and, and raining and gross. And like it's going to be our own personal decay. seven. That's what they wanted to do yeah. with it. And the studio and uh, who was I guess what CBS? Yeah. Decided that a CSI Portland would be too gritty. They didn't want to do Fantastic. it. Fantastic. We were too much for them to handle. Yeah. They couldn't <laughs> handle Portland. I mean, hey, a thousand away bucks the for two days too. They were scouting out in the fifties. The mob was scouting out Southeast Island to, blow, uh, to build a Las Vegas style yeah, yeah. casino. And really? Yeah. It rained the entire time they were here. And they too didn't much. come back. They never came back. So they went well, to they a place where there was no water there. at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. We got a problem with Swalby's Island. It just yeah. rains too damn much. the driest place on Earth. Although I do wish those guys that are trying to bring that aircraft carrier here, yeah, they should totally make that into a casino. All right, let's end this with our high-concept discussion. The SS Double Down. I'm going to throw this out to Timmy Ryan and Aaron Durant. Okay. okay. This is from our friend Chris Sneathan of OnTheVig.com. Subject line, Demi Moore. And then he says, MILF or Cougar? Go. I don't even know the difference. And when did we all decide that Cougar, when did that Cougar's word come in? phrase. It really has. It's been around a mm-hmm. long time. It's like MILF. I, I heard from American Pie. <laughs> I'd never heard it before that. Where did Cougar, from whence did that derive? Cougar's I've never heard like it until like five, six years ago. Really? Cougar's been used for a long time. Like yeah. a Mrs. Robinson kind of a yep. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right. Demi Moore, MILF or Cougar? Cougar. Um, Is that because she's with Ashton Kutcher? Here's Here's the difference. To me, a MILF is, is is the hot mom, but may not have a lot of experience. You know, she's just like a hot young mom. She's the mom next door. Yeah, but yeah. a cougar is still going to be hot, but you know that she's going to just break you in ways you've never been broken when she gets you. Wow. Yeah, no, the cougar knows the MILF that she's a little more innocent. The MILF is just kind of like, and bouncing around. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. She's You're what? Like <laughs> okay. Aaron, I can't concur with you. But the you. cougar is going to give it to you hard, and you're going to like it. I can't concur with the like girl. I think that Demi, Demi Moore. I met Demi Moore. The whole nice. show has just suddenly gone off the rails. Everyone's become a pervert. I think Demi Moore would be horrible in the sack. No, you. But you take that back. I think. One, no, I think I she think would so. be absolutely horrible. I, I think she like has a tough man voice. She's like, 
Oh, yeah. Get I like the fact she's kind of husky. Oh, no, yeah. Um, I remember seeing her in a few good men. It'd be like Kathleen Turner before she was huge. Is she huge? I watched Mr. Yeah. Brooks last night, and she was It would be that. like doing... And it took place in Portland, too. It'd be like doing uh, Jessica Rabbit, because that was Kathleen Turner. Well, that's, that's just creepy. Not the cartoon part. Like that. The vo- You're talking about doing a cartoon? Seriously. What? Jessica Rabbit would be considered a cougar versus a milf. Yeah. See? What about the Little Definitely. Mermaid? You know, she was based no. on uh, Alyssa Milano. She yes, she was. Really? The and who Mermaid? was legal at the time? Yep. Really? The Little Mermaid Ariel was based on Alyssa Milano, who I think was 19. So, there, really? so that's not oh, quite that as creepy as it sounds. Yes. yes. Really? She was based on Alyssa Milano. That explains a lot of... Yeah. yeah. It you explained a lot of your feelings about Ariel? Say it. <laughs> Say it. Because Alyssa Milano was my first TV crush. On the first girl on TV see. that I had yeah. a crush for. First TV crush? Go. Um, <laughs> Cindy Lauper when I was three. Yeah, no, that's really? huh. three. Yeah, when all I right, was good for you. Three, yeah. No wonder you got girls just want to have fun. Oh Cindy my Lauper? God, I'm going to tell you right now. I think that's when I experienced my first. Please don't say anything. Just please <laughs> don't make any noise of any kind. Oh. It rhymes with perfection. Detection? Oh, good lord! <laughs> Suspicion? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then when I saw her in the uh, the Goonies Are Good Enough video, remember that? Yeah, good, good enough, enough for me, it's good, good enough. enough. With Spielberg. Good enough. And good Captain enough Lou Albano from yep. the WWF, yeah, yeah, who eventually yeah, brought down yeah. her career. You know what sucks about about that song? I mean, it's a great song. That's one of the best songs no, ever. No, it's a great song, but you know what? It, 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 like, to this day, people will refer to Cyndi Lauper as being a one or two hit wonder. That song went to number, it was like a top ten hit. Oh, and yet, good enough? I challenge you to find a pop station that will play it. It's weird how over time we decide to forget certain big hits. It, it was a, it was a great song, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. How like how like you know you'll get a band that will rack up. Even with an upcoming Goonies movie, they're still doing that. Yeah, I mean you'll like oh, no. there'll be a band that will legitimately rack up several top ten hits, but over time we decide to disregard some of the top ten hits well, and you, only pay attention to like two of them. True Colors is still one of the most beautiful songs song. ever written. It's great. I drove song. all night. I drove all night. To drove all song. night. Uh, money changes everything. Great song. Fantastic song. One of the she best songs chose, she ever did. She just chose the wrong marketing path. Because yeah. I think, I think well, she, she had the bad luck to be. You know what it is? She was the Salieri to Madonna's Mozart. That's right. She had yep. the bad luck to be born in the same decade yep. as Madonna. Her album, yeah. Hatful of Stars, great album. But her new, you don't have it. Even her great range is great. And you know what? Her range has gotten even better. She can belt it, man. She used to be kind of squeaky. Which I think a lot of it was an affectation. Yeah. You know, she was trying to do the image. She, I heard her sing live a couple of years ago. I mean, not live, but it was like, like it was on TV or something. And she was clearly doing really singing, and her range was unreal. Here's the problem with Cindy Lauper now, though. It's kind of like Drew Barrymore. I dated a girl named Lindsay. She was my ex. Uh-huh. She is a combination of looks between Cindy Lauper and Drew Barrymore. Uh-huh. So every time I see either one of them, I just have to turn the TV off and. So like crying. how Brandy. It's like how uh, Brandy. It's like mm-hmm. how. Uh, it's like how Jenna Bush looks just like uh, yeah, just like her dad, you know? Oh, Jenna Bush is kind of hot in a sort of slutty kind of way. Looks like George Bush, which, Yeah, which sucks because you know she's the dirty one. Yeah. Oh, like Elvis' daughter. <laughs> and she Lisa looks, Marie. Just, and Lisa she looks just like porn star Brandy Taylor. Hi, you're on the Rick, uh, Rick Emerson show. Hello. No. Oh, it's Seal. Oh, we're back on ice. Why is this? Oh, I see. It's that guy again. Yeah. Can we send him an electronic shock through the phone? Or a prize? <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you've won Kissology Vice. Oh. 
I can think of nothing good that Seal has contributed to the world. And he's done again. There you go. Thank you, you. from the grave. Uh, how, long, do what are we done here? how long do we have? We've got about three minutes, ten seconds. Wow. Well, yeah. I think somebody should email me. Radio Tim Ryan ten, ten, ten. at hotmail.com. No, I like getting correspondence. Somebody from Tacoma? Who was at Dante's last night? Hey, hey I've, got, I've got geek news. Yeah? Huh. They are probably going to explain how Kirk cheated on the Kobayashi Maru. Oh, Kobayashi Maru, which yeah. is the no-win uh, no scenario. Oh, let me ask you this. I have a which question. you can see on Friday night at Court's Midnight, Court and Fatboy's Midnight Rath Movie. Con. Yes. I have a question about the Kobayashi Maru as made famous in Star Trek Drew Wrath of Khan. Yes. Is the deal with the Kobayashi Maru... If I recall correctly. Well, it's a Tetsu character. There's no... I understand. Answer. I understand. But the, the setup is that you receive a distress call in the Klingon free zone or whatever it's called. The, the buffer. The neutral, the neutral zone. The neutral zone. Oh, you, you stuff it over there. Um, the, uh, <laughs> oh, let's talk more about Dick Dale. <laughs> <laughs> well, or the Kingsman or some on. other band that hasn't had a hit for 40 I'm years. Not, okay, let's, you will not talk bad about Dick Dale or I will kick your ass. Yeah, no, Dickie will kick I your ass. I have to ask a Star Trek question. You shut up. I, uh, <laughs> this has been bugging me forever. Okay. Dick Dale for president. All right. The Kobayashi Maru, there's the Klingon neutral zone. Yeah, it's the Federation Klingon neutral zone. You know what? But there's a buffer zone. Yeah. Blah, 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 where you can't go without because it's a buffer zone between the Klingons and the Federation. You can't right. go there. It triggers war. It's an act of war. But they get a distress call from within the neutral zone. Right. They go there. The distress call, they lose uh, They lose contact with the ship, and then the Klingons, bam, come out of nowhere, and everybody dies or whatever. Is is it that it's a trap? Is it is the distress call fake? No, or the is ship it ever is set? really there. Okay, it's it's well, not, it's the, not the set up by the Klingons as a trap. No, the ship is really there. I okay. saw that episode, actually. There's been... There is no episode. Yeah, in your face, Timmy Ryan. No, I saw that episode. They've established in the Star Trek Writer's Bible, which they do have, and if you're on the show, you have to learn it. Excellent. Um, that it's supposedly, yeah, the ship drifts off because of a, a navigational error into the neutral zone and hits a mine. Right, okay. disables the ship. The Gravitron mine or Gravitic something? mine, yeah. Gravitic. <laughs> Boy, I'm retarded. Okay. And, um, yeah, then they send out a distress call to anyone who comes in. All right. And soon as the Klingons, re and then yeah, the Klingons do just appear. That's kind of and, the point and so of there it. is no correct choice, of course. That's the whole point of the test: is it how you respond to the pressure, right? But the, but at the very least, the more correct choice would just be to not rescue the ship. But then, uh, then you lose crew members, but then you don't trigger intergalactic war. Um, but Starfleet's first rule is to defend citizens of the Federation. I thought their first rule was to not interfere with That's the prime directive. Oh, how did you guys ever lose your virginity? Well, to a Star Trek chick. I was just going to say there was some Seriously? alcohol. A couple times. And she was blind in one eye. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, how did you ever get out of your parents' basement? Final call. Hello, Rick Emerson Show. Hello there. Happy Hi. New Year. Thank Happy you, New sir. Year. Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's been a fantastic show. And uh, Timmy Ryan? Yeah? Dick Dale blows. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Dick Dale will find you. Yeah. Dickie will find you. I'm, I'm going to tell him right now. All right, uh, let's see. So we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we're going to thank your ass. Uh, Jim Roop, Ed McCarthy, uh, and uh, Bob Noodles, Costantini, joining us today. Uh, Kristen Bowie in for Sarah Dillon. Timmy Ryan in for Tim Riley. And Aaron Geek in the city of Duran. Rename42nd.org. Yep, still going. We're dropping off the application tomorrow. We will have 180 Yay! days from then to collect signatures and raise money. All right, count me, so tell awesome. me signs. Uh, you can hear Timmy Ryan do news this afternoon, 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour all the way through. Like us. Uh, like us is next, by the way, Donna Mike at 7. As always, from everyone at our family to everyone at your family, Happy New Year, and watch out for snakes. Uh, I'll see you all. Stop that. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye now.
This joke copyrighted 2008 Rick Emerson Show. <laughs>